That's Tanya Tucker from 1989, If It Don't Come Easy. Yes, I listen to country music, if you don't already know that. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dandruff with TELUS. This is being recorded and broadcast live on May 24th, 2017 at uh, 8.37 p.m., I'm embarrassed to say. Calwatt, hello. He's my co-host. He's here with me. Oh, sorry, Druff. So I was listening to do uh, two copies of you in the headphones. I oh, got messed okay. up. Now, to me, it sounded normal, but I, I can understand one of me is enough. I know you don't want <laughs> you don't want two of me at the same time. Uh, I, I, hate, I don't want one of you at so, the same time, depending on what you mean by it. I mean, <laughs> we have a free roll starting. I'll tell you guys about that. Someone's trying to call into the show. Don't call into the show at the moment we start. Whoever you are, don't don't call into the show at the moment we start. Come on. 
let's be real. I'll forgive this maybe because they're not listening yet. Maybe someone trying to call who doesn't know that we started late. So maybe I'll take part of the blame for this, but I'm not answering a call right now. We have a free roll starting in two minutes at 840. Uh, it's a $59 free roll donated by the biggest recent winner of Poker Fraud Alert Radio free rolls. Someone who somehow crushes the field despite many distractions, and that is our own Calwatt. And he's so generous that not only does he donate money just on his own, he also redonates the money that he wins in these free rolls. So um, he won $59, and that is going right back into this week. So it all came from Calwatt. Well, you you forgot the baller thing about that, is that I won my own bounty. Yes, that part of that was his own bounty. It was his (laughs) first place and his own bounty, which is really the only way to win your own bounty. But anyway, the, the free roll takes place in the No Fraud Online Poker Room. It starts in two minutes. You can find the No Fraud Online Poker Room near the top of the screen. Snowtrack says he wants another $10 bounty on me. I don't know if you've I mean, got Yeah, that he, can, he can throw it on. Yeah, that's sure. Uh, right, he says he sent it to you, and he said in the chat that uh, okay, That's, that's that, very so. possible. I didn't check my messages about that. So, so yeah, Snowtrack's just throwing on a $10 bounty on Calwatt. I'll add this here, $10 bounty on Calwatt. Come get it. So it the, is. the other prizes, I'm sure Cal White will win it again, by the way. He'll probably finish first. And, uh, no way. Bounty. He's a, I, I don't run this room, by the way. In case you guys think I'm raking it for Cal Watt, uh, Belly Buster runs this. So perhaps Belly Buster is in cahoots with Cal Watt. I don't know. But, yeah, that's some scam that you're running, Drew. The, the problem is – I win and then I redonate. I, I was going to say – what, What's the profit? Where well, it could be happen? a long con. It could I'll be a long, long con here. It could be yeah. a very long con. But anyway, um, <clears throat> all this money came from – Calwatt this week, $59, and then 10 from uh, Snow Tracks. So it's uh, first place going to be $30. Second place will be $15. Third place will be $9. Fourth place will be $5. And the $10 bounty on Calwatt is, uh, yeah, it came from Snow Tracks. So thank you, Snow Tracks, for that. Thank you, Calwatt, for repeatedly donating here. And uh, this begins right now, but you have 25 minutes, 25 minutes of late registration to get there with a full stack. So you still have time. It is no limit hold'em. You need to read the rules to be familiar with whether or not you qualify for the free money. Go to pokerfraudler.com slash free roll. Pokerfraudler.com slash free roll. All lowercase letters, nothing deceiving about it. Pokerfraudler.com slash free roll. Read the rules, familiarize with yourself with them. If you don't know the rules and you don't qualify, tough luck. Then I just take you out of the pool as if you were not there and pay the next place down. I will pay you in many ways. In uh, bank transfer, Bitcoin, you can get cash or check once you've accumulated $100 of winnings. Otherwise, you know, you know I'm not going to send smaller checks or cash payments anymore. Unless you see me at the World Series, then I'll give you cash for whatever we want. You know, you, if I owe you $13 and you see me at the World Series, hey, drop, give me $13, provided I have that amount on me. You know, like if I, I'm just carrying hundreds. I'm not going to give that to you. I guess you can mug me for it from carrying enough hundreds. But uh, I want my thirteen dollars and seventy nine cents, Druff. Yeah, I'm not going to walk to the cashier and break a hundred <laughs> for you. But if, if or if you can make change for me, whatever, I can give you this, the small amounts of cash. But other than that, you have to wait till you accumulate hundred to get a cash or check. But I'll send you the any other amount, any micro amount you win through Bitcoin, bank transfer, or uh, some other electronic payment methods that you can probably figure out if you think about it. You can ask me if you don't know. So uh, you PM me, Dan Space Druff, or email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com if you win the free roll, any of these prizes, to collect them. This is real cash, though. You're not getting crappy money on a poker site that you don't want. Though I sometimes have people asking, hey, can I get ACR money instead of the cash? And I actually say, no, 
I, I do it if I could, but I don't have ACR money, so I can't give it to you. And I, I even offer, look, if you can find someone on the site to trade with, I'll send them the cash, and then you can, I'll, you know, they can send you the chip there. But anyway, that, that's the way it goes, and we have this every week. And I thank Calwatt. I thank everybody else who donates to this free roll because this money doesn't come from me. This does not come from me. I'm too much of a cheap Jew to donate to this. That's, that's a fact. I very, very occasionally do, but so infrequent, I don't even want to take credit for donating. So, I, I, there's a little bit of a reason I'm late tonight beyond the normal situation of just always being late. And I'm going to share it with you people here, and I, I don't want anyone to get too alarmed. But uh, I believe that, and it's not confirmed yet because it's just starting, but I believe that I am coming down with my third cold in a row. And this would be the third one since April 8th, which, I'll be honest, is kind of concerning. I've never had that happen before. I've had two colds in a row. I've had three colds in a relatively short period of time before. And then everything passes and a number of months pass with no colds and I'm fine. And you know, many this happens, you know, has happened way in the past to where they're like, you know, seven years ago, ten years ago. It's where obviously it's not indicative of any kind of problem. But I've never had three colds with less than a week in between them. And that's appearing what's happening here. I'm not 100% sure, but I feel congested today. I've been coughing a lot today. I, uh, my voice has been going out a bit today. So I'm going to try to hit the mute button pretty fast so you guys don't hear it in your ear. But I am a little bit concerned, I'll be honest. I'm probably going to go to a doctor about this. I, I never go to doctors over colds. I think it's a waste of time. But this is a little bit weird. I had someone suggest to me maybe it's not a cold. Many times people have cold or flu-like symptoms, which are indicative of a much greater problem. And I said, no, because I, I, I get a lot of colds and I know the pattern it follows. This one's a bit different, but the first two were identical to the typical pattern I get with colds. It's a very specific pattern, a very specific feeling. I've had enough of them to where I know a cold versus something that kind of looks like a cold. This one is a little bit different so far the way it's starting. So that's why I'm not 100% sure, but uh, I, I have to admit, three three in a row here in such a short time since April 8th. We're on May 24th, It's it's and where they last a while, each of them. That is a little bit concerning. And I don't know if I'm having some kind of immune system problem or whatever. This could be nothing. It could just be running bad. It could be like taking three terrible beats in a row. You know, Are you saying AIDS? I'm, I'm, I'm not, not saying AIDS. Mm. But, uh, no, it's, it's a little bit concerning. And, uh. I, I've, it's a good chance that people will be hearing this in the archives on the call to listen line, you know, years from now. And, you know, everything will be fine and this will just be something stupid that I worried about. And uh, I try not to you know, worry. I, I, I'm not someone who worries. I'm, I have serious illnesses. I, I, I really don't. You know, I'll complain if, there, if there's kind of a minor or moderate problem I'm having. I'm not someone who's going to sit quiet and feel like crap and let no one know it. But I, I don't. I'm not the type who says, oh, maybe I have cancer. Oh, maybe I have a you know, major immune system. I don't do that. I, in fact, I'm kind of the, the opposite. I kind of say, no, that's not happening to me. But, uh, and I don't think these things are happening. I don't think these, I, I haven't felt quite right ever since that first cold started in April, in early April. But I, I haven't felt so horrible that it feels like something is major. So it's kind of in between. It's kind of, I haven't felt quite right. And I've had three colds, but or maybe had three colds, but. Uh, on the other hand, it's not uh, as bad as I would expect it to be if something was major here. So we'll see. I'm going to check on it. Uh, 
But on a good note, not about me, but a good note, uh, I mentioned last week a listener, I'm not going to say who it is, but a listener who was just coming out of emergency surgery. And amazingly, the thing he wanted to do very shortly after coming out of emergency surgery on Wednesday was listen to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. <laughs> Which is actually great. I said, I said, that's so cool that someone enjoys the show so much that uh, they come out of surgery and it's Wednesday. They go, oh, Wednesday. Oh, cool. Now I, now I can listen to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. So uh, I've been informed by this person that they are out of the hospital, and they, they have a recovery period ahead of them, but it looks like they're going to be okay. Uh, so uh, I'll tell you, at one point I was concerned for this person. At one point it, it honestly didn't look very good, but they're out of the hospital and uh, they're recovering, and I, I'm very happy to hear that that person's doing well. If they want me to say who they are at some point, they can tell me, but uh, and then I don't want to... When these things happen, I, I want to... Let people know that uh, you know where I'm thinking of them, and that I I'm happy that they're doing better, or concerned they're not doing well. But I, I don't want to out people's personal business, so I, I say it without uh, completely revealing who it is. Anyway, um, and no, someone's guessing it's someone who called at such and such. The person has not called the show in a long time, so it's not it's not like Bad Guy Twenty Three or something. Like it's not. Uh, I think the person has called the show very occasionally. But they're not like a regular caller to the show. It's a very regular listener, but not a regular caller. So, uh, nor is it a regular forum poster. But that's all I'll say. So. Oh, Druff, I got word that that caller uh, was the Iceman. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Well, we'll try him back. I mean, I see the phone number. I'll, I'll try him back. But I, I you know, I've got to. But that's that's okay. I know people were asking the Iceman for a check-in. Yeah, and Lou Father said that uh, he's got him and he's trying to call. And okay, well, we'll put him on soon. But something with the Iceman, though. I've got a. I've listened to some of the old shows of the Iceman, and they range between really funny and amusing and uh, and terrible. And the terrible ones are when he's in a poker room; you can hardly hear him. He's rambling. He's not like sometimes he's just like not funny or entertaining. It's just kind of like impossible to understand what's going on. So if it's if it's one of those calls, I'll end it pretty quickly. If it if it's a funny call, I'll let it go on for a while. But uh, we'll we'll try to do an Iceman check, and I know he has some fans here. And we've you know, over the various radio shows I've been part of, we have done that. So here's here's the agenda tonight. Or before we get to the agenda, let me give you the phone numbers: seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. That's our main phone number. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston is a mountain near Las Vegas. I have a cabin near the top of Mount Charleston. And there is an old 70s rotary telephone that forwards to wherever I go. That number is 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. If you call it on your cell phone, you'll get your phone bill. You'll look. It'll say Mount Charleston, Nevada. It really will. We also have the call to listen line, which is a number you can use to listen to the show live at any time. does not require a data plan. does not require a cell phone or the internet. If you have a data plan, it won't use any of your data. It does not even require a good cell phone connection. Just you call and listen. The phone number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162, the call to listen line. And if we're not live on the air, then it will be playing one of our reruns. It'll pick a random show from our library of more than five years worth of shows and run it as if it's live. And then when that's over, it picks another random show. And it does this over and over again until we are on back live. If you want to listen to the show in the archives, you can do so through iTunes, Google Play, the TuneIn app, 
the Stitcher app. You could play or download the MP3 directly from PokerFraudAlert.com. Just go to the radio page, scroll down to the archive section, click on whatever little icon applies to what you want. You can also listen to the show live through the TuneIn app. So to listen live, you can do it through just the regular PokerFraudAlert.com radio page or through the TuneIn app or through the call to listen line. If you want to text the show, same as our main phone number, 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355 is our text number as well. If you text me when we're not on the air, I will probably respond to you, and I may read your messages on the air even a week later, unless you ask me not to, at uh, the beginning of your message. So uh, there's someone who has a special announcement for the show. So what is the special announcement? Oh, you want me to do it now? Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, so got kind of a, kind of a big deal, so... Uh, when we were, were doing that interview with uh, Andrew Barber last week, right? You remember he discussed that the most important thing about staking is the money, basically your ROI, and that the other factors were secondary to him, right? Yeah, uh, you know, and he viewed it as an investment. Um, well, then we we're talking about him being an effective altruist, where he wanted to give money to where it was most effectively spent. Again, you know, whatever the highest ROI is. Um, so that made me do quite a bit of uh, thinking and introspection and that kind of thing. And so I'm announcing today, Druff, that I'm going through a life change, and uh, I'd like your support in it, Druff. Okay. Um, I'm becoming an effective feminist. <laughs> Uh, that is, that if the net ROI of being female in a particular profession, like poker, poker, means that you make more money, you know, sponsorships, limelight, or whatever, that it's worth the crap that you have to put up with. Um, so I'm kind of using, you know, the same logic he had about the, the packages and the ROI and the effective <laughs> altruist to become an effective feminist. That's, that's great. That's, and that's... If you guys don't know what he's referring to, listen to the last show. We had a long interview with Andrew Barber, who uh, you know I've gone back and forth with on Twitter, and Cal Watt has uh, had words with on Twitter. But we had him on, and, and despite differing views on political and social issues, uh, he came off very well. He was he was uh, nice. He was you know, very reasonable in our discussions back and forth. And I'll tell you, I got a lot of texts saying, you know, I think Andrew Barber on Twitter is a complete douche, and I hate him, but. I wanted to hate him during the show, and I couldn't. Everybody liked him. Even right. the people who hate him on Twitter liked him. I know Cal White liked him. I liked him hearing on here. I've never seen someone come on who got such a positive reaction compared to what people's perception of them was online. Like, there's so many people who dislike him online, and, and yet people heard him on the show and actually took the time to text me and say, wow, I, I, could, I couldn't dislike him. I actually liked Andrew Barber. I enjoyed the segment. I, I liked him. Uh, you know, I totally disagree with him, but I, but I like him. That I, I got a lot of people saying that, so I want to thank Andrew for coming on last week. And uh, uh, I was I was a little worried. Maybe the segment was too long, especially because we completely got away from a lot of uh, you know from poker or gambling related topics at points. And I was like, uh oh, this is going to be just a yeah philosophical, political, social discussion. It's maybe it's going to turn people off. But no, I didn't get any complaints about that. People said they enjoyed the interview, and not a single person complained it was too long. So okay, I. I I enjoyed it, but I was afraid maybe the audience may not, but they everybody liked it, and everybody seemed to like him. So good job, Andrew Barber. You came out very well. And I, I agree. I thought it was a, a good interview, and again, 
I'm making a life change now. That's even my tagline on Twitter is uh, effective feminist. <laughs> right? So, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. That's, that's funny. So now I just have to come up with some obscure word that I can put in there, too, that people will have to look up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like that's he, right. Like, like he's got I know you that's And then, and then I'll be yeah. good. But yeah, that's, that's right. But seriously, I think uh, maybe I can get him to join my effective yeah, feminism fact. movement. By the way, am I doing a good job at sounding like I'm healthy, even though I don't feel good? You sound a little distracted, but a pretty little? good otherwise. Okay, okay. I, I, th- I think I'm putting on a good act here. Like, I think I'm uh, – I know I am good at, on this show, coming – like, when – and this isn't happening right now, but if, if there's something going on in my personal life that's depressing or very stressful, I, I can come on this show and pretend it's not, and, and nobody can tell the difference. Or if I'm running really bad in poker, like, nobody can tell the difference, and even I can't tell the difference listening back years later. I'm like, wait, was I running really bad at that time? Was I having problems? With no, no, I wasn't. I, like, I, I have a hard time even telling myself. So, and I, I can't really do that in real life. In real life, I, I have a hard time putting on a happy face if I'm unhappy. But somehow on this show, I can. Somehow on this show, I can just turn everything off and just come on here normally. So, anyway, uh, here's the agenda tonight, and we'll get going. We don't, we're not going to have a, an interview tonight, as far as I know. But uh, Iceman. Oh, the Iceman, we will. That's right. I, I'm already forgetting. Okay. Vanessa Russo had a Twitter meltdown two days ago. A very, very strange Twitter meltdown while visiting Florida. She is now claiming that it was not a Twitter meltdown, but it was a hacking. We will discuss what happened. I'll read you her tweets, and we'll give our analysis. Was she really hacked? What was really going on? What could be the reason for this? We'll have a discussion of this. Oddly, uh, there's no mention of this last I looked on 2 Plus 2. There doesn't seem to be much discussion except on some Big Brother fan sites. And you know, this is the type of show where we do that type of thing. This is, this is where we stray away from just the basic poker news that a lot of other podcasts cover pretty well. And we, we just we analyze it. We tell you what we really think. Even if it's politically incorrect or may offend some people or may uh, bother some people, we, we this is the show to hear this type of thing where you really want to get down to what the truth is. So we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to make a phone call involving that situation. Not to Vanessa, though uh, someone gave me her number, but I'll tell you why I'm not going to call it when I get to that segment. Mike Nori, we had him on this show talking about his McDonald's bet. May 19th, it took place. And it failed spectacularly. He didn't win. He didn't come close to winning. He, he got clobbered by the bet. But there's a lot more to the story, a lot of controversy about it. We'll talk about what happened there. There's enough to where I can just tell you it failed. So we're, Usually I don't like giving that away so people listen into the show who may not know the result yet. And it's, it's like a hook to listen. But the real story here isn't so much that he lost. It's, it's the way he lost. Ty Stewart, who's the head of the World Series of Poker, he's the boss of Jack Effel and Seth Polanski, he appeared on the 2 Plus 2 PokerCast. This is where the 2 Plus 2 PokerCast is an advantage. I don't think Ty Stewart would come on this show. I haven't tried, but he, I don't think he would. But they're known as a bigger operation, and they're known as you know less controversial than we are. So uh, they got him on there, and Adam Schwartz always does a good job with that show. So anyway, he did an interview with Ty Stewart, and he, Ty Stewart 
talked about the Global Poker Index and why the WSOP is not using them. I should say that they're not doing business with the Global Poker Index anymore. And he bashed them. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that. Poker Central, who will be streaming a lot of the World Series content, made an unfortunate announcement that it will not be free. It's going to be a subscription service, so we'll talk about that situation, whether that's going to even work for them. We have a contest tonight. I understand that if you are not a big or medium-level player, either in Vegas or uh, at a property affiliated with Vegas properties, that you probably are going to spend a good deal of money on hotel rooms in Vegas. Hotel rooms are getting expensive in Vegas. They really are. With that in mind, I'm going to give away two free midweek nights, that is Sunday through Thursday nights. As you know, the, the, When I say Sunday through Thursday, I mean the reservation has to start uh, and, and end from uh, as a start uh, s- Sunday through uh, Wednesday, I guess, and end uh, by Friday morning. So two nights that both have to occur on a Sunday through Thursday. But pretty much any time between now and the end of September. There may be blackout dates, but they're, they're not listed. But for the most part, pretty much any two midweek nights between now and the end of September at Paris which, in my opinion, is the second-best Caesars property behind Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Some people think other ones are, but I I think Paris is the second-best. So you'll get two weeknights at the Paris for free if you're a diamond or higher. And if you're not a diamond or higher, then you will have to pay the resort fee, and that's it. So, no catch to this. I'm going to send you a certificate, and then you just... Redeem it online or call up and redeem it, and you'll get your two nights. And this works. It's, it's a certificate that was sent to me by I Am Greek, and I thank him for that, and I have two of them. So tonight, tonight we're giving away one, and we're doing a contest, and I'm going to pick some caller number, and whoever that caller number is will get to do our contest. Tonight, our contest is called Did This Happen? And it's kind of like a true-false test. I'm going to read you 10 things which happened, uh, only one of which I'm involved in. Some of these I I may or may not have witnessed myself, but as far as the subject of each of these 10 things, I'm the subject of only one of them. So I'm going to read you something that happened, supposedly, and you're going to say, did happen or did not happen. Some of them, there's going to be a short shot clock where you have to answer quickly just to keep it on the up and up so you don't Google something. And the rules are going to be that you can't, I can't hear any typing in the background. The chat room is asked not to give any advice. And some of them you'll have to answer very quickly. Other ones which can't be Googled, you know, some of them will just be like, you know, a player at such and such game did such and such that you can't Google, so... That you can take as much time as you want. I'll tell you before each question whether it has to be a fast answer or a time an answer you can take your time, depending upon if it's Googleable or not. Because the things that are that you could Google, then you can see you know, if you get no results, you say it didn't happen. If you get results for it and it pops up quickly, you can say it did happen. So anything involving a name, then I'm going to say like he's not part. He's not one of these questions. But if Phil Helmuth is one of the questions, uh, I'd say you have to answer that one fast. 
anyway, we're going to do that sometime uh, during the show. And the only thing I ask is if you're calling to be a contestant, don't just do it because you want to be a contestant. Do it only if you plan to come to Vegas and need a hotel room on two midweek nights from now through September 29th, or if you want to give it to someone you know, but not just, you might want to, like you have to specifically know somebody who is going to be going and that can use this. So it's fine if you want to give it as a gift to your mother or your friend or your girlfriend, whatever. Just, uh, I don't want you to just collect it and may or may not use it because that's a waste. And I, I have no way to verify this, but just please respect that. And please respect I am Greek who gave these away. I don't want them to go to waste. So I actually know people in my life who could just take them. You know, I, I could have given them too, but I want to give them away on the show, and that's what I am Greek wanted, so that's what we're going to do. Well, there's a, a new technique to hack poker accounts that's much more sophisticated than other techniques that I've seen in the past. This one is pretty nasty. It's uh, hacking through a cell phone text message scam. And it's, it's very hard to prevent. It's not one of these things where only fools get victimized. You can easily be victimized even if you think you're being diligent in preventing unauthorized access to your various accounts. Uh, some smart people were victims of this, including Vanessa Selbst. I don't like Vanessa Selbst. I don't agree with her very much. Uh, I have a lot of issues with her, but uh, I'll agree that she's very intelligent. And... You know, she was a victim of this, and I, I under, she didn't really do anything wrong to become a victim. So we'll explain what was going on. This was brought to my attention here by a, a Doug Polk video. So uh, we'll talk a bit about that. Perlod Friedman, former UB pro after he was cheated by UB for about half a million dollars or more. He became a UB pro, provo- promoted the company as a, the new UB when he knew it wasn't. And then they stole everyone's money and ran off. Hmm. He, he's attempting to get a music career going. He's always thought of himself, he's always thought of himself as a rapper and he's left, he's uh, released some laughable rap tunes, but he has a young girlfriend named uh, Ada or Aida. I don't know how you pronounce it. A-I-D-A. And he's trying to get her a serious music career going. So, Prahlad and Aida are going to be performing in concert in Los Angeles. We're going to talk a bit about that. Mike Sexton was associated with party poker at the very beginning. In fact, he even made phone calls to players who had played and then stopped playing for a while, including me. He's coming home. He's returning home to party poker. He's going to be chairman of party poker. If you've been to the Las Vegas Strip, you've probably driven by some vacant lots. And you think, wow, why is there no hotel here? Why is it just empty? It's so valuable, Vegas Strip land. Why is it just empty? Well, everyone owns, not everyone, but someone owns every plot of land on the Las Vegas Strip. It's just a matter of uh, what is chosen to be done with it. And sometimes there's delays, especially with the up and down nature of the Vegas real estate market, commercial market, and economy. But a large piece of Vegas Strip land is for sale. I'll tell you about what's going on there. And a second but similar Las Vegas story, even though it's unrelated, the Resorts World Las Vegas project, which would be a $4 billion complex that is being supposed to be built in Las Vegas, is now being delayed. So 
Could this be a warning sign for Las Vegas that tough times are ahead? So that's our agenda tonight, plus the Iceman, if we can get him. Hey, Jeff, what's uh, Aida's last name? I don't know. It's just Aida, A-I-D-A. And if you if you Google uh, Aida and then Progress, P-R-A-G-R-E-S-S. It's there- not schlong, is it? <laughs> I thought you were. Schlong? I thought you were asking that because there's another Aida who is like on. <laughs> she, she, I mean, it's probably true. That's probably how she <laughs> is getting the music career going. But she, there's uh, another. The weird thing is, there's another Aida associated with music, like on some kind of. Uh, I think some British type of American Idol show. So that's what's kind of weird. Is she already duplicates the name of a of a much more famous musician at this point, which is odd, but. Uh, and hey, we'll get to that when we talk about uh, that situation. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to talk about, I don't think the Iceman goes to bed early. I just don't see him as a early to bed, early to rise type of guy. So I, I want to talk about Vanessa Russo first, and then we'll call the Iceman, and then we'll do the rest of everything else. Um, by the way, if you're not in the free roll, it's too late. So uh, the, bow, the, the, the bounty on Calwatt and... It's been claimed. Oh, it's been, you're out already? Uh, I oh, I got bad beat. Oh, my goodness. I know. Blind versus blind, I shoved Ace Jack, called by King Ten, oh. uh, Ten Jack, X Flop, River wow. King. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The sad thing is when you shove with Ace Jack and you get called with King Ten, you, like, you're not all that thrilled because there's a... I was thrilled on the flop. No, on the flop, sure. Yeah, but uh, like at first you look at it and you go, oh, great, I'm ahead. You go, well, but there's a lot of ways they're going to beat me on this one. Yep. And uh, you much more want to see, like, you know, Ace 3. But, yeah, oh, well, I, I guess this is proof. It's either proof it's not rigged or this is our way of making it look not rigged, that he loses every so often. That that was the mistake that the AP super users made. <laughs> I, that was the mistake Grey Cat made is he never lost. He never called the river and lost. He always made the right move. You can't always make the right move. You can't win every session. You've got you've got to you've got to lose sometimes if you're going to cheat and make it look like it's not cheating. So I'm changing my name on there to Cock Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about Vanessa Russo. This is this is uh, as soon as the story broke, I, I knew I would be fascinated by it. And I knew that this would be a subject of radio. There's just some some topics when they come out, when they are brought to my attention, I go, oh, this is going to be a radio topic. Oh, this is going to be an interesting topic. Oh, wow, I'm going to want to look into this one. Like there's some that's really grabbed my interest. This was one of them because it had all the elements I enjoy. It had kind of a weird, mysterious angle to it where you had to figure something out. It had... <clears throat> a gossip element of a known poker player. Uh, it had, uh, it had just a, a, a sensationalism to it. There's a lot of stuff here that is kind of very likely to pique my interest level, and it did. So we're going to talk about what happened with Vanessa Russo here, and we're going to break this down. And this show, we're, we're not going to be afraid to say what the truth likely is. We don't know the truth for sure, but one can... We have smart people on this site. This is a smart forum. There's a lot of smart people on the forum. Sometimes I wish there were more idiots so I could just, you know, just, just pretty much control the discussion all the time. Well, oh, you should the... get an idiot for a co-host. So. <laughs> 
I'll always get the better of everybody. But this is a smart forum here. It's hard to get things by the people on this forum. And, and also a lot of our radio show listeners, like the people in the radio show chat. We have a lot of intelligent people who listen to the show, who, uh, who read the forum. And boy, things get analyzed very well. So uh, I, I knew that our forum would also do a good job with this. I, I did some, other people did some. So I, I think we've really come close to solving this one. So uh, Vanessa Russo, who is a uh, fairly well-known poker player, kind of came on the scene in the mid-2000s, I think around 06, 05, something like that. Uh, and uh, quickly, uh, she had a, a pretty high effective uh, feminism rate. What do you call it? She, she she really benefited a lot by being a young female. She was an effective feminist right yeah, there. right. I mm-hmm. mean, she made a, a lot of money, got a lot of notoriety. She exploited her uh, poker fame very well. She she realized very quickly, I'm a female in poker. I'm young. I have long blonde hair. Uh, you know, I, I have a fairly nice body. Yeah, she uh, put on the bikini several times. Yeah, the, the, I, I can. You know, I'm pretty. I can pretty much be uh, poker hot. I'm, I'm so people are going to be fascinated by this, and I can parlay this into a whole lot of different opportunities that I otherwise would not have had if I was not a, a poker player. So, what was that? Oh my god! You went there. <laughs> I, I don't know how that sound effect came on. It uh, must have been a mistake. You got a bunch of carrots in your back pocket. <laughs> it, must, it must have been a mistake. I. Hit the wrong button. That's so brutal. So, so anyway, uh, <laughs> Vanessa, I go on mute for a second. <laughs> Vanessa Russo, <laughs> he's, he's out of control here. Vanessa Russo, she's been around for more than a decade. She's had, she's had some fairly good poker results. Not recently. She hasn't played a lot of poker recently, but she, she, she. Won some big tournaments on Poker Stars. Uh, I don't think she won any World Series bracelets. In fact, I'm pretty sure she didn't. But she's had pretty good poker results during the time that she was actively playing. She's there were a few times where she had some televised hands or some reported on hands that were played very poorly. But let's face it, we all can't play our A game every day. I, if if every eye was on me with every hand I played, there would be a few embarrassing hands too that I wouldn't want everyone talking about. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really focus on that stuff. Uh, her results seem fairly good, uh, but she really has parlayed, uh, you know, kind of moderate poker fame from the during the poker boom into a lot bigger things. She was a GoDaddy girl, you know, on those GoDaddy commercials where they have uh, uh, various uh, young, attractive girls, some of whom are, are famous or semi-famous. Like, what was the name of that that female race car driver? Forget her name. She was, she was Danica Patrick. Danica Patrick, that's right. And she was she was uh, a GoDaddy girl, and so, so they started no, going. I just put a, I just showed a really hot picture of Vanessa Russo in a bikini into the the chat there. Okay, I don't know if you remember that picture. Let me see. Let me see. I uh, I have to click on it and see if you're being uh, honest or. Uh, Sarcastic, but let's see here. I'm going to click on it. Oh, yeah. that's No, that was an odd picture. Okay, I, I won't uh, won't deny that. So, <laughs> so okay. Um, <clears throat> someone asking the chat, what was that unicorn sound effect? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, she, she, was, uh, she was on Big Brother. She was a GoDaddy girl. 
And she made good money off these things. She really took her poker fame as far as it would carry her. And that's fine. If, if I were a female under 30 who is attractive or semi-attractive, I, I would have done that too. I would have tried to do that, and I'm, I'm not going to fault her for doing that. I think that's fine. But Well, you said you'd do it now. I would. Yeah. But, but, but the problem I kind of had with – well, I had a few problems. But, but I'll, I'll come out right out and say the one thing I've never heard of her doing is like scamming anyone. I've, I've, I, we talk about scammers a lot on this show. I'm going to come right out and say I've never heard of her ripping anyone off, scamming anyone. So I'll give her credit for that. She's been honest as far as that stuff is concerned. I think she's always made – a good amount of money, especially from sponsors. You yeah, yeah. No need, no need. Right, to right. You're right. There's no need to do this. But, uh, yeah. but, but also, I, I haven't heard of her like doing shady things. But it's been more of just her behavior has kind of been off-putting to me over the years. Some of which I've witnessed personally. Some of which I've heard about, and I believe the stories from from you know wit, what I've, what I've witnessed before personally. Uh, I've, I've just had excessive indifference towards her. I can understand that too. <laughs> yeah, but uh, for, for example, at one of the World Series, this is a number of years ago, maybe oh seven or oh eight, something like that. But uh, she, I, I heard some female yelling at at some player. I heard that was really stupid. That was stupid. And, and I hear something like, what? "What? I just wanted to call her." No, it was stupid. He's like, "Why? Why are you calling me stupid? I'm not calling you stupid. I'm just saying it was a stupid play, and it was a stupid play. If it's a stupid play, I'm going to say it's a stupid play." I'm like, what the hell? I look over. Mm-hmm. It's Vanessa Russo, and the guy she's doing this to is not another pro or something. It's a fish. It's it's a clear recreational player who looks Can't so em- who looks so embarrassed by this, and she's very loud. This wasn't like the next table over. This was like like a, a third a third of the way all the way across the room, so everyone heard it. And I'm like, what is what? She must have taken a bad beat. He must have made a stupid play. Being an amateur, that's that's what you want. You want them making a stupid play. And sometimes they make a stupid play, and you get screwed by it. And you just have to go, oh well. That's a, I wish it didn't happen. But uh, th- this is why I can make money in poker overall. If everybody exactly, was, I mean, that just tells me she's not a pro. Yeah, and you I, know I don't, what I mean, yeah, like I don't I don't mind being frustrated. I don't mind being internally frustrated about it. You've, you've got to contain it, or if you can't contain it, at least you don't blame the person or, or go off on them. You you just kind of act like you're frustrated. You, There's you, you just lost. no one that can be a long term pro that is going to take take it like that. Yeah. you know what I mean from a from a fish, and and, and I mean it's just. It's ridiculous. And then there was some other times that, uh, you know, if someone – and I, the rest of these stories, I don't know if they're – well, some of them I don't know if they're true. Like there was one – There was one – there were a couple that were caught on camera too, weren't there? Yeah, I think there were. And then there was a, a, a story someone told about how she was listening to her headphone and singing loudly along with the song. You just hear someone just singing <laughs> at the table, distracting everyone. But, that, you know, it's only a song she can hear. Right. And everyone's kind of looking at her and she's just not realizing that this is rude to do. And, and people – I think they said like – she was aware that people were noticing her doing it, but she just didn't stop. It wasn't even like she accidentally did it for a few seconds at a habit. She went on for a long time doing this. And then she stopped and play her hand and go back to singing it. That's what someone said. I wasn't there to witness that, but I believe it. And, and I, I've, there's been a number of other things that kind of like head-scratching moments, kind of uh, weird behavior in these uh, social or poker situations. Yeah, and- I'm trying to remember what it was, but she was, there was definitely something that was televised. Where she had, I think there might have been more than one. Where she had like a little meltdown hissy fit with somebody. I forget. Yeah, it. yeah, I heard damn. about that. I forget it too, but I heard about that as well, or maybe even seen it. Like, and it went on for a while. Like, I remember watching it. Yeah. So, and then she, yeah, this, like, if, let me go to her Twitter. I'm going to read you another thing that kind of annoys me. Just I think that picture I pasted in should be her profile. Picture. <laughs> well, what? What? Listen, 
just just to bring it back to that sound effect <laughs> um, on her Twitter, and I'm not making this up. Um, before her name, she actually has a picture of a horse. Oh my god! I'm, I'm go to go right now. Twitter.com/slash Vanessa Russo, all one word. R <laughs> Vanessa with one N and R O U S S O. It, it, it's like horse Vanessa Russo. This is her. She she put this is not a joke. Someone didn't do this. To her. This she put this. She she put a horse on her on her Twitter profile. I don't I don't know why, but that's that's what she put. It's a unicorn. Well, but it's still a form of a horse. <laughs> okay. It's a horse. Okay. It's a horse with a horn. You know, there's a okay so. It's a horny horse. Anyway, this, she, she, this is what she puts uh, as her description. I, I guess this is what we do on the show now is read people's Twitter descriptions. We did that for uh, Andrew Barber. We're going to do this for her. Music maker, poker player, CBS Big Brother finalist. This is the thing. This, this, that's okay. But here's the part that starts to piss me off. Maverick. What? She's called herself a maverick for years. In fact, her name on Poker Stars was Lady Maverick. That's like giving yourself a nickname. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I realize that's her nickname, but you... There are certain things you just can't say about yourself yeah. without any credibility. Right. That's yeah. what someone would say about you. That's, that someone's uh, describing yeah. you uh, in, in some way that, that you've earned it to where people give you – you don't call yourself a maverick. You just don't do that. Right. But she, she, And she's been saying this for years. Oh, I'm a maverick. And that's just obnoxious. And so, and that's, that's pretty much like who she is. And, and then game theorist, which is already like that's – I mean, yes. Questionable. Yeah, I mean, whether she is or not, you know, unless you, unless just you're because a no- you, just just because you took one class in college, okay, which is my understanding. I don't think she even majored in game theory. Yeah, I was going to say that if you yeah. if you're a, a well known game theorist who uh, people respect for that, then you want to put that. That's fine. Uh, yeah, if you, like if you're the creator of that. Uh, that poker bot that just crushed everybody. Right, sure. right. Then you're a yeah. game theorist. You're, you're a game theorist. <laughs> I'll give you and that I bet one. You he doesn't put that. Yeah, that's funny. He, you know what I he mean? probably just has down like, oh, I'm a Mets fan or whatever. Like uh, that's what he puts down. He probably doesn't even put it game theorist. Then uh, entrepreneur, uh, and then we'll get to this in a second. Music at nightlight. Nightlight is a weird, uh, like electronic music business that she's running with her girlfriend. But we'll get to that in a little bit. So I, I've always found that she kind of presents herself as like a, like almost like a super person, someone who's just uh, great at so many things, talented, super talented at so many things, someone that that uh, everyone's supposed to look up and admire. Everyone's supposed to look up as uh, just someone with with so many talents and supposed to be beautiful too, and uh, and a great poker player, and and so many things. She's a maverick. She's a game theorist. I mean, what what can't she do? What 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 bad could be said? It's, it looks like just everything. She has so many talents, so many things she's great at, and just does everything right. That's the image she tries to present. And I don't mind people who try to uh, you know, present a good image of themselves, or or even pump up their accomplishments beyond where they really are. But this has always been done to an extreme that's kind of bothered me, and. Not not like bothered me as much as a scammer or someone who actually hurts people. Because by doing this, you're not hurting anybody. You're just you're just kind of being an idiot. Uh, you know, you're, you're you're acting like a douche doing this. But uh, you're you, that's not anywhere near the level of someone who's actually hurting others in some way. So I What's don't want a female version of a douche. That's, it could like be. A I know douche. women use douches, but you usually call men douches. I know. What, what would a female douche be? I don't know, a be douchette. <laughs> a duchess? You could just go simple and say it's a bitch. I, I don't know. I'm going to say duchess. Okay. A duchess. Duchess. <laughs> duchess. You know? So uh, that's always the impression I got of her. Now, I've, I've had very little personal interaction with her. She's never done anything to me. 
I've never had any bad experiences with her personally. I met her once in person. She was introduced to me in the Bellagio. I was just kind of walking through the Bellagio, and I walked by Genocide, back when Genocide liked me, and said, oh, hi, hey, Todd, come over here. So, like, there was Vanessa with her very way before Vanessa was all that well-known. She was like a little bit known then. So it was more than 10 years ago. And she said, oh, this is Vanessa Russo, and they were friends at some point. So I knew I, I had heard of her. She was just getting to be known, but it was nothing like, you know, uh, Jay Jay Stad is saying that a uh, a female douche is a cunt. Okay. I wouldn't. Go that, that seems far. that seems harsh. No, that's too harsh. Yeah. But I'm gonna go with douche ass. So Sorry, and she's always had this kind of weird behavior in many ways. That's the other thing. It's not, it's not just kind of acting arrogant and kind of narcissistic. There's there's always been a lot of weird behavior out of her that people have also witnessed. And I, I guess some of this, some of the behavior we're criticizing also could be considered weird. But even in her personal life is kind of it's gone in a weird fashion some of you probably remember around 2009 she uh i think she married i think it was the year she married chad brown who's no longer with us he died of cancer at a pretty young age but she married him before it was known he had cancer he probably didn't even know himself and he she is like 23 years younger than him or something around that um 20-something years younger. And within three years of the marriage, they got a divorce. But by the time they got the divorce, he had terminal cancer, and he knew it. And that right there, I don't know what was going on in the relationship, obviously. And it could have been a horrible relationship, and it could have been like they were just about to get a divorce anyway, and they got terminal cancer, and she was like, you know, crap, I don't want to take care of this guy till his death when I... I don't get along with him. But they presented themselves, this could have been phony, but they presented themselves as still friends after the divorce. I don't know if that's true, but that's what they claimed. So especially she claimed. But when you know someone's terminal, and you know they have very little time left on this earth, and you're married to them, even if the marriage sucks, even if you don't, if they were healthy, you would have left them tomorrow. I think at that point, it's right to stick around. Unless you... You know, unless they've done something horrible to you, and then you know, then fine, just let them die. But other than that, if it's just you're not getting along, the marriage isn't good any- anymore. To leave the person alone when they've got terminal cancer, I, I, it just isn't nice to do. And I, there, there's a family friend that we have that a number of years ago, and this is an older guy. He's uh, he's now in his seventies, but a number of years ago, he was married. And the marriage completely went into the toilet. The, they really got to the point where they hated each other. And a divorce was just about to be started. And then she started to have some health problems, and it was diagnosed that not only did she have cancer, but terminal cancer. So he didn't leave. He he said, I can't, I can't do it. He, came, he, he thought, you know, it kind of sucks. I, I He actually got to the point where he just... He kind of hated her, but he, he just felt he still couldn't bring himself to leave her when she had terminal cancer. She, he said, uh, you know, it's not like he, he knew he wasn't going to be stuck with her for five, ten years. You know, he knew she had like a year, year and a half left. He said, okay, I'm, I'm not going to put her through this. I, I, I can't do that. As much, as much of a problem as I have with her, as, much, as, as bad as the marriage got, at this point, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stay. I'm not going to start going through a divorce now. And... You know, and when it's done, then I'll move on. And that's what happened. She died eventually, you know, a year and a half later. And uh, then he started dating again and is remarried and is 
been married to the same woman, you know, like more than 20 years. So, and I, I know this guy personally pretty well. So I, I knew someone in that position. I'll tell you, if I were in that position, I, I, I couldn't bring myself to leave someone who was diagnosed with terminal cancer, even if the relationship was just about done. I just, now, if it was said terminal cancer that's going to be very slow moving and they're going to be dead in seven years, then then I may have to leave. <laughs> See, there's only so much you have to give up your you should give up of your life sticking it with someone who's going to, you know, who you don't really want to be with anymore, but they're at the end of their life. But uh, most terminal cancer is not that slow. Most of the time, it is like a year, year and a half, or sometimes even less than that. So Chad Brown, uh, he he died uh, was in 2013. This was well, when did he die? He died uh, 2014. He died July 2nd. Uh, I don't know about you, but I never heard a bad word about him before or after. No, I didn't either. He Okay, I, and I played with him before. He was a limit hold'em player. So I play, and he played the high-stakes limit games at Commerce. So I played with him a number of times. Every single time, he was very polite, very mild-mannered, never got angry, never, he never got frustrated when he was losing. Like, he, was, uh, he could be running bad, and, and he still had a very pleasant demeanor. He was someone who was... Uh, and for a commerce player, that's especially shocking. Commerce, everyone's pissed. Everyone's always angry at commerce. So to have him at the table was was uh, different than most of the people there. Who uh, they they take one bad beat at commerce and they throw the card at the dealer. So, uh, but yeah, he. I don't know about you know behind the scenes. I, I don't know how he was, but uh, at the table, very nice. And I I've never heard any bad stories about him. I mean, obviously, no one's a saint, but yeah. I'm just saying I never heard anything. Yeah, I haven't either. Like, not not everyone's going to like everyone, you know. But I never heard uh, anything bad about the guy. Yeah, I, I hadn't either. So, uh, and and he his cancer was diagnosed in 2011. Their divorce happened in early 2012. So, uh, and uh, here, here's here's a story from ESPN on September 5th, 2011. And it's called Facing Life's Challenges Together. This is written by Gary Wise, who I knew back then. I haven't talked to him in a long time, but uh, he was a writer for ESPN. Uh, But he he said, there was a time when Vanessa Russo would flash some of the worst reactions of the game as a result of a bad beat or knockout. (laughs) That's just like what I said. There you go. See, we're not just making shit up. (laughs) This is a positive story about her, by the way. That's how it starts off. Uh, Russo wore on her sleeve her desire for victory and her disdain for the moments in poker that inevitably deprive us of it, even if she shouldn't lose control. That's who she was. And he wow. wrote, You're a game theorist. You know <laughs> when someone has made a bad play, bro. Yeah, and then he was. And then he goes on to write about, uh, you know, God is the girl who would shriek and sob about relatively little things at the turn of a card. In her place is a woman who understands there are more important things than poker, one who has found an even keel as a result. You wouldn't want to have to learn the lesson she has, but there's silver lining. And then... Uh, it goes on about how uh, she it, it said she was a successful tournament pro s- sponsored by poker stars and GoDaddy and was married to the man she calls her soulmate, Chad Brown. This is September 2011, this article. Now, do you, do you think that she was, has anyone looked it up? I mean, was she a winning tournament player? Uh, she had some very big scores on some tournaments on poker stars that probably covered any losses after that. I don't know if long term she would be a winning tournament player, but... Uh, it's always hard with to tell. all the. I mean, all all the buy-ins are free, and she was bought into like fucking everything. Yeah, for yeah. A while. I don't that right, and it's hard to tell because these add up very quickly, and if, and Poker Stars is paying. Who knows? I know she did hit some very big scores on Poker Stars itself, and uh, and then had some good live scores. So I don't know if that. If so she, is this this article about her big uh, 
turnaround and attitude? Is it about her finding the coochie, or is it about no, no, Chad? no, no, no? She's with this is in 2011, September 2011. That she's with Chad, and listen to this. Together, the two pros traveled the world. This is, it says she first. It says she called her. She called Chad her soulmate. Together, the two pros traveled the world, played poker one more than they, one more than they lost, and enjoyed a remarkably glamorous lifestyle. In February, that all changed when doctors discovered a ten pound uh, liposar- liposarcoma in Brown's abdomen. Boy, that's that's bad news. Mm. That's I have a ten pounds. Jeez, I didn't know about that. That's pretty uh, big. I got the diagnosis confirmed by going to a specialist, and there was downtime on the weekend. I opted not to say anything to her, and I spent Valentine's Day with her. So I guess he found out in early 2011. Uh, one of the best we ever had. I called her on a Tuesday from L.A. and she's supposed to leave on that Thursday for Vancouver for for boot camp poker training. I wasn't going to tell her because I knew the boot camp she was hosting was a big deal and they sold a lot of tickets. Blah 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 blah. Uh, so I, anyway, uh, it, I'm not going to read this whole article, but it goes on to show how he called her. He told her about the cancer, and then that she has been so supportive and they're facing this together. That's basically. I'm not going to read the rest of the article. You can find it if you want, but. Uh, that that is the article, and it's called "Facing Life's Challenges Together" about Vanessa Russo and Chad Brown. There's actually a surprisingly good picture of her on there. She, if, if she real, looked like this picture all the time, then uh, uh, that would be pretty good for her. But <laughs> anyway, everybody's got good pictures. I was about waiting her. for the sound effect. <laughs> I decided to take the high route. But anyway, uh, she. So this was in September 2011, and then in January it was announced they're getting a divorce. So how does he go from her soulmate in September that's so much that they have an article about the two of them and how she's facing it with him and how do you go from that to a divorce? So that's why people who are saying, oh, you don't know how it was behind the scenes. Maybe it was an awful marriage. Well, if it was, then why do you do an ESPN article in September four months before announcing a divorce about how he's your soulmate and you're facing this with him? If, if the marriage sucks and the public doesn't see this, then to come out on ESPN and say he's your soulmate and you're going to face it with him and then ditch him four months later, that's, come on, what, how can that even be explained? Unless he did something horrible that we don't know about. Oh, man, she found the golden vagina. I, I think she revealed on Big Brother something about him cheating on her. I, I, I think he, she said something about that. I seem to remember Oh, that. really? Yeah. So, so maybe, but, but you know, so I'm not, it, I'm not questioning the, the divorce. Maybe she, you know, maybe she found he cheated on her. Then she's like, okay, well, that's, that, that changes everything. I can't, I, I can't stay with him. Fine. Right. I can understand that. But, but still, he had terminal cancer at that point. You're not, you're not going to be stuck with him forever. He, uh, you knew he was going to die. He made a mistake cheating on you, and, and it's understandable you don't want to be with him anymore. I'm not going to question that. But uh, you know, to, to then just leave him to die at that point, I, I just think it's crappy. But, but that's not what we're talking about here. I'm just giving you guys a background. Uh, so that's, and she, she hasn't been seen that much in poker over the last uh, several years. In fact, I'm going to look at her hand, hand in mind. Yeah, she's a professional VJJ now, right? <laughs> or no, sorry, professional uh, VJ. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, looking at her poker results now. I hate these pop-ups. Jeez. Looking at her poker results, she did hit something on uh, April 7th of this year, but it was a $1,100 buy-in in Sarasota, Florida. Other than that, uh, she has she you know she buys in like five hundred to sixteen hundred dollar type events is in two thousand sixteen and seventeen, and that's a, a few three caches since the beginning of two thousand sixteen, and that's pretty much it. Not even that much. The last uh, cash she had that was above twenty five k was more than five years ago. It was in November two thousand eleven. 
So I think she probably just wasn't playing all that much. You yeah, know, she's doing. She's uh, got the new girl. She's uh, working as a VJ or DJ in clubs. And yeah, she's making music in theory. I mean, I think she just wasn't playing a whole lot. Yeah. So then, after the the Chad Brown thing was over, then in 2015, she made a a weird post, which, by the way, was uh, only really covered on Poker Fraud Alert. She made this post about where it said, uh, "Not into labels. For me, love is love, and I'm totally and completely head over heels in love with you, Mel." Hashtag love is love. And that seemed to imply, you know, Mel could be a guy, but uh, it seemed to imply, you know, hashtag love is love, not into labels. You don't say that if you're with the other, the opposite sex. So, yes, Mel was a girl, and the detectives on Poker Fraud Alert quickly figured out who that is. It was a uh, Canadian girl, French-Canadian girl named uh, uh, Melissa Oulet, and they are, or shall I say maybe were, together through uh, this month. I don't know what the status is right now, which we'll get to. But uh, this started apparently in 2013. She stayed in the closet for almost two years, but knowing she was going to be on Big Brother in 2015, that was when she decided to announce it. And in September of 2015, four months after that that tweet saying love is love, they got engaged at a uh, Big Brother rap party. So... But if you're, I mean, if you're a lifestyle lesbian, is that really coming out or? You know? Um, yeah. So people wondered what's what's going on here. Was she was she a lesbian the whole time? Is she bisexual? Is this just some sort of odd decision where she's just declaring herself a lesbian and just going that way just for either attention or, or or because she's confused? I mean, and I'm not I'm not someone who says that someone who's gay or bi is confused. You you may really be gay or bi. I know I know people uh, who listen. I dated to this. a girl that was a lesbian. Really? Did you know she was at the time? Um, yeah. But, but I mean, it was well, why really would she weird. date you? Like, if she's a lesbian, why would she date you? Well, okay. Sorry. <laughs> she's not a lesbian. She was, uh, she, she dated some guys in, in college, in, including a buddy of mine, and then she was in like a long uh, lesbian relationship with a woman to the point where she was even living with her. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and then I dated her for a while. And then I think she went back to dating a girl, and then she married some guy, and then I, I don't know. She was all over the map. Yeah, I have known so, someone like that too. Ooh, yeah, uh, I mean, so I guess I guess she's bisexual. Yeah, she probably is. Yeah. Indifferent, or you know. Something. Yeah. So, I mean, so, and that's very possible with Vanessa. She's like that too. That she just is bisexual, and she can you know, go either way. It's depending, you know, whoever she likes. I, I don't believe the love is love crap. I, I, the love is love is, is a stupid concept that. The love, falling in love with someone shouldn't have to do with their gender. It should be the person. That's BS. It's it. it part of love is is, is attraction. It's a, it's physical attraction and, and even just emotional attraction. And I can't have a romantic or sexual attraction to another man. I just couldn't have it. It's not. It's not about uh, being closed-minded. I just don't naturally have that. I never have. And uh, you're, but you're clearly not an an a uh, effective amorous. No, no. So, but but. You know, I, I believe there's you know bisexual people out there who can who they, if they're attracted to both sexes, both you know sexually and romantically, then yeah, sure, the, then it is love is love. But that's not what it means. It just means that you have the sexual preference where you can go either way. So maybe that's her. I'm not going to criticize that part, but it was still a little bit odd to go from the leaving the terminal cancer husband to a lesbian relationship. I 
I don't think, from what I could tell, the relationship started in 2013, and she had left Chad in 2012, so I don't think there was an overlap. But, you know, who knows? I, I don't think there was. Uh, if he cheated on her. And if, she, if he cheated on her, too, yeah, that's, uh, that's true. Then it didn't. It wouldn't. Yeah, I've always felt like the cheating cancels each other out, too. Not that you should stay right. together, but you can't complain that someone cheated on you if you cheated on them. In, unless you did right. it in, re- well, even did it in retaliation, I guess you still can't complain. Yeah, I mean, you know, at that point, what's done is done. Yeah, some of you remember the story with Mike on, that he had that, and he was public about it. I'm not revealing his dirty laundry here, but he, he and his wife, his current wife, he's been with for a number of years now, uh, they both cheated on their spouses when they, uh, you know, oh, with each other, with right? each other. Yes, yeah, they, yeah, she yeah. she was married, and yeah, in her defense, her her husband sounded terrible, and he did a lot of bad things to her. So I, uh, I, I don't blame her, you know, for doing what she did. But uh, she she cheated on him with Mikeon, and Mikeon cheated on his wife, who wasn't bad to him. They they weren't compatible. She wasn't, you know, she was a nice woman, and she she uh, didn't deserve it. But uh, but you know what? I, I think. Mike, I was saying that she was, he thinks he was cheating on him too. So with like the tennis pro or something. So maybe it's oh, cheating Jesus. all around. I don't know. It's, it's uh, yeah, there was cheating all around there, but anyway, uh, that's, that's not really the point here. But uh, the funny thing was when she came out there, like nobody seemed to cover it. The only site that covered it was poker fraud alert. And if still, if you type in Vanessa Russo, lesbian, the first result is poker fraud alert on Google. Mm. Yeah. Blowing up. It's been like that for uh, two years now. So, in fact, we all got the two-year anniversary of that tweet. It was on uh, May twenty-sixth, two thousand fifteen. So, holy shit, you're right. Yeah. Wow. We were also the first ones. Speaking of Vanessa lesbians in poker, we were the first ones to reveal who Vanessa Self's girlfriend was. Now, obviously, Vanessa Self being a lesbian has been known ever since she was on the scene. So that was not any revelation, but no one knew who her girlfriend was. We were the ones who. Uh, holy shit, Jeff! You know what else you're the top score for? What? The top score, as well as. Vanessa Russo lesbian. Poker Fraud Alert is also the number one hit for Joe Seabock's cock. <laughs> <laughs> I had to test it. I was just curious. Wow. We're, we're, we're really. Number uh, one. Wow. We, if we get. You know what? We're also number one for, which is getting a lot of new users. And that is Diamond in a Day, which is uh, a term for Caesars to earn a diamond card uh, in a day. That's a term they use all the time. You earn Diamond in a Day at Caesars. If you enter Diamond in a Day, Poker Fraud Alert is the first result. Mm-mm-mm. Felt the number two. We felt the two. Who's number one now? TripAdvisor.com. Oh, Goddamn TripAdvisor. Okay. <laughs> we were ahead. Like a week ago, we were ahead. You're number two. It's okay. still good. Okay. I didn't even try that either. It just fell that way. So back to Vanessa Russo. Uh, I haven't really thought that much about her ever since. And I didn't really watch the Big Brother thing. I can't stand these reality shows. I, I I, I watched little bits, but I couldn't stand it for the most part. I, yeah, I, I can honestly say that I've never watched any Big Brother. I tried to force myself to watch this when she was on, and I couldn't. I just, I couldn't. It wasn't even about her. It was, I, I just, I can't watch those shows. I, I hate them. So it sounds, it sounds so horrible in a way. Like you know what I mean? Like instead of living your life. What you're doing is sitting on a couch watching some other people. I mean, it just seems really fucked up. And a lot of it is staged or semi-staged. I would find this mildly interesting if this could be like, uh, even if it's not a hidden camera, if it is really a 24-7 camera into someone's life, kind of like the Truman Show. Uh, 
where yes, they know there's a camera on them, but it's all but but there's nothing staged. You're really watching someone live out their life. That could be interesting. Yes, there'd be a lot of mundane, boring moments when they're just doing you know eating breakfast or whatever. But at least like you, you know, super boring though. It, it would be boring, but you know you can get a message from someone. Hey, this is such and such is going on right now. Go take a look. Someone who has a dramatic life, not just a, an ordinary person who you know. Wakes up, eats breakfast, goes to work, comes back, watch TV. Like I, I'm talking about someone whose life would be interesting. Like Ken Scaler, who calls this show sometimes, my, my friend from real life. He he would be very interesting to have. Oh yeah, that'll get great ratings. Him jerking off in a Starbucks. <laughs> well, they could. <laughs> I mean, come on. They could put a black box over it. <laughs> but 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 this anyway. I I I didn't watch any of this. I kind of haven't thought of Vanessa Russo in a long time. But I thought of her again two days ago when. We had uh, a series of tweets that left everybody scratching their heads. It it started off like this. On uh, how come I lost this here? I had it here, and now I'm losing it. Um, oh, oh, whoa! I see why I'm losing it. Mm-hmm. Deleted tweets. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, a lot of them were deleted. Oh my goodness. Ah, okay. Well, there were screenshots in the forum, though. I know, but it pisses me off. I, I, I just took for granted. I, I, I thought they'd be deleted, but then I saw they stayed up for a while, so I just, I guess, she's going to leave them up. I guess not. Okay. So this is what. Here's the one that isn't deleted. Seven fifty p.m. I guess it, 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 this is happening in the East Coast. So as, as, as West Coast biased as I am, I'm going to do this on East Coast time. Ten fifty p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, May twenty second. So excited to be heading home home to Hobie Sound, Florida to see my family. I feel a periscope is in order. Hashtag love my family. Hashtag so happy to be home. Now, periscope is, is uh, it's a service you can use that, that broadcasts video. It's, it's, it's similar in some ways to Twitch. So she's saying that she's so happy that she's coming home to see her family in Hobie Sound, Florida, which is uh, kind of near West Palm Beach. And that she's happy to see her family. I don't know which family she's referring to. Probably her, her parents or something. I don't know. Maybe her sister. Uh, but that she's so happy she might even turn on Periscope as she's seeing them. Okay, whatever. That was at uh, at ten fifty two p.m. or ten fifty p.m. at eleven fourteen p.m. Just twenty four minutes later. Help me! I'm in danger. Please help me. I'm at the 7-Eleven in Hybe Sound, Florida. She meant to type Hobie Sound, Florida. Uh, and I can't get through to police. And a minute later, she corrected it to Hobie Sound, Florida. Well, that's a quick turn of events. She's so excited to be heading home. And 24 minutes later, her family... Oh, sorry. We haven't gotten to what's out of the family. She's, she's in danger. And she can't Gruff, get through to Gruff, police. How do you not get through to the police? Well, that's one of the weird things. Yeah. So... If you call 911 and you hang up, they're going to fucking come to your location. Maybe we should call 911 right now to test it. it I swear to God, I know someone that it's happened to. <laughs> no, I, I, I believe you. So there, So before I go on to what happened after this right away, there's a girl named Kelsey Whiting. That's uh, K-E-L-S-E-A, last name Whiting, W-H-I-T-I-N-G. Twitter is Kelsey Whiting, at Kelsey Whiting. Racist. Kelsey Whiting is a teenager. 
and she's a, a huge, huge fan of Vanessa Russo and her sister Tiffany Russo, who also appeared on uh, Big Brother later. So, so Kelsey Whiting is such a huge fan of those two. She's made tribute videos. I don't know if she's a friend of the family or just some t- teenager who became obsessed with them uh, from watching them on Big Brother. Whatever it is, it's a teenage girl. She looks around, you know, seventeen or something, and uh, she and and Vanessa got to know her. I don't know how well she knows her, but Vanessa got to know her as like a mega fan and has interacted with her. So, Kelsey Whiting responded right away. What in all caps with a bunch of question marks? Which is, I'll give Kelsey credit. That's a reasonable response to this. And Vanessa Russo tweeted back to Kelsey at Kelsey Whiting. This is at uh, 1116, just two minutes after the last tweet. Police are literally ignoring me in my calls. Please, Kelsey, you know me. This is serious. Help me, please. She says another tweet to Kelsey Whiting right after that. Then she also writes to Kelsey Whiting, my family is being held hostage. Woof. So at first, if you don't read this too carefully, as I didn't, I actually misread it. I mean, I read it and I thought something that she wasn't writing. But I thought what she was trying to say is there's like a hostage situation at 7-Eleven. I was picturing she's there with her family and uh, they're all being held hostage there. And somehow she can tweet, but she can't call the police, which is at first I'm thinking, what? If the 7-Eleven is being held up and you're being held hostage, if you can use your phone, you can call the police. Uh the police are not going to ignore you. Hey, the 7-Eleven is being held up and I'm hostage. Nope, I'm sorry. We're not taking your call right now. Like, that's not going to happen. So, But that that isn't what she was saying, from what I can tell. It seemed like what she was saying, she's just at the 7-Eleven, but her family's being held hostage at an unknown location, is what she was saying. And, and the police are ignoring her, which is really weird. And as you're saying, why would they ever ignore a serious uh, report like that? So... Of course, everybody got very alarmed by this. People who knew her from poker, an even bigger group of people that were fans of hers from Big Brother, even some people who uh, were on Big Brother with her that were following her on Twitter. So there's a lot of people who follow Vanessa. Let me see what uh, how many uh, followers she has. 137,000 followers, okay? So that's a lot of followers, a hell of a lot more than I have. So as you can imagine, that's pretty uh, alarming. Sounds like that she's in danger for whatever reason the police aren't taking her seriously or they're ignoring her. And her family's being held hostage. So people were responding with one of two reactions. Either we've got to call the police about this or she got hacked. Those are the two reactions. Like, I bet this is a hacking. I bet this couldn't be true. Or others going, we got to call the police and report this. Both reasonable. So many calls came in to the police in Hobie Sound, Florida, that people started getting an old school busy signal calling the police. They couldn't get through to the Hobie Sound, Florida Police Department because they were flooded with calls reporting this. So, and that's understandable, something like that on social media that that gets put out to someone with 137,000 followers who is a semi-celebrity from uh, Big Brother. Can you imagine that police department? <laughs> yeah. Like so fucking annoying. Oh, I know. They've got to be annoyed. So, um, the, the police eventually told people who were then relaying the message on Twitter that they were with her and that she's not in danger and to not worry about it. That's all they would say. Then 
supposedly the police in a uh, a neighboring county told someone, and these are all third-hand reports, so I can't verify them, but a, a woman who seems like, like a middle-aged woman who doesn't look like a troll named uh, Cindy Kroom from Denver, Colorado, who's not I mean, a... Po- she literally doesn't look like a troll? Or? Well, just uh, looking at it, she kind of looks like a middle-aged woman who's probably a fan of Big Brother. Like, it just, I've yeah, seen she, some middle-aged woman, women that look like trolls. So. Okay, well, I mean an internet troll, but yeah, that's a... But, uh, you, you just get the feeling from looking at the Cindy Crooms uh, profile, and if you want to look at it yourself, it's S-U-Z-Z-I-C-K-S, I don't know what, Suzix, I don't know what that means, but S-U-Z-Z-I-C-K-S, that's Cindy Croom. Even the name is so boring, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, she just looks like kind of a boring middle-aged woman, honestly. But yeah. she doesn't look like technically going to make shit up. So, actually, I guess she, yeah, I don't know how old she is, but she, whatever. She, she doesn't look like someone who's, who's a troll. Would you hit it? Actually, I, she doesn't look bad. Yeah, I think I would. So, mm. anyway, Cindy Croom said this. At Vanessa Russo, just spoke with police in the neighboring county, and they say they have spoken with Vanessa twice, but she won't say... Which 7-Eleven she's at. Hmm. That's weird. I thought Vanessa was saying that she can't reach anybody at the police. I thought they were ignoring her. Yeah, no. there's no way that the police are ignoring her. So unless the Cindy Croom is lying or misheard, that's a little. That's already getting a little bit weird. Like more weird than it already was. Trauma. So I, I started to come to the theory... That she somehow came to the belief that her family was being held hostage. Maybe while she, yeah, maybe she stopped off at Seven Eleven to pick some things up. On you know, she she flew somewhere to Florida. There's no airport in Hobie Sound, so you fly somewhere in Florida. Where uh, I don't know where the closest airport is. I don't know Florida that well, but whatever the closest airport is to Hobie Sound, she's driving on the way there. She stops off at Seven Eleven to grab some things, calls her family, and something is said to her that makes her think, probably erroneously, that her family's being held hostage. And then she can't reach them again, and she panics, and she calls the police, and maybe in her panic state, she's not communicating well about what's going on, and the police just think it's a crazy person, and finally just have to hang up on her, because they just think it's a, a nutcase calling them. And, and so at that point, she's like, well, I can't, I, I, can't, I can't convince the police that this is serious, so I'm going to put it on Twitter, so maybe everybody else can convince them this is serious. Maybe then they'll go down and check on my family. That's what I thought she was probably doing. And um, she was just at, and she was doing this from Seven Eleven. And in fact, at that point, believing her family was being held hostage, she didn't want to leave there. She wanted to at least stay in public, you know, with with the Seven Eleven clerk. So uh, and, and people knew where she was, and and so that, that's that's what I thought was going on. And and I'm still not very far from that theory currently, but I have a little bit more to it. So that that was what I thought was was happening. But a different narrative was presented shortly afterwards, starting at. 9 o'clock p.m. Sorry, at, at midnight. Nine, 9 Pacific, but at midnight. About 45 minutes later. This is from Eric, who I think won the Big Brother episode she was on. He's a guy who won Big Brother. I think it was on her episode. I didn't watch it. But he had her phone number. So he said, I texted Tiffany. Tiffany is uh, her sister. So I guess he had her sister's phone number. Maybe he was on the sister's episode. I, I, someone, who, someone who knew her sister, Tiffany. Named Eric. Mm. I texted Tiffany... It seems like Vanessa was swatted. I'll let you know if I hear more. Now, you may say, what is swatted? Does that mean someone like swatted her on the ass? No. Swatting. Take it easy, Druff. Swatting is, is a, <clears throat> it's a prank. It's a, a nasty prank, and it's illegal that people will sometimes pull. 
where it requires some uh, technical ability to do this, but you, where they trick 911 operators or other emergency personnel into believing a crime or other emergency is taking place at a location where in reality everything's fine. So if I wanted to SWAT you, Calwatt, I would call, uh, I would make it look like the 911 in your area is receiving a call from your house. And I'd say, oh, my God, there's someone in here trying to kill me because they hate poker fraud alert radio. They're, they're going to kill me. In, in, they, they, they're going to execute me in 10 minutes. Oh, please help me. Please help me. And then I hang up. I'm giving someone an idea, by the way, to do this to you. But Awesome. Uh, but uh, if I made such a call and if I had the ability to make it look like it was coming from you in your house, uh, they would take this very seriously. And they would send the cops rushing down to your house. And if it was at 3 in the morning when you might be sleeping, except on a night of radio where you're probably still awake, uh, they, they would uh, arrive at your house. Everybody would be sleeping, but they wouldn't know if everybody's sleeping. All they'd see is it's darkness there, and the police may burst in, believing that call came from there. They may kick down the door. And all you yeah, and they used to do – this came from uh, the Twitch crowd because they would do this to people that were streaming live on Twitch. Oh, yeah, yeah. With a video camera. That's, that's where this thing came from is yeah. they started doing it there because then – the people that were watching Twitch could watch the police. They could watch everything unfold. So that, I mean, that's where it came from. Believe so, it or not, I actually knew of someone who got swatted in 1990 from the phone hacker community. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so this goes way back, but it wasn't very common back then. Anyway, uh, in uh, but yeah, this this it really did gain much more uh, notice and occurred a lot more in the era of Twitch. You're, you're correct, and that's what swatting is. And and what would happen in this case, in this example I gave, is they'd kick down Calwatt's door and bust in, and all Calwatt would hear is someone kicking down his door in the middle of the night, and he'd get very nervous that maybe it's someone breaking in who's who's coming after him, when it's really the police, and then you know, obviously it's very. I'd have to get out my gun. You and have to get out your gun, and then the police, yeah, and the police are there, and what they, what if the police think you're you're you know you're the intruder. It's a, it's a disaster. So obviously it's a serious crime. If you're caught doing this, you get in big trouble. And my roommate accidentally swatted me one time. Really? What? I just started a company. I was still in college, and uh, my girlfriend and I were over at the office that we rented, and we're moving shit into there, and uh, my buddy who was helping me move stuff kept the door propped open. Like, he put, like, a, I think it was, like, an ashtray or an ash can or something like that to prop the door open. Yeah. And then the lights were on there, and uh, my girlfriend was writing a paper. And I was sleeping on the couch. Like, I was just passed out on the couch. And the next thing you know, like, I, I, she runs into the room. She doesn't say the police are here. She says, there's, there are guys with guns here. <laughs> and I'm, like, waking up. I'm like, what? What, what, what the hell is going on? I see, and I'm, my blurry eyes just see this guy with a gun pointed at me walk in. And I'm Ugh. just like, I'm like, I'm dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't no, that's the worst. Now you wake up as a gun pointed at you. Yeah. Dead. Yeah, but you know, it just ended up being a cop, and it's because he left the fucking door propped open. <laughs> they saw the lights on, and they're like, "Oh, someone's breaking in here." Yeah. Anyway, that was fun. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> it does sound scary. So, so anyway, the, the weird thing is, so that became the explanation. Within forty-five minutes, you was swatted. This is also Kelsey Whiting, the the teenager, big fan of the Russos, wrote. This is what we know. Vanessa was swatted. She did not do anything wrong. Police are with her. That's it. Please retreat. Please retweet, said Kelsey Whiting. <laughs> now, I, I think that Kelsey Whiting and Eric both were tweeting these things in earnest. I don't think they're covering anything up. I think they were really tweeting out what they believed at the time because this was information given to them by her sister Tiffany. 
So, the weird thing about this is, think about the story we just told about swatting, an example of swatting. Swatting would typically happen to someone that is in a location where they're going to be for a long time, usually their home, maybe their business, maybe if they're somewhere for a long period of time where you could swat them, but you can't swat someone that's stopping by a 7-Eleven, especially if they're not telling anyone they're stopping by that 7-Eleven. You, can, you can't swat them then, because the swatting is, is making it seem like an emergency is occurring in a certain location where it's really not, and you have to know where that person is to prank them in that way. So Yeah, so it does make sense. It, it makes no sense. So, so th- but then you, I thought, okay, maybe what they mean is that someone swatted her family, and that, that, that in some way um, she got wind, I don't know how, maybe from a neighbor, maybe from uh, driving by the house and seeing all the police there. M- maybe her family was swatted. Maybe she tweeted that she's on her way home, and some asshole said, huh, I'm going to give her a little gift on the way home and swatch her family and make it seem like an emergency is occurring there. And she sees all these emergency vehicles and the SWAT team and whatever down there uh, at her family's home and then quickly turns around and drives away back to 7-Eleven to figure out what's going on. Though you'd think if you'd see that in front of your family's home, you, seeing law enforcement, you would go to them and just ask what's happening. But maybe she was scared that you know, there's a, a shootout or something. She want to get shot. So whatever. Um, maybe she went and you know, ran back to 7-Eleven, called the police, what's going on, and then they were, maybe because she was in such a panic, she wasn't clear to them, and then they just kind of hung up on her because they thought she was a crazy person. So I, that, that, so I thought, okay, maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's what happened. But it still seemed weird because um, someone, the, the Hobie Sound, she had not announced anywhere on Twitter that she was going back to Hobie Sound. She had not announced anywhere that she was going back to Hobie Sound. So the only thing that anyone knew was about uh, <coughs> half an hour before this, this whole ordeal began, she tweeted that she's going to see her family in Hobie Sound. So a hacker would have had to immediately swat, you know, either you know, someone who did this would have had to immediately do this within half an hour to, to her family and then have all this stuff occur. It just was kind of far-fetched. Not impossible, but far-fetched. I just didn't think this was really what was happening. It sounded much more likely that she was having some kind of manic episode, especially because we've seen a lot of weird behavior from her over the years. Not not manic, super crazy behavior, but there's been, even on Big Brother where people were saying, I didn't watch it, but people were saying there were a lot of times she looked like she was going to have meltdowns. So uh, and, and she's just not seen as a, a an emotionally stable person. So when you see this type of behavior on there, it, it's easier to think this is just her being crazy than someone swatted her family and that somehow she got wind of it, believes there's a hostage situation, and somehow the police are not cooperating with her, which which is just weird. So this was a very compelling thing because the, this weirdness happened and then they attempted to explain it that she was swatted. But they didn't say she was hacked at first. They just said she was swatted which didn't even make any sense. They didn't explain the swatting. And the, the other weird thing is they didn't say her family was swatted. They didn't say Vanessa's family was swatted and, and, and uh, this made her fear for their safety. They didn't say that. They just said Vanessa was swatted. And, and that didn't make any sense in the context of what was going on. And it still doesn't. So then I thought, well, okay, maybe someone just called Vanessa's phone, which isn't too hard to get. I got her phone number without even trying calling her no i'm, I'm not going to call her explain why soon but i i got what i think is her phone number so maybe someone got her phone number and spoofed caller id which is not tough to do and pretended to be the police and scared her into not going home but they said 
Oh, yeah, Vanessa, this, this is the, the Hobie Sound Police Department. There's a hostage situation at your house. Uh, I just want to let you know, uh, do not come home. Uh, the poli- uh, the, we, we are working upon, working on uh, freeing your family, but they are being held hostage. Yeah, maybe something like that, okay? So maybe someone did that with a fake caller ID of the Hobie Sound Police Department, freaked her out, and then when she called them, of course, they didn't know what was going on because it wasn't really happening. So maybe that's what they meant by swatted. She was just like... That no police were called by anybody, but that she was fake caller ID'd from the police, and that's what they mean. So, I thought, and, and okay, I thought maybe that was it. So, I was trying to come up with possible excuses for her for this. It, it, maybe someone did fuck with her in some way, and then she reacted in a crazy fashion because she, you know, she gets a caller ID for what she needs to be the police, gets told this is happening, calls back the police, the police treat her like she's a nutcase, and she's like, someone help me, what's going on here? I, okay, that can make sense. Hmm. It's, again, a little far-fetched, but I said uh, I was trying to come up with scenarios that would not just be, she's crazy. I tried to be I'm fair. a huge Occam's Razor fan. I am, too. Right. You know? That's the, you know, the simplest explanation is the, is the one that's probably correct, and I, I feel this way, too. I feel in these cases, usually, right, the, the obvious is, is what probably it is, but I've, try, I've tried to look at it from all angles. I tried to not look at the most controversial angle. Yeah, only that's not to only look at that. I tried to look at all angles that could possibly explain this, where there's no craziness on her part, and where her reaction is more just a panic to something that someone's doing to screw with her. So, this was a fascinating thing to uncover, kind of solve, kind of a mystery. What's really happening with Vanessa Russo? So, we were discussing this on the Poker Fraud Alert forum. If you want to take a look, it's in the Flying Stupidity forum called Vanessa Russo in Danger. And the first interesting piece of information that was found was by Forumors, of course, who often gives us good information during radio. But he did, he did this on the forum, not during radio. He wrote, well, well, there was a recorded police call from the mobile station in Hobie Sound, Florida, 911 last night. Here's the listing I saw. And he posted a link to it. Date 5-22-17, received 11-21 p.m., 911 call, call type information, incident location 11835 Southeast Federal Highway, Hobie Sound, caller, sometimes they name the caller, sometimes don't, they did not hear this, it's confidential per, uh, uh, then they gave some code, I don't know why it would be confidential in some cases and not some not, but uh, this one was confidential. I, I looked at some others, so it's not always confidential, but here it was. So we don't know who the caller is, but there was a caller from... 11835 Southeast Federal Highway, Hobie Sound, at the mobile station at 11.21 p.m., which is about uh, six minutes after her crazy tweets. And this is a 911 call, by the way. This is not someone calling from out of the area to the police. If you call your local 911, the, 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 he found this on the website for Martin County, Florida, which is where this is. So if, if I were to call the police in Hobie Sound from where I am, I would not show up in the 911 logs. If I called 911, I'd get my local 911. I would not get 911 for Hobie Sound, Florida, or for Martin County, Florida. So this is someone, at the very least in the local area, who either claimed to be at this location or uh, or they were able to trace the cell phone to that location. And But it says incident location, and it gave that address in Hobie Sound, and it's a mobile station. Well, hold on, though. Forum Wars looked up that mobile station and looked up Google Images, and lo and behold, that mobile station shares a property with 7-Eleven. 
and that's the mm-hmm. only Seven Eleven in South Florida, in, in, in Hobie Sound, Florida, not South Florida. Mm-hmm. So that's the only Seven Eleven. So that, that's that's where it is. It, it came from there. It, it, the, the, he, the sign that we see in the picture says Mobile Seven Eleven, and I see a picture of it. It's actually a Seven Eleven that's part of. The, if you walk inside the building of the gas station, that it's Seven Eleven also. So that's where she said she was, and that's where the call came from at six minutes after all this was going on. Well, that's interesting. How does that happen? This is six minutes after her tweets. So either this was some sort of... But so if she's claiming it was swatting, well then, where was the other 911 call? We, we, we searched through the 911 calls. There was no other 911 call this could be referring to other than this one, which is six minutes after her tweets. So that made it even weirder. But still, there's a claim of swatting. So, okay. Um, maybe in some way, this is a... Some kind of swatting situation. But, no. Posted May 23rd, yesterday, 2.54 p.m. Pacific, 5.54 p.m. Eastern, from Vanessa Russo. Hey, guys. So sorry. I was hacked. And then she puts, like, uh, the weird face with with a colon and the slash, kind of like the crooked mouth emoticon. Everything's resolved now. And everything, everyone is okay with little heart. Well, that changes the narrative. And by the way, at that point, she hadn't deleted her tweets. That changes the narrative a lot. Because now everything about the swatting is out the window. Now she was hacked. Now it's not that she was swatted and, and she was reacting to being swatted. Now her account was just hacked. That's her statement from her own Twitter. Well, that contradicts everything now, including that 911 call. If she was hacked and someone was making all this up, then who called 911 from that place at 11.21 p.m. On that, as it was going on? So this looks very much like she made that call and that she was really the one tweeting and there was no hacking. That's really, really what it looks like from this. But you might be wondering why. Why would this happen? Why would Vanessa Russo do this? Because she's batshit crazy, right? Right. <laughs> but, uh, but but what could have possibly caused this? So of course everyone goes to drugs. Maybe she was doing drugs, and she might have been. Who knows? She may have been. She may not have been. <coughs> but maybe she was, you know, on something, and this messed with her mind. It could have even been prescription drugs. Maybe she was on some prescription drug that wasn't reacting well, and she had some episode. But I, we of course decided that we need to look into this further. Maybe, maybe there's a cause for this that. We can deduce. Maybe something stressful was going on in her life. So I focused on why was she in Hobie Sound, Florida? I shouldn't say I. Others, me and, and I should say others as well. There's been This is a collaborative effort on Poker Fraud Alert. Uh, some people who posted publicly, some of whom messaged me privately. I don't want to take too much credit here. But uh, there is some focus, shall I say, on uh, social media. And let's see if we can figure this out, including why was she in Hobie Sound, Florida, visiting her family at the, on that particular date? Maybe that's significant. She's a, she lives in Las Vegas, so why? Wh- what brought her all the way to Florida, especially a trip she didn't really seem to announce anywhere? So, immediately, so Snake in the Ass, who's a poster on our forum, posted something a little bit crass on the forum, but, uh, you know... Uh, I, when I read it at first, I thought that oh, this is just being him, you know, him being kind of crass, and I, I don't think this is really what happened. But this is what he wrote: 
wonder if she caught her girlfriend eating someone else's pussy <laughs> and uh, she had a meltdown. <sighs> I recall her having another meltdown on Twitter in the past. She might be bipolar on depression medication or she visited one of the many pill mills that Florida is famous for. So uh, he's claimed – so basically you know, whether she was caught beating someone else's pussy or, or it was just a matter of uh, – there, there, I thought, okay – Maybe there was some kind of big fight with a girlfriend that they, she's been engaged to since September 2015. Maybe that's what brought this up. Because if you think about it, when someone flies across the country to go visit their family abruptly, often that's because something has happened that's traumatic in their life, often like a, a bad breakup with someone that, uh, where, where it's very depressing that someone has left you or you left them, and you kind of need this emotional support of your family. So... That's the most common reason someone just jumps up to go visit their family, barring some kind of health problem that someone has. Otherwise, a visit to your family across the country is something you've planned for a long time, which she could have planned this for a long time, but it kind of had the abrupt look to me. So I decided I'm going to take a look at Melissa Ule's social media. And Melissa Ule's Twitter was kind of interesting because... She was a fairly active tweeter. Not super, super active, but she rarely had two days go by where she didn't tweet. And many days she was tweeting multiple times. Like on May 15th, she tweeted a lot. May 14th, she tweeted like 12 times. May 12th, she tweeted a number of times. Then May 10th. So if you can look at her up. Her, her Twitter is Mel, M-E-L, Pros, P-R-O-C-E. Ule, that's O-U-E-L-L-E-T. So Mel Prose, P-R-O-C-E, Ule, O-U-E-L-L-E-T. And you can look at her Twitter. This is uh, Vanessa Russo's fiance, Melissa Ule. And you'll notice that the tweets stopped abruptly on May 16th. Huh, well... That's weird. Someone who's tweeting very actively doesn't seem to take much time off from Twitter and hasn't been there for eight days. While this goes on, you know, shouldn't say while this goes on, but first she disappears and then this thing happens. That's a little bit coincidental. And she didn't show back up on Twitter to offer her support to what happened to her fiance here, the supposed hacking or swatting. Still radio silence for Melissa Ulay to this moment we're doing this show. So uh, that already gave me a clue that perhaps uh, this was a relationship problem. So I decided to take a look at Vanessa's Twitter, and it showed a similar pattern. The last tweet from Vanessa before she showed up at Hobie Sound was May 17th, and then five days passed with nothing on Twitter. And then on May 22nd, she resurfaced on Twitter, claiming that she was suddenly in Florida at Hobie Sound. And then 30 minutes after that, all the craziness occurred. So this started to look like somewhere around May 17th. Maybe there's a huge blow-up or break-up between Melissa and Vanessa. And Melissa flew back home for her family for support. And on the way between the airport and where her family lived, she just melted down completely and imagined that her family was taken hostage and in danger and was ranting to the police. And they couldn't do anything because they couldn't even understand what was going on and... uh 
eventually they reached her and uh, probably brought her back to her family to take care of her. So that, that became the theory, which I thought was a pretty good theory. But then we got even more to solidify it. They have a, a business, some kind of electronic dance club. I don't know. I don't understand what it's supposed to be, but it's, it's called, uh, I didn't look at it too carefully, but it's called Nightlight, but it, it's spelled uh, N1. Let me get, let me get it's a weird spelling. They should. They missed a big opportunity. They should have called it vibrations, <laughs> and had a big fucking vibrator. For oh, that would have been great. Up. They they did miss a huge. <laughs> yeah. They should have had you as the marketing guy. I would be their branding consultant. Wow, you could have done a great job on that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me go to this. Yeah, nightlight is it's a n one t e l one t e dot com. So it's like nightlight with l i t e, except there's no eyes. It's one for the letter i. So n one t e l one t e dot com, and you can go there, and uh, it it has pictures of. Uh, you, you can go to the photos section. Uh, it, it, they they produce music. It's something about electronic music. I, I don't fully understand what it is but it's, it's their little company that if you click on photos you see a big picture of uh, Melissa and Vanessa together and uh, a bunch of weird pictures of them but this is some sort of electronic music are they clothed yes I'm not going to bother <laughs> but there's some sort of electronic music business they were running together in Las Vegas it was kind of getting going and, the, and it, Nightlight also has a Twitter and that oh, gave god damn it what happened I thought you were out of the tournament already. Oh, no. I'm just so pissed. Why did we not do Murder, Mary, Fuck with Jason, with uh, Andrew Barber? Oh, we did. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it just it don't to- to- Totally unrelated. I mean, seriously, that could have been outstanding. So, Nightlight has a Twitter, which is the same thing. N- at N1TEL1TE. And on May 18th, is the first clue. It says, hey guys, we didn't forget about you. We are having a bit of a tough time getting internet where we are and can't seem to load replies. Well, that would imply that the two of the, you know, the Nightlight seems to be a two-person operation. And, you know, just the two of them. That would imply that they're on vacation somewhere, which would explain why they stopped tweeting after the 17th. So they're, they're somewhere with poor internet and they can't load replies very well, so they're having trouble responding from that Nightlight site that they're trying to promote. But uh, the most telling tweet came uh, on the 20th from Nightline. Hey guys, we had an unfortunate personal situation come up this week, and we'll be back hopefully soon to continue with Nightlight. Mm-hmm. So sorry. Uh oh. Gotta change the batteries. An unfortunate personal situation. There's only two people running this company. And an unfortunate personal situation happened. So first they seem to be on vacation somewhere with poor reception. And two days later, an unfortunate personal situation. Two days later, she's flown all the way back to Florida. And uh, had this whole meltdown. Which is supposedly a hacker. With stories that don't seem to add up. And nothing on Twitter from Melissa. So I don't think it takes a genius to put it all together at this point. They took a vacation together, probably. That part I'm not sure about, but it kind of looks like it. 
something happened. They had a huge fight, maybe a breakup. They, uh, one of the two tweeted out in the Nightlight account, probably Vanessa, that uh, they're going to have to put the business on hold, which would make sense if there's a breakup right now. Or there's not speaking, whatever, they can't continue collaborating. Vanessa's in a panic. She calls her family, crying. They say, Vanessa, come home. We'll support you. She gets on a plane two days later to Hobie Sound, uh, to, to, to South Florida, drives from the airport to her family, and then is in such horrible shape. Maybe she's taking depression meds. Who knows? Uh, we need uh, hashtag King's parents to ask her how the Molly is, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then a complete meltdown and probably imagining that her family's being kidnapped in some kind of psychotic episode, probably related to the stress and maybe some other factors. And then we have all this. And then... Knowing that this could be ruining her brand, they have to blame it on hackers and swatters. I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. <sighs> now, I had some criticism. I had some criticism on the forum that we shouldn't be doing this. That this that she's probably, I'm probably right about this, but that uh, she's probably mentally ill. And that why are why are we trying to uncover mental illness and, and rub it in her face? Why why are we doing this? That's that's not nice. Why we should just drop this? If she, she's probably having big issues, she's probably not right in the head, at least at the moment. Yeah, her and Matt Marafiati should fucking they should have kids or something. <laughs> so so why are we doing this? And and, and that's how, how you know not very ethical for us to be doing. Well, if this were just a private citizen, if I'm doing this to my neighbor or just some poker player that nobody knows. Or, or something like that, and someone's having a private moment, and they go, ha-ha, look how crazy this person is. Look what they just did. Look at this crazy person. Even if it's on Twitter with you know, a few of their followers, it's not, you know, not like a public person. She has 137,000 followers. She was on Big Brother. She was a GoDaddy girl. She <clears throat> was uh, one of the faces of Poker Stars for a while. She, she's been all over the place. She's profited huge from being a public figure. She has thrust herself in the public, and she had this meltdown in public. She didn't have this meltdown in her home, and someone told me about it, and I'm, I'm exposing her dirty laundry. She had it on Twitter. Yeah, that's the, that's the part for me. You know, I mean, whether she's a public figure or not, you know, that, that I still would give some deference. But she's the one that brought this to the public mm-hmm. by tweeting it online. Yeah. You know? but, but I even feel a little bit bad if someone did it on Twitter who – isn't very well known, unless it's someone who did some bad things to me or whatever, then or a scammer or something like that. Then it's fine. But, but uh, you know, just don't the av- air your dirty laundry in public. If you do, you know, some people are going to sniff your dirty underwear. Yeah, it's true. It but especially if you're a public figure who who who's cashed in big on your public image, and and and, and that's been and and you've presented yourself as this super person who does no wrong and who has all these millions of talents and better than everybody else, and then you have a public meltdown on Twitter. Of course people are going to talk about you. That's that's part of the problem with thrusting yourself upon the public and benefiting from being a public figure. That's right. that's can part you, of can the you please th- stop saying thrust. It's very suggestive. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, the effective feminist in me says that she has benefited so much from this that she can handle a little bit of public scrutiny. Yes. And and that's that's part Maybe of Maybe you're an you're an effective feminist, Ruff. You don't I, even know it. I think I am. What you just said, you are an effective feminist. So, th- so like, so now I'm not going to make this my life's mission to uncover this. You know, someone tell you we can do a, a try to do requests from a county to get uh, 
the transcript of the 911 call. I, I think that's going too far. I'm not looking to embarrass her. I'm not looking to solve this like it's the UB uh, cheating scandal. This is still her personal business. This I believe that she didn't intend for this. That she's probably just crazy, or at least for the moment crazy. It may even have been brought on by medication. Who knows? But I, I don't believe it was a hacking. I don't believe it was a swatting. I think this was probably due to a relationship issue from the evidence we've seen. These are all my guesses. These are This is all... I don't have any concrete proof here, but this all adds up pretty well. And that th- this is us discussing a public figure and their and their Twitter meltdown, which is of course fair game, uh, both legally and I think morally. So that's uh, that's what I think happened, and I think it's perfectly okay to discuss this. And anybody who doesn't want their life discussed in this way, then you don't become a Big Brother contestant. You don't. A Big Brother is a show which literally broadcasts your life as it's going on. <laughs> so uh, I know she's not on it right now, but. You put yourself on something like that and all the other public things she's done for, for profit, uh, that's that's the downside. People become interested in your life, and then when you have public meltdowns, uh, you discuss it. And if you, if you think this is bad, then are you a bad person for reading the National Enquirer, which I'm sure everybody's done at some point, and, or reading TMZ or other celebrity gossip? Do you feel bad about reading uh, about Charlie Sheen's meltdowns? No. You think, okay, this is a celebrity. I've heard of them. I've seen them in movies. You know, I want to know about their their dirty laundry. I want to know about their meltdowns. I want to know about their problems. This is part of being a celebrity or a semi-celebrity. So that that's why this is being done. So I'm not. It's not going to become a life's mission to me. But I thought this was worth uh, breaking down and uh, discussing on this show. So that's that's what happened. All right. Well, Druff, since we don't have Andrew Barber, can I do one for you? Yes. Murder, Mary, fuck. <laughs> Vanessa Russo, Annie Duke, Cloney Gowan. So Annie Duke, Cloney Gowan, and Vanessa Russo? And it's Cloney Gowan now. Oh, no. When I, I'm not talking about Cloney Gowan, you know, Gowan back when oh, she was. No. Oklahoma. No, not, no, no. Not I, back then. I, I, want, I want the 2004 of Cloney Gowan. That's, that's not what you're getting. I want, I want to. I want to. You're getting all of these people as they are right now. So yeah, truthfully, getting... truly, like the 2004, like I played with Annie Duke at that lim- first Limit Hold'em event where I finished third. I played with her, in fact, knocked her out fairly late in the event. She wasn't bad looking then. You know, I bash her all the time, and, and I, I I I find her very unattractive right now. But back in 05, she actually looked fairly good. She wasn't like super hot, but she looked pretty good in 05. Wasn't there that thing about smelly feet or didn't shower? Or something yeah, like I didn't notice that then. But but I mean, I'm not saying her hygiene was necessarily the best, but but her looks wise, she was not bad in 05. Well, this is all three of these women show up to your house now as they are now. So you've got Cloney Gowan as she is now, Annie Duke, and then you got Vanessa Russo, you know, possibly on some kind of a bender. <laughs> So, I mean, this is what you've got at your doorstep, well, and you're going to kill prob- one of them, marry the other, and fuck the third one. Probably, uh, this might surprise people, but not, not thinking about this, uh, looks-wise, Vanessa Russo at this moment is probably the best of the three. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's, it's, she's probably the best of the three at this point. I'm not even kidding. And, and you get to satiate that fetish of yours at the same time. <laughs> That's good. All right, so you're going to do what to her? Um... <clears throat> The, the, I think uh, Annie Duke. It, we've talked about this before. I think Annie Duke claims she's so great at blowjobs. I put that to the test, so I let her. And do she the might mouth. be dirty too. Like she might do whatever you want. Yeah, I, I so I let her do the, the 
as long as she doesn't like bite it because she's mad at me for criticizing her, but I take no, no, no. This is not this is not murder, Mary blowjob. This is murder, Mary. Oh fuck. crap! I forgot about that. So I like, mean, you might get a little. Uh, a little I forgot. Bit I forgot. It's a different. It's a different game. Okay. All right. Then, then, then I have to murder Annie Duke because personally, I, I really don't like her for all the stuff she's done. Like, <laughs> like for, for sure, I, I like Vanessa Russo much better than Annie Duke. There's no question. Like, at right. least Vanessa Russo, she's she's crazy. She's she's been rude. She, you know, she's like. She hasn't done anything to me, and she hasn't really hurt anyone other than just being obnoxious. Annie Duke has hurt a lot of people. So Annie Duke, for sure, is a murderer. Uh, this is just a game for those of you who wonder. I'm not actually going to murder Annie Duke. Uh, then uh, Mary? Oh, boy. Yeah, they gotta, you got to marry. It's all right. Since you're murdering Annie Duke, you got to marry either I, Vanessa I, Russo. I think I had to marry Coney. Knowing, knowing that if you marry Vanessa Russo... If you die from this illness you've got, she's going to just ditch you. Right in the <laughs> That's right. If I if I if I have cancer, she's going to ditch me for sure. Or you got to marry Cloney Gallon. I think I think I think... allegedly support her alleged co-cabot or whatever yes. that rumor okay. was. Okay. Well, I'm going to I'm going to have to. I I think I'm going to have to go with marrying Cloney. You're going to marry Cloney, and and then I said to just fuck Vanessa. I mean, just <laughs> and, and right in the pussy, right? Yep. <laughs> okay. So. All right. Thank you. Thank you. That settles. That's that's very helpful. That answers the important questions of the of the day. Yeah. It, yeah. It, during the sex, I think it would sound like this. Ugh. Oh my god. Ugh. That's so. Ugh. I hope nobody has this on speaker. Oh my god. Oh. Oh Christ. Okay. <laughs> I, I knew the chat room would like that one. Yeah, you you need a lifestyle. You need to stock up on some carrots and sugar cubes. <laughs> and I get I get a PM at this point. What does fifth place pay? Like that's so the, the one person's actually thinking about what does fifth place pay when I just do that. Okay, yeah. the fifth place pays. Uh, you get a, a very very uh, robust payout for that one. Zero point zero. That's your nice. that's your payment for fifth place. Congratulations. Unless you knocked out Calwatt, then you get ten dollars. All right, that hurts. Man. That hurts. Let, let's let's call the Ice Man. I got here's the phone number. Let's just call the Ice Man. See what's going on. The number one end poker player. And we need uh, Trader Ruski. That's right, Trader Ruski. You can come on if you want. We kind of miss you. And something didn't feel right. There's no Trader Ruski. What part didn't feel right? The Horse sex sound effects? <laughs> that was my way to compensate for trouble. Please leave your message Uh-oh. for 702. That's not what... I, I kept it on because I was hoping we'd get the old messages. Please leave a message for... Uh, please leave a message. That was that was my favorite thing. We'd get the please leave a message for please leave a message. But uh, we didn't get... Th- okay, well, let's... Uh, I got to... Uh, Trader Ruski is trying to come on, as usual, for whatever reason... I have to add him. He can't add himself to this, which is odd, but that's Skype for you. At least I can use Skype. I, I was just dialing before you guys even said it. Oh, wow. That's, a, that's, that's amazing. You have a, a psychic connection with Calwat. I know. <laughs> well, I'm happy to have you here, Trader Ruski, and it's, you know, it's, it's weird how when you call in, that we can't put you on without me calling you, but at least unlike know, right? un- unlike Lyman, I can use Skype. I can I can make it work. Uh, Lyman just uh, lacks the ability to operate Skype, so it's. Uh, so, uh, I have, did you get a little worked up from that horse sex? 
<laughs> I think, I, first of all, I think Druff made the right decision. And, <laughs> and last week, I, I was on my second Vegas trip, and I ate an edible like an hour before I called in. <laughs> like five minutes later. Oh, like, that's right. why. I will, yeah. So, so wait, you, you really ate an edible? Traderuski yeah, yeah, had yeah. a blackout brownie. I, I, I can't yeah. believe it. I didn't know. I didn't know you did that. I was in Vegas. Wow. Sec- yeah, it was second trip in two weeks. It was. It was all good though. I, hey, I, Jeff, you might actually know this. Speaking of the <laughs> horse thing, yeah. I just said I had the feeling there's a shot that you would know of this. Oh, no. Do you know who Mister Hands is? No. Mister Hands, and if anyone wants to Google it, like go ahead. But this is this dude that. He had sex with horses. <laughs> like I swear to God, and this is one of the one of the oldest. Well, how like, was he doing them up the ass? How is he? How are you having sex with horses? This is one of like the oldest, most horrible videos on the internet. I think I first saw it like decade and a half ago. I'm or glad I didn't like find it. Wow! But this guy would s- slip into someone's farm, and he would have sex with the horses. And the way he would do it, Ruff, is the horse fucked him. Oh no. How could like, how could he survive that? It's like they're huge. Like for for well, here's the thing: he died. Oh man! What happened was uh, the horse was mounting him and was penetrating him, and the horse got excited and just sunk it too deep and killed him. This so this guy died. How, how did the horse want to do this? What would make a horse want to do this though? I thought they only want to have sex with other horses. I'm not going to say that's I'm where ex- Mr. Hand came from. I think. Yeah. I swear to God, if you if you Google like Mister Hand's horse or Mister Hand's death or whatever, it's all wow, that's, it's all legit. That's, it's all real. Can you imagine that what's on your tombstone is is that? You know, actually, I mean, what know, a way to go. I, I was actually looking right now, and and I actually found a video where uh, th- this was actually the horse who did it. Now in the oh, well, that's not it. Hold on, that's, <laughs> I hate when I find a video and then it plays an ad. That's. Uh, Hang on a second, folks. I should really have these things ready. Okay. Here it is. Hello. I'm Mr. Ed. <laughs> a horse is a horse, of course, of course, and no one can... Imagine if that was an episode of Mr. Ed. Imagine if Mr. Ed was the one who did this. Oh, Jesus. I'm closing the window. Oh, my God. Oh, you actually found, watched it? I found the actual video. Oh, no. I put it in the chat. It's, I, I had to close it. I can't, I can't watch it. Okay. You know, I forget, we forgot to do something here. We forgot to do something that I was going to do as part of that Vanessa Russo segment. So uh, we got distracted with horses. I, that ha- These things happen. <laughs> wow. But... Uh, we, we got so distracted that we also called the Iceman, who wasn't there. We, so let me – I'm going to connect on here. Did the voicemail play? Uh, no, it didn't. I was so disappointed. No, it was just a, like you've reached you – know, leave a message for 702, whatever. Oh, busy. Um, oh, he must have hired a PR person. That was the first thing they did. <laughs> That's weird. The The phone number I got here is busy. Let me, let me try this again. I'm trying to call up the uh, – 7-Eleven that she was at, where presumably this isn't too far from the time that this happened right now, two days ago. It's one uh, 1.30 over there, a.m. This happened at 11-something p.m., so 
probably the same employee, but it wasn't. And what are the lines of the nationality of the person that answers the phone? Trouble, uh, I don't know if we can get them at all here. Let me try one more time. It's not even putting it through somehow. Maybe a problem with the phone number. Maybe they disconnected. They got too many calls there. <laughs> but you think at this point they would have died down. But Jeff, while you're putting that through, uh, Larry Laffer says that a movie about Mr. Hand's life was made called Zoo. <laughs> and, it, and it won an award at the Sundance Festival. Wow. People actually watched a, a movie at the Sundance about the guy fucking well, horses? It, it was about his life. It was. I'm, I'm sure the, the actual penetration part was not in there. I don't, you know, I'm going to try one more thing. I can't, I'm going to, I'm so irritated that I can't reach on Skype where it says it's just not putting the call through. I'm going to try a different thing. I'm going to call myself on my cell phone. And then on my cell phone, I'm going to try to three-way this on. I want to see why it's not going through to the 7-Eleven. It's bothering me. That is bothering me. So... my own cell phone. So what I'm going to do now is try to add a call to this phone number and see what we get. See if my cell phone can somehow put it through. This is it's, it's, it's tilting me. Why this? I can't. I, I had it as part of the agenda that we're going to call it the 7-Eleven. And just do the same thing you did when you spoofed that call to the police. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! You're oh, not supposed to know about how to edit this. Okay. Watch, I'm going to get like an investigation on me because he said that. All right, uh, let's see what we got here. No, oh, it's a, it's an old school busy. Wow, mm. it's an old school busy. It's an old school busy. What is this here? Sorry about that echo. That was my own phone echoing back in. All right, so I, I guess we I guess we can try them a little bit later. It actually is busy right now, unless we gave someone the idea to call in who's listening to this show. I could see that. All right, so uh, in the meantime, we shall move on to our next subject on the agenda, as we have not moved very quickly. Mike Norrie, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, talked about the McDonald's bet, where he was betting that he could eat $1,000 worth of McDonald's food in 36 hours. No, they don't make the burgers out of that. I hope they don't. But uh, yeah, he had some places. Yeah, that's why I played it. He was supposed to go to any McDonald's of his choosing that's not in an airport because those are higher prices, and he could order anything from the menu. But he had to eat everything. He couldn't. He was supposed to not be able to grind up or blend anything. That he eat it the way it comes. He could do add-ons if he wanted, but he had to spend $1,000 on McDonald's food in 36 hours and eat everything that he were to buy. And that was the bet. There was supposedly $200,000 of action put on this, though he had very little himself. He said he had about 1500 to $2,000 on himself, and that was it. So we had him on here, and we were a bit disappointed with how he was not taking this seriously. And when I say seriously, I don't mean like it's a serious matter, but he was not approaching this bet with any form of real preparation or any yeah, he didn't seem to care. Real plan, right. He didn't care. He even said, surprisingly, he was going to golf while doing this bet. It wasn't, he wasn't going to just sit in the McDonald's and focus on eating as much as possible. 
<laughs> Sorry, but that's my third cold coming on. But he he said he's going to be golfing and having people bring the food to him. He wouldn't be fully concentrating on this bet. And he even said he was doing this mainly as a way to get more action on his golf bets. So we came away from this interview, as did most of the listeners, that he just didn't give a crap. And part of the reason was he didn't have much skin in the game. He supposedly had $1,500 on himself, but that's not a large sum of money compared to the 200000 that was bet on both sides. He claimed it was 5 to 1 odds, so you had to bet uh, – you, you would get paid 5 to 1 if he was successful. So to bet the other side, you'd have to bet 500 to win 100. It's not really known who was placing these bets, but he, it was claimed there was 200000 in action. There was a weird charity angle to the whole thing. And I don't even fully understand this, but there was some charity that you're supposed to, yeah, you know, that you could donate to in relation to this whole bet. And uh, that, uh, let, me, let me see if I can even figure this out. I, I, I didn't really look much about the charity. But there was some charity that raised money, or money was raised for a charity that uh, was done as part of this. Like $14,000 was raised for a, a charity. That always ends well. Yeah, and, and that uh, that was done in conjunction with this. So he lost. He lost in spectacular fashion. And by the way, he he was told he has to wear a hamburger outfit. That was part of the bet that he had to wear a hamburger outfit while doing so for these 36 hours. You could follow live on uh, Mick Hamburglar, and that's with A-R. Mick Hamburg, L-A-R, uh, 1K, no, you know, number one, then the letter K. You could follow the uh, the progress here. Uh, Dan Bilzerian claimed, uh, he didn't say he was betting, but he said, Guy just bet another guy he couldn't eat $1,000 worth of McDonald's food in 36 hours, no drinks, only $200 worth of salad. You think he can do it? And he had a uh, a poll, fuck no or yes, over 41,000 people answered because it was Dan Bilzerian's Twitter, which has uh, millions of followers. So that was what really brought attention to this, was that uh, Bilzerian tweeted about it. So there's a lot of eyes on this, and it, it, it was a complete joke. It was a complete failure, a complete joke. So, wait, is it McHamburg? You know what? I guess it was McHamburglar with an ER. Let me make sure here. I think I gave you guys the wrong information. Well, anyway, uh... Right away, it looked like a huge fail. Yeah, it is McCampbell burglar with L-E-R. That's how it ends. So, initially he ordered uh, $108 worth of food. And only ate, and and seemed to be eating it very slowly. So that was already uh, bad news. That he ordered like $108 worth and had only consumed like $60. Uh, he... I, he did follow the strategy of ordering apple slices and bacon mostly. 
But things were starting to look pretty bad. It said uh, 10 hours in, $90 of worth of food consumed. Mental state equals shaky. Now, if you remember on this show, he said that if, it, if it's, he starts to feel sick, he's going to quit. So he had 36 hours to do this. In 10 hours, he, got, he ate $90 worth of food. That wasn't a very good pace. At that pace, even if he went all 36 hours, he would have ended up consuming about uh, $400 worth of food or so. Mm. No, no, that's not. Three, three something. 350 So that wasn't going to be close. And that's if he went all the way. Then, 21 hours in, about $150 ordered with about $55 in the fridge. 21 hours in, 95 consumed. On pace for about 150 worth in 36 hours. So it looked like he was on pace to about 15%. Then, shortly after that, he called it off. What a pussy. I've officially called the bet off. Was a fun time from the exception of the bet until now, and we raised 14k for charity. Now, again, I don't remember. I'm not sure how they raised the. Maybe the chat room can tell us how exactly they raised for charity. I was never really clear on that. But supposedly, people did something with charity here to where it uh, 14k was raised for charity. Now, have you guys ever heard of charity-related scams involving poker? I mean, no. th- th- does that ever happen? That that someone no. claims they're collecting money for charity, and in reality, they keep it. No, everyone everyone in poker is an effective altruist. It always goes to the right charity. Not only have I never heard that, but I'll tell you, if Poker Fraud Alert was ever involved in any way with any kind of uh, charity drive, that uh, this could never happen here. <laughs> Unfortunately, it did happen here kind of uh, four years ago where uh, it, it was based from another site, but this is JSIP who four years ago did this charity for the 22Q Foundation and then used our site to broadcast their marathon podcast where they raised a lot of money for this charity and then JSIP stole most of it. So it wasn't an official poker fraud alert event, but we were involved and, uh, you know, we didn't. I, I was just providing the ability for him to broadcast it. I wasn't involved in the in the charity drive, but uh, it was still embarrassing for Poker Fraud Alert. And fortunately, by the way, we've, as I've mentioned before on this show, we've tracked down Jacep, and he's been pressured, shall I say, to pay. And he has been. And again, when I say pressured to pay, this is pressure to pay back the money that he admitted several times that he stole. He's not being extorted or anything like that. He's just uh, being pressured in various ways to pay back money that he stole from our community, which is now being returned to all the different victims. And a lot of people have been paid back already, so this is a, at least a happy ending that way. But anyway, the, the charity element to poker, unfortunately, is typically very scammy. It's more of the exception than the rule when there's some sort of charity drive for poker that doesn't end up being a a scam or a semi-scam. So whenever you hear something involving raising money for charity in poker, you should be very wary. And the reason is scammers in general love charity because you hear the word charity, you think of needy kids or other people who really just don't have very much and really need someone to help them. 
And in poker, there's all this money flying around back and forth, and you think of all these big sessions you've won and all these big pots you've won, and you think about, hey, if I could just give away one big blind to such and such charity, or I could just give away 1% of what I just won last night to this charity in this huge session I had. Shouldn't I share it a little bit? Shouldn't we finally do something nice for the world as poker players rather than greedily go about trying to take other people's money? So poker players are very vulnerable to this. And in reality, most of these are scams. Sometimes it's just the money's never going to charity. Sometimes it's raising money for a charity that's very shady in the first place and that the person who's raising it is involved with in some way. So it's very rare that money is raised for charity through poker that isn't some kind of scam. I've even heard bad things about this anti-Africa thing that they were doing that Annie Duke was involved in through the World Series for a while. No. <laughs> Something Annie Duke was involved I, in that is... Oh, no, I know, I know, I know. She's a... Come on. She's the salt of the earth, but somehow that happened, and there was accusations that money didn't really make it to uh, where people thought it did. I don't know that many details about it, but I've heard accusations about that. Anyway... She's not the salt of the earth. She's the sand in your swimsuit. (laughs) So, in general, you should avoid most things that are charitable in poker. Now, there's one charity that's very associated with poker these days, and that's the One Drop charity. Now, from what I can tell, the One Drop seems to be a legitimate charity, and it's uh, Guy Le Liberté's charity. Yeah, I think the only reason that's associated with poker is because Guy likes to play poker. Yeah, that is. It it exists outside of that, too. Right. It's really just a a super rich guy in his charity where he wants to bring clean water to the developing world and... uh, that's, and he wants to fund half of the poker players' bankrolls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but bo- most of these charities, otherwise, are, are either shady charities or the person who claims they're giving it to a real charity just takes it and runs or takes part well, of it and runs. I have not heard anything bad about the Reg charity. What, what charity is that? Reg? You've not heard of that? No. Oh, it's, that's been around. Well, anyway, I don't want to derail it, but you can, you can Google it later on. But yeah. it's a whole bunch of... Uh, High stakes poker players that I think got together and started it up, and um, my understanding is it's quite legit. Okay, good. Well, that's true. That's great. So, uh, anyway, this this charity people are questioning. They want to see receipts. They want to, you know they want to know a lot more about this quote charity. It was fourteen k was raised. It wasn't like, hey, send fourteen k to this specific charity that's has a very good reputation. It's just, okay, we raised money for charity. Great job, everybody. We raised money for charity. Okay, so, you know, we gave up. <clears throat> we gave up on this uh, this bet. Sorry to everybody who lost, but uh, we've raised money for charity. Well, okay, well, I'm not accusing Mike Nori of anything, but I'm hoping that they're transparent and they make it very clear where this 14K went to where everybody can follow where it went. Everybody can look up that charity. Everybody can examine where that money went. Otherwise, I'm afraid maybe it's like some of these other charities in poker. So that part is is not very good either, is at least the way it's looking right now. I'm not saying it is a scam, but they need to be more transparent unless they have been and I'm not aware of it. And some people are very angry that if there really were 200K worth of bets on this, even if yeah, you know, there are people who are angry about it who didn't even bet, who feel that those that bet on him got screwed because he didn't even try. It's one thing if he approached this 
with the mindset of I'm going to try to win at all costs other than really endangering his health. But it seemed like this was kind of a joke, a very lackadaisical effort the whole way. And that got people frustrated, number one, that this was hyped up so much and that he didn't end up trying. And number two, that there were bets placed on this. And since it was other people's money, he apparently didn't give a crap. So there's been a lot of criticism of this. And yes, whenever you make a prop bet on a third party doing something, then that's a risk you take. That's part of the bet is that the person who you're betting on succeeding is taking it seriously. In fact, by betting on that person, what you're, the angle you're, what you're taking there is the belief that they wouldn't make this bet if they didn't think they could really do it, if they didn't maybe have an angle to where they can do it that you didn't think of. I'll tell you what, if I had bet on him and then I heard that interview he did with us, where he was just like, ah, well, you know, I don't really care. I would have tried to buy out of that. Yeah, immediately. yeah, and like I, immediately. And I like he's like, like, well, are you trying to stretch your stomach? Yeah, I'm drinking a lot of water. You know, I'm just drinking, my my stomach's getting real big. I'm drinking a lot of water. Like that's crazy because that's not the same thing as stretching your stomach from eating. And second, it's hard to drink a lot of water to stretch your stomach. At some point, you just don't. It's hard to force down the water when you're just not thirsty. Whereas it's like, well, I mean, the main thing was he was just like, well, you know, I'm going to do it for a little bit and see how I feel and I'll just quit if I don't like it. Yeah. I, Insta would have bought out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I like even the way he's, take the loss. even the way he's stretching his stomach was, was weird. Like he wasn't just like, he wasn't saying, Hey, I'm, I'm eating a ton of food every day. So this way I'm used to eating and my stomach stretched by the time I start. No, oh, I'm drinking a lot of water. It's very, very hard to drink a lot more water than your body wants. Very hard to do. Much easier to just keep eating junk and, and to stretch your stomach if the things you're enjoying eating. The problem is water doesn't have a taste to it. Water's not something satisfying to drink unless you're really hot and, and dehydrated. So it's just something you do to satiate thirst. And once you're beyond that, you just don't want to really drink much. And everyone listening, Druff is an expert at stretching his stomach out. You have seen him on Live at the Bike. Yeah, You've seen yeah. him in action. He knows how this stuff works. You, you guys know that I could definitely uh, – I ha- I have done it, and you, you you know I could prepare for it doing. It. I I couldn't eat a thousand of McDonald's in, in thirty six hours. I wouldn't want to try, but you guys know I'm good at stretching my stomach if I need to, especially if I'm getting free food from a, a card room. That's the way I would do it. I would go I would go to Commerce or the bike and talk them into giving me the food for free. That would really stretch my stomach. I think I could actually win that thousand dollar bet if they just said it's all free. They told me this food's all free. I would have a time. I'd have a hard time stopping eating. Were there were there any dollar prop bets, or was it just all or none? I don't know much about the the type of bets they were placed, and, and in fact, I don't even know who placed the bets on either side. I I don't even know if this information was ever given anywhere. But the charity money came out of the pool, or were they asking people to donate? No, I I don't I don't even know that. Right, that's what I was asking. I don't even know much detail about how the charity raised the money. Oh, here, here, here we go. I think I figured it out here. I'm reading a different article on a thing called the, the pokerpractice.com. It says, uh, while Nuri wasn't able to finish the bet, he definitely succeeded in helping a charitable cause. According to, the, to this GoFundMe page, oh, I hadn't even seen that. I'm going to have to open that. Uh, the bet was all about getting Christmas toys and supplies for impoverished Vietnamese children. Here's one excerpt from the page. My friend Fong Turbo Wen, also a poker player, travels to Vietnam every Christmas to buy supplies, food, and clothes to give back to the needy there. Turbo came from Vietnam with nothing. It's his, his way of giving back. 
Every dollar contributed to this campaign will be matched by Turbo dollar for dollar up to $20,000. So I guess they got fourteen k. Uh, every dollar collected will go to increasing the amount of supplies, food, and clothing given out this year. So I, I guess this is a separate thing that that uh, on the side that he's asking donate money and and we will uh, donate uh, a dollar to match it. And I, I see they got more than fourteen k. I see they they raised uh, twelve thousand five seventy five, which should mean that they're getting twenty five k because they're supposed to be. Uh, Matching it. So, this is, uh, it says it was created by Mike Nori on May 10th on behalf of Fong Wen. And I don't know if they're really going to do this. See, this is the problem. It's very possible that Fong Wen really does want to help the people of Vietnam, the children of Vietnam. And uh, it shows he's giving food to the less fortunate and... uh, to elderly homes and the orphanages. So if he's really going to take all this money, dollar for dollar, if he's really going to contribute then 12, 12.5K himself and bring this to Vietnam, bring 25K to Vietnam and distribute this to elderly homes, orphanages, and, and food for the less fortunate, okay, that's legitimate if that happens. But who knows? I, I'd like to see proof it happened. I see all the these different donations. Uh, Michael Reed, which by the way is a different Michael Reed than the than Reggie Man. There's two Michael Reeds in poker. Uh, Stuart Mandelbaum, Patrick Kielty, Stephen Garfinkel, Lily Tran, Quack Do. Like it looks like we're even getting some Vietnamese donating here. Quack Do and uh, Lily Tran, uh, Chris Duan. So a lot of, it looks like a lot of people who are Vietnamese are donating to this. Like v- Chris Duan, that's not Tom Duan. D O A N. I assume he's a uh, Vietnamese too. He wrote, every year we go back and personally hand out food for the hungry, school items for the less fortunate children, and contribute to the elderly. So unless Chris Dwan is, is, you know, in cahoots with him here, if this really is just a guy who read this and he does the same thing and wanted to donate, it's possible Chris Dwan is like, hey, I do that. I go, I go back to the homeland of Vietnam and I do nice things for people, for the poor back there. So, hey, I'm, I'm glad someone else is doing this. I, I'm giving 500 bucks, which would be very nice of Chris Dwan. The problem is you're giving this to a poker player who, uh, you know, who you, you hope it's not going to go to his poker bankroll. How do you know he's doing this? That's why, as sad as it is, I, I, I hate giving to, th- I wouldn't want to give to something like this. You just don't know. I'm not- do you guys know who that is? Who? The uh, Vietnamese guy. No. It couldn't be Scotty Wynn, and that's his Vietnamese name. <laughs> no, no. It's a, uh, Wynn is like, Half the Vietnamese population. This is Fong Wen, and oh, uh, yeah, that's okay. like Smith. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, more, right. it's more, more than Smith. Yeah, it's more, yeah. more than Smith. It's like Smith Jones and and uh, and several other American names combined. So, now, I did have a question before I forget, Jeff. Uh, yeah, is uh, Ken Scaler going on the new Love Connection? Oh yeah, they're, they're having they're bringing back Love Love Connection where Ken was on originally. And he wants to be on there, but first of all, he, I guess he they already... He was on, he was on like five times, Yeah, he? No, no, that was a different show, he was on five times. I think he was on Love Connection twice, but oh, okay. uh, but he's aware of it, he told me about it, he said the first season's already been shot, and it's going to be a, like a network TV thing where you can win $10,000, so it's a lot bigger than the other one, that was just a syndicated thing during the day. But he said that <clears throat> he'll give it a shot for, if it comes back another season, or they film new episodes, the problem, what he noticed is that they seem to be focusing on like young and attractive people, whereas the old love connection, 
it was a big cross section. Some were young and attractive. Some were just you know typical middle aged people. Some were kind of you know, weird, quirky people like him. So he's he always hopes for like the comic relief angle where he's he's the the crazy quirky guy that uh, everyone wants to kind of laugh at. That that that's his niche here in getting on TV, and he's hoping they'll take that. And of course, he's forty seven years old now, so. If they're looking for young people, they're not going to want him. But uh, we'll see. I mean, he definitely wants to go on, especially with the $10,000 possibility to win. The way you'd win $10,000 in the new Love Connection, I think, kind of corrupts the whole idea of the show. Where the old Love Connection, there would be three people that you would choose from. You'd see little videos of them if you're the picker. You would pick the one that looks best to you from their little you know, short videos. And then the audience would also pick independently of that who they think is best for you. So regardless of who the audience picks, which you don't know yet, you go on a date with the person you pick. You come back to Love Connection and report on TV. You know, both sides come on there. The the pickers there in studio, the other ones on like on a, a live video in the back room, and they both talk about the date and. Then at the end, you say whether or not you want to go out with that person again, and so does the, so does the other person that want to go out with you. And if you say yes, the, the show will pay for a second date. If you say no, then, then you check who the audience picked, and if the audience picks someone different, you have the ability to go out with that, uh, that second person, and the show will pay as well. That, and if it does well, they may uh, pick Ken's show back up, too. I forgot, what was the show called? Well, he's been on a lot. He's been on Love Connection. He was on no, Blind Date. He was on Blind Date. He was on uh, Blind Date. He was on the, the Dating Game. He was on a number of things. So, uh, they anyway, the, the new Love Connection is similar, but apparently they give you a ten thousand dollar prize if you pick the same person as the audience picked, which really messes it all up because now you're no longer picking who you think is best. You're you're trying to figure out who the audience is going to think is best for me. So so let's say if you're like a computer geek. And and one girl says, yeah, you know, I'm very outdoorsy. I have to go out and hike and camp. And then the second one talks about how she, you know, uh, how she likes uh, traveling and shopping. The next one's like, you know, I real, I'm just like a gamer girl. I love playing video games. And I love even if you don't like the gamer girl, you're, you're going to pick the gamer girl because you know the audience is going to pick the gamer girl for you because they, they'll think she's similar to you. So that that's the problem is you you you're playing this game of trying to pick who the audience is going to pick rather than who you like, which kind of ruins the whole thing. But anyway. Uh, Ken's gonna, he'll try to get back on there. Uh, if he does, I'll definitely announce it here. But if, if they're only taking young people, he's got no shot. That would be gold. That, that would be gold. I mean, I, I would cast him if I was, if I, if I didn't know him, I, I think he would be great on it, but we'll see. Anyway, let's, let's, uh, so, so this McDonald's thing I thought was, uh, that was really lousy that the guy didn't try very hard after it was pumped up so much. And, and, and really, if, if he, if he didn't mean this to be, to have such mainstream following if you really thought this was going to be like a little background bet that people weren't supposed to really know about and then it became a big thing because of Bilzerian he should have backed out at some point he should have said okay uh, since he wasn't even making most of the bets I'm sure there was a clause that if he just backs out beforehand everybody just gets their money back so he should have just backed out if he didn't want to take it seriously once he saw that every people, everybody taking it so seriously on his behalf and people are making all these bets on the back and forth on this You've got to take it seriously at that point. Or you're screwing people. So he didn't scam anyone, and yeah, you know, but I, I didn't think that was right. And, and the charity thing's kind of weird to me. It's 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 unverifiable. The problem. It's an unfair, un, unverifiable charity. And anyone can say they're going to take money and do great things with it. 
and you never know if they're going to or not unless you see some kind of proof. And you just, it sucks that you can't trust other human beings to really do that, but you can't. That, that's the problem. There's too many people who would lie about this to get money. And they can seem very sincere and very nice. And you never really know what they're going to do. And there can even be a partial scam where he, you know, he collects uh, 12500 for charity, claims he's going to match it and spend twenty five k. In reality, he goes there and spends six k. Claims he spent twenty five. How are you going to know? And he'll then he'll have pictures of, of of spending the money and where the money went, and it'll look all legitimate. And in reality, he pocketed over six k. I'm not saying he did this. I have no evidence he did this. I'm not saying I believe he's doing this. I'm saying these are all possibilities that can happen, and that's why I don't ever. I, I recommend never donate to any charity like this unless you know the person really well and know they would never do that. If it's just someone who seems to mean well, but you don't know much about them, don't ever do that. They can do anything with the money. That's very good advice, trust me. So, uh, Ty Stewart, who is the head of the World Series of Poker, we've said before on this show, uh, there are really three important names you need to know as far as uh, managers of the World Series of Poker. There's Ty Stewart, who's the head. There is uh, Jack Effel, who's the tournament director. And there's uh, Seth Polanski, who's considered like VP of communications, but he wears a lot of hats there. He's, uh, he's got a lot of power as well. So uh, it, I, I think Jack and Seth are on the same level, and they both work for Ty. I think that's the way it works. But these are really the three guys. If there's anything, you know, any, and Kev Math, he's, he's, he works for them uh, disseminating information, but he's, uh, he's more of like an information distributor. And he, he does a great job at it, and he runs the WS, at WSOP account on Twitter. But uh, the the three with real power there are Seth, Jack, and, and Ty. So any concerns uh, you should you know, always bring to them. So Ty went on the 2 plus 2 poker cast on this last episode. And this was actually brought to my attention by Calwatt. That was a good interview. Yeah, it was, it was a good interview. And... The uh, the two plus two poker cast yeah, they had him on and they asked him a lot of good questions and this uh, this take took place at the one o four fifty seven mark it's hour four and fifty seven second mark of of the poker cast so by by the way it's, this doesn't play very well. I'm telling you this, Sad. I'm going to do you a favor, Mason Malmuth, even though I don't like you and you don't like me. Um, I, I'm trying to play this poker cast through the archives on uh, on Google Chrome, and it's giving me a JavaScript and Flash required error, mm. and I have to go open this on a different browser. And uh, well, you can turn JavaScript on in your Chrome I, if you I, want. I think it is on, but I, I, it's it's. Uh, like, this doesn't happen with the Poker Fraudler player. We wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Are you saying that the 2 plus 2 poker cast is not in your RSS feed? No. Oh, my God. I, I, neither is Poker Fraudler, to be honest, though. <laughs> I don't have anything in my RSS feed. I have nothing. Oh, nothing. Gross. So, anyway, the, the 2 plus 2 poker cast, uh, I should have had this ready, but I, I had it ready and then I lost it somehow. I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to play the. For this favor, I'm doing them, saying that I'm having trouble playing it on Chrome. Terrence and Adam are going to be heartbroken. I know. Well, you're the one who asked this and exposed this, that I don't have it in the RSS feed. 
Mm. But I'm, I'm opening up in a different browser. Hey, poker people! Just a reminder that the PokerCast is brought to no, you no, by you're running Fine Forks over at Oh, I'm, I'm running their I'm running their commercial. No, yeah. no, 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 no. You got to no. wait till it buffers, and then you can fast forward. No, that's what I'm going to do. I'm waiting for it to buffer. No, I I I, I can't run any ads for RunAtOnce.com. Sorry. You just did another one. No, if if you if you heard what I said, dis, disregard. I want the jury to disregard the testimony. If you are thinking of, of buying Run It Once's services, I have nothing against Run It Once, but I also can't endorse them. That's a third ad. I said I can't endorse them. No, just mentioning the domain name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Run It Once, you owe me money. There's four. <laughs> they owe me money. You, you guys, owe, I just advertised for you. You heard it. I, I want I want a hundred dollars now. Run it once. I'm gonna, I'm going to come for you. Hundred five. In fact, here it's going to be two hundred. Go to runitonce.com and and Six. buy buy whatever they sell. Now you guys owe me two hundred dollars. I want two hundred dollars immediately, payable to to me. Now. <laughs> I just stole I just stole two plus two sponsor. Okay, that's. Uh, I'm contacting them. I'm sending them. Uh, I'm sending them a bill. Tell them you'll do it for a third of whatever they're billing the. Two oh, plus I'm, I am going to do that. I'm going to say. You know, this is the show you should be advertising on. And let me tell you, this show is so good that the 2 plus 2 PokerCast guy, Adam Schwartz, listens to it. So it's got to be any, good. Not anymore. Now that he found out, you're not even in his playlist. So I, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to steal them. I'm going to steal them at once. I should just start listening to podcasts, gambling and poker podcasts everywhere, and just steal all their sponsors. There's like Their sponsors are going to leave in mass from all these different poker podcasts and gambling podcasts and well, you well, know that so that's what a lot of people do you know that right i mean for real no i know i'm sure they do yeah what they do is they they scrape their competition to see who is advertising on there and they have someone to try and steal them away no i've thought about this before i've actually thought about like like is it unethical if i hear someone advertising on a different site uh to say hey do you not 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 to criticize the other site not to say hey stop advertising there but but uh, you know, w- would you like to buy advertising on pokerfraudler.com and I, I i i actually think it's fine to do i just haven't done it but uh, well, i think it's, it's unethical the the entire industry is doing something unethical well i, I th- they, they all do it i i think to to criticize the competition and say hey i heard you're advertising on 2 plus 2 they suck uh, you advertise over well, that's here that's a little different that, that's yeah. that's different that's trying to poach them but to say just to, just to know they're buying advertising somewhere and just to send them an unsolicited uh proposal would you like to buy advertise on on this show even not even acknowledging you know they advertise elsewhere that's fine. You just you just know that uh, they're buying advertising well, somewhere. Yeah, well, but it's not an either that or. market. They may want to exactly Galat. They may want to spend if it's working for them on two plus two. They probably want our audience too. Yeah, right. That's why I was th- that's why I was considering doing it. Like that's that's why I was actually I, like you, we we're joking about this. I, I was really considering just kind of listening to something who's buying advertising time and not not. I, I honestly would not criticize any other podcast. I probably wouldn't even mention knowing about it, but just send messages out and say. We have this show. Describe this show. Describe what our audience size is. Describe the dedication a lot of the listeners have, which they do. And we have a guy coming out of surgery who wants to listen to this. I think that speaks volumes. And uh, and you know, and that they trust us, the hosts here, that uh, that we're not going to advertise crap. So, and, and you know, contact companies that I would be willing to promote and, and see if we could actually make money or at least uh, not lose money. I think I thought about that. Anyway, let's let's get back to this uh, thing with Ty Stewart. That they did a good interview and. I, I'm I'm going to play this part here. I'm going to claim it's fair use, so Mason can't sue me. But this little part of Ty Stewart talking about the 
Global Poker Index. And uh, apologies to Adam Schwartz, who's going to now hear himself on this show as he listens. The process of which you go about deciding who the player of the year at the World Series, not just uh, in Vegas, but the the Europe uh, uh, events as well, has changed, and it's or it's going to change. I think uh, the format is not quite decided yet, it seems like, but you're going to move away from the GPI model. There was a lot of... You know, there's always criticism in the poker community about anything, but uh, people who were playing sort of those $1,000, $1,500 no-limit events uh, seem to be behind the eight ball a bit to those playing in the 150, 200-person sort of 10K7 stud events. It, it, there was a, some some concern that uh, those guys had the, the leg up before the this World Series got even got underway. Yeah, the the model's done, just hasn't been published. And as you said, there will definitely be controversy. And I've always taken the approach. I love the fact that people care about the World Series of Poker Player of the Year. We're happy that there is a prize. But, you know, the prize is is not something that would necessarily justify, um, you know, all the interest. I think the interest is, as you said, it's just people care about the series and and, uh, and the honor and the integrity of it. I I think it's a little more balanced. you know, generally, I, I was never a huge fan of uh, the GPI. Oh, sorry about that. I, I, had this, I, I, I had the mute on. I was talking, and then the mute was on. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. But uh, I, I, I was trying to react. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. He was never a fan of the GPI. This is not Adam Schwartz saying this. This is not Terrence Chan saying this. This is Ty Stewart saying this. Now, the GPI was some kind of partner they had for the last two years. They, they were providing the Player of the Year formula and keeping track of the World Series of Poker Player of the Year. So they had a partnership. Presumably, the GPI was paying the World Series for this privilege. So they, you know, the World Series didn't need help doing the Player of the Year. It was, it was, this is a marketing partnership, clearly, and, and I'm sure the GPI paid them. So how, how could Ty Stewart be talking this way? Wouldn't this be a slap in the face? To any future sponsors or, or those that would want to make partnerships with the World Series, how, how could he be treating a partner, even if it's now a former partner, like this? So listen on, and I think you'll better understand. I'm not, I'm not criticizing Ty Stewart, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Yeah, but I, I'll just say, without going into it too much more, you know, that, that's, a, that's a business matter. Um, we're no longer in business with that organization. Um, I think there's a lot of people probably not longer in business with that organization. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. We're not in business with that organization, meaning the Global Poker Index, and there's a lot of other people no longer in business with that organization. That's an even bigger slam. (laughs) Druff, all of this together, like for, for anyone who's not in corporate America, and this is really business speak for your mother's a whore. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, like it's it's brutal. Yes, what he what he's saying is absolutely brutal. I was never a fan of them. We're no longer working with that organization, and I think there are a number of other people that are no longer working with that organization. I mean, he's basically saying that they shafted us, they dicked over other people, and fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's like you break up with a girl and people ask you about it instead of saying, "Yeah, I mean, we just it, this relationship just didn't work. We we went our separate ways." Instead, it's like I was never very much of a fan of her, and I, I never liked her very much. You know, we're, we're I, I'm not going out with her. You know, there's a number of other guys I know that would never touch her. Like that that's that's the equivalent of saying that. Or, or, or there's another other guys who had uh, experiences with her that uh, they, they 
don't want anything to do with her anymore. Like that. That's that's what they're saying here. And this yeah. is this is the guy who's the head of the whole World Series. And even though Ty Stewart has a temper, even though Seth Polanski has a temper, even though Jack Effel has a temper, and they've all done things and said things that probably were not very wise uh, given their high positions at the World Series of Poker. This is one time where, if you read between the lines, uh, it's understandable. And I, I the reason I think it's understandable is if you read between the lines, I have no evidence of this other than what. Ty is saying here, and just our knowledge of the financial dealings of Global Poker Index CEO Alex Dreyfus, which we've discussed before on this show, and which he's admitted to himself. Uh, <clears throat> putting all that together, reading between the lines, just like we did with uh, Vanessa Selps, or, no, Vanessa Russo earlier. Not all lesbians look alike, Drew. I know. It's, it's, it's just, it's, in poker, it's, just, it's so hard to keep track of all these lesbian Vanessas. But if you read between the lines here, it seems to me that the Global Poker Index screwed over the World Series in some way, and I'm guessing the way they did screw them over was non-payment. I'm guessing that they strung the World Series along. I have no evidence of this, but this is my guess. They strung the World Series along, didn't pay what they were supposed to, kept delaying them, delaying them, and then at some point uh, the World Series had to give up on them and say, okay, screw it, you guys clearly aren't paying us, F you goodbye, we're separating, and then they had to scramble to come up with a player of the year formula, and yeah, I guess they could have gone back to their old one, but they probably went to Jess Wellman, who they knew had written some blogs about, maybe they heard, maybe you know, maybe they were talking to some other people, and the people said, hey, you know, Jess Wellman, she wrote a pretty good blog analyzing why the GPI sucks, so maybe she could come up with a better one. She seems like a smart girl, she already has an interest in this subject, she's written blogs about it, why don't you ask her? So, Maybe at that point they went to Jess Wellman and said, hey, can you come up with something? She quickly whipped something together for them. And they haven't released it yet, what the exact formula is. But I have to imagine if Jess Wellman came up with it, it's probably pretty good. So I'm sure it's way better than the GPI formula, which had all kinds of flaws, as Adam Schwartz was mentioning, that the big buy-in small field events got a huge weight that they shouldn't have had. So what what was your first clue that you thought this was about non-payment? Was it Dreyfus borrowing money to fund his cube <laughs> yeah. poker players that he yes. that he didn't pay back? Right, and this th- I wondered when this happened last year. When this happened last year, and this came out after the World Series, but it was about something that occurred at the World Series in September 2016. It was publicized by Fedor Holtz and others that Alex Dreyfus didn't just borrow; he scammed money out of them, 20k that he claimed was a currency exchange. It was not a loan. He claimed that right. he, he needed a currency exchange. He got euros, and he was going to send them U.S. dollars in exchange, and then just never sent it, and then stalled, stalled, stalled. And Stars then, for Bitcoin. Yeah. So that, that's that's not a loan. It was, it was you know, exchange euros for U.S. dollars. Fedor, Fedor Holtz and other high-stakes players are like, okay, here's your euros. He's like, uh, yeah, I'll send you the U.S. dollars soon. Yeah, I'll send it in the next few days. Uh, yeah, I can't do it yet. We're having some problems here. And then stall- now, if that was going on back then, I would imagine the same thing was happening with the bills that they had uh, payable to the WSOP. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a stretch. No, it's not. And and uh, and so I had wondered if already this wasn't an embarrassment to the World Series that the CEO of the Global Poker Index that they're using for their 
player of the year system is scamming players at the World Series. This actually had happened at the World Series, not not just right. during the same time of the World Series. Actually, at the World Series, he's scamming people, and this is what he did. Now, did did he pay them back? Yes, he paid them back when they told Alex after a few months of this, because this is in September, that the loans happened during the World Series, which which ends in mid July. So. This went on for like three months, and they told Alex, okay, this is it. We're, we're going forward on 2 plus 2 about this no matter what you do. Just just letting you know in advance. So Alex then panicked and, and got the money together somehow and then paid them a token amount of interest on top of it just to make it look like he's a great guy. And so by the time they made this post, they had all been paid back, but they still went forward to the post because you know, it's basically like we're going out – we're going – forward with this no matter what on two plus two so you can pay us back and that'll be part of the story or you haven't paid us back that'll be part of the story so he did pay back because he knew that would be the story up there right so so that's why he paid but but they he strung them along for three months and again this was not a loan this was supposed to be an immediate currency exchange where on the same day he was supposed to send them back the u.s dollars and didn't but just just think about it if he's asking for personal i mean maybe druff maybe that money that he was asking for was so he could pay the World Series. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? But but I mean, you know, clearly there's a lot of bitterness on on the part of of Ty Stewart uh, towards the Global Poker Index, where he yeah. he put out all these slams against them. And clearly they got screwed over, and that they don't want to go so far as to call them out like, oh, we got scammed by the GPI. Like they don't want to go that far. But that's uh, the business equivalent of saying exactly that. Yeah, it is. I mean, what what he said there uh, again, you know, when you have dealt with corporate America to any extent, what he said there is basically the equivalent of that. It really is. Yeah, it is. It is. So so that's and and he would not have come out like that if it was just uh, if the GPI just backed out. I even think if the GPI backed out, you know. If they had dealt with him honestly and paid on time and everything else, but then just backed out a little later than he would have preferred, I think he probably wouldn't have said that. I, I, I believe that they there was probably just a non-payment thing. He probably Maybe they even had a contract to pay for this year and then just didn't pay, and then finally the World Series had to drop them and scramble to get their own system. Because I thought it was so weird that they announced in May for an event starting at the very end of May that, that they're changing the formula. I thought that's a weird thing. This should have been in place a long time ago. If they if they dropped the GPI, this should have been decided last year, not not in May of 2017. So clearly something happened, and and then to say that he thinks other organizations that uh, they're not involved with them, it, it may, he may even have knowledge that other organizations got screwed. That's exactly what it sounds like to me. Yeah, exactly. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Hendon mob just goes down sometime soon. Well, you know, as we as we discussed last week, um, they issued uh, the GPI issued that press release uh, on May 11th, I think it was, where they basically said that they were venturing out into esports. Which, in context, after hearing this from Ty, like everything makes complete sense, right? You know, the the World Series of Poker told them to f off. And uh, you know the the partnership isn't existing there, so they're they're off to another pasture trying to get uh, uh, money from their investors to keep going. Yeah, and that totally looks like that. And I I never trusted Alex Dreyfus. I saw shady things happening with him before all this stuff with with. I know a few people that had unfortunate dealings with him. I mean, I saw situations where. The GPI Player of the Year 
a few years ago, you know, they had claimed they were going to get certain World Series packages, and then they didn't get them. They they backed out of it. They were they were making excuses. It was only after they were publicly shamed that they oh, I did remember something. That. So that we've talked about that on the show before. It just seems like a constant stream of such and such promises from Alex Dreyfus, and uh, then no delivery and excuses. And to per- well, he did build the cube. <laughs> and, and to personally scam high-stakes players in Vegas during the World Series, I thought, wow, the, the CEO yeah. of the Global Poker Index doing this, actually personally scamming Fedor Holtz and other high-stakes players for 20 k And that's what it is. You can't do a currency exchange and not just, you're supposed to send the same day and then just not send it for months. I mean, that, that, that's just outright scamming someone. It really is. You can't, how, how, go ahead. You can't make that excuse. There's no excuse for it. Right. And how, how do you feel if you're this investor in Hong Kong that was sold on this whole thing and all of your millions are in this fucking acrylic cube? <laughs> That's not that they're not even using. Yeah. You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I'd be so mad. It always amazes me how they, they talk in these outside investors who don't really know it very well. just like a slick salesman. I, I, I believe he's good at sales, Alex. Yeah. But and the, I think that's what the move into esports is as well. Um, I think we discussed it last week, but basically that's easier to sell to investors. Yeah, this is a $4 billion a year industry. It's uh, this cutting-edge thing, and esports is something that a lot of people who have money aren't going to know anything about it. They're just not genera- of that generation that really gets it. Yeah. Um, and so it's going to be a much easier sell for him to try and get investors saying, oh, we're going to eSports now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if, if he could make a slick enough presentation, I mean, look, we haven't talked about this on this show. Maybe he'll build a pyramid. <laughs> Instead of a cube, he'll build a eSports pyramid. Right. Maybe it'll be a sphere. Yeah. Oh, ooh. now that's sexy, Drew. That's a good one. <laughs> we haven't talked about this much on this show, but... Uh, this this whole mess they had in uh, the Bahamas with this fire fest. You read about that? Oh yeah. And that's the, you know that was a pretty amazing story. <clears throat> I was very inv- interested in that as well. And there was a thread on Poker Fraud Alert about it, even though it has nothing to do with gambling or poker. That was crazy. But I even went as far to identify the. I wasn't the only one I identified this person, but I was one of. Uh, she wasn't identified really publicly very much uh, the person who really funded all this initially. They, they got some additional funding from some other places, but the initial funder of this was a socialite from the Hamptons. Mm. And she was talked into doing this by uh, this scammer, Billy McFarland, who was behind this, a 25-year-old. Wasn't she dating him or something? No, they did have no? kind of a weird... She's married, and she, mm, she's okay. married and 40 years old, and... Uh, she she's married to an uh, investment banker. Might have been fucking her. I, I wondered if that might have been happening. But there, there's I have pictures of them together shortly before she funded Firefest, and it looked pretty close. But it, it may have just been like they're close friends. But uh, <clears throat> they they sold her on it. They even flew her to the island where it's supposedly going to take place, and they brought her to a an island where it really wasn't taking place. They brought her to a beautiful island, which uh, looked like it would have been a great venue, but that wasn't where it was going to be. That that's just where they brought they brought her and they brought the models to film the promotion for it, but that wasn't the real place. If they brought it to the real dump where it took place, then she would have never would not have invested. But but uh, you know he, he sold this to her and, and she invested in his previous company, which still exists, this failed company called Magnesis, 
and that was supposed to be like a credit card for millennials that wasn't really a credit card. You can read about all this stuff, but it's a very fascinating story, this whole thing with Firefest, this F-Y-R-E. We have a thread about it on Poker Fraud Alert in the Flying Stupidity Forum. Where yeah, of, that's that's just insane. It's a, it's a very fascinating story, but the amazing thing is that uh, a lot of there was a lot of uh, she invested a lot of into into it, but uh, this was a case of someone who was sold on something that seemed exciting and cool for millennials, and she was forty years old and the wife of a really rich guy, and she was very into planning you know, parties and stuff in the Hamptons for for her, for her friends and her husband's friends, and so all these you know, big social gatherings. So she probably wanted to do something more meaningful. She probably wanted. She, to, she is an effective feminist. Yeah, she wanted to do something I mean, more. God meaningful. damn. Yeah, she <laughs> she wanted to do something. You know, some of these really some of these wives of really rich guys are not just happy going around shopping and living the high life. Some of them they want to feel a sense of purpose. Some of them get involved with charities. Some of them get involved with you know putting on these these parties. But some of them really want to have some kind of business of their own and feel like they're really contributing something and, and accomplishing something. So yeah, off, because just taking someone else's <clears> money, yeah, and it's only gonna it's not gonna leave you fulfilled at right. all. I mean, it'll be fun for a little while, but eventually it's gonna be kind of shitty. Yeah, some women are happy doing that, but others others still want to feel like they're accomplishing something. So they so they will often get their rich their super rich husbands to bankroll whatever their pet project is that's supposed to make some some sort of money. So she obviously convinced her super rich husband to bankroll this and thought, "Hey, this this Billy McFarland guy, he's 25. He's uh, he's been, you know, he started all these businesses already. He seems uh, he seems like a genius. He seems like uh he has his finger on the pulse of millennials of what he's won and he knows what's cool. We I I'm 40 years old. I don't completely understand all this stuff, but I can tell this Billy knows what he's talking about and and this Firefest this seems like a, a spectacular idea. It's going to be huge. And same with this Magnesis pseudo credit card he's starting. So she kept funding this, kept going back to her husband and saying, hey, you know, this Billy, he's, he's got these great ideas and he knows what he's talking about. And he's one of the millennials and, you know, he just needs the financial backing. And she kept doing it. Now I'm sure she'll never I, I back. I just picture a guy like having a drink, half paying attention and just grunting. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's what I think. That's what I think <laughs> happened. She's like, oh, no, I really want to do this. I really don't want to just. All right, know, honey. I don't want to just count on your money. I want to do something myself. I think this Billy, he's really got a great idea. He knows millennials. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. Shut up. How much do you know? I need $8 million. Yeah, she can be like a pain in the ass. He's like, here, take, here, take $5 yeah. million. Yeah. Do something. I can have some peace and quiet. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, $5 million is worth it for the silence. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And, and, then, and then this. Uh, this Billy McFarland realizes he is the fish on the hook, and he just keeps reeling it in. So, oh, yeah. so, so, and then also sometimes investment will bring upon other investment. Once you show you're getting others to invest, then it looks more legitimate. So, I, I think some of this is what happens, not necessarily with housewives, but but I think some of this is what happens with people like Alex Dreyfus. Is you just you sell people on something a concept that sounds cool, esports, poker. You sell them on something that sounds great. You you talk a good game. You make it sound like you, you're bringing in something new and exciting that's going to blow up huge, and 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 they throw money at you. So it always amazes me yeah, that. And then once they're in, it's like they need more money. So then at one point they got to just say, if I don't put more money in, it's going to fail. Right, they throw the good money after bad. Right, exactly. So right, so the so that's and and like some of these ideas we hear about and we immediately laugh about on the show, and and others laugh, not just us, but like everybody laughs in poker who has any knowledge. Like this is never going to work. This is never going to be profitable. This this has like no. Cube? 
Yeah, this this has I mean, like that thing got ridiculed. <laughs> <laughs> like like this has no path to profitability. Like like everyone says this who's familiar with the industry, and we just think, how could there be so many millions invested here without some consultation with? Experts in the industry who are all very accessible. Hey, anybody who's listening to this that's considering investing in a lot of money in something like this, consult with me. Right. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll do consulting for you and tell you if it sounds like a terrible idea. I, I have a good feel for these things. Right. I, so would anybody. And all, and all of those poker pros that were on those teams with the, the dumb city names or whatever. I don't blame them. They're just like, well, all right, fucking. Well, yeah, if they get this paid, is, this sure. thing looks stupid to me. But if you want to pay me to do it, I'll do it. Right, yeah. right. That's uh, a <laughs> that, that stupid global poker league. But yeah, so it, so that's that seems to be what uh, Dreyfus does. Is he just he's kind of like a poker's version of that Billy McFarland from the Firefest. Uh, now, now, I don't think he's quite as bad as Billy McFarland. He really seems like a, an outright scammer. But well, didn't Dreyfus have like an actual business at one point, and that's how he. Some kind of like a community thing or something like that. I don't know much about his history. I yeah, there was. Some, I remember reading about it at some point. He had some kind of a company he built up that he sold, and it. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge deal, but it was something to give him some money to have access to the right people and that kind of stuff. The weirdest thing about that Billy McFarland guy with the Firefest is that they're. People are saying that he's like from a wealthy family anyway, so he didn't need to do this. Like he didn't need to scam all these people. Like he wouldn't have gotten millions of dollars invested. His family wasn't super rich, but his family was well off enough to where he would have been taken care of. And he didn't. He didn't need to, especially at such a young age, like start with all the scamming. But it's it's so oh, that's weird. Kind of fucked up, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he just he just decided he wants like I I don't even understand like what is it seemed some of his goals were kind of just to be cool and and and. He and, and and his and he got these buddies that were around his age too. That they were all really arrogant, all really thought they knew what they were doing, and none of them did. They just they all thought they were brilliant, and yet they they left gaping holes in the logic of how this could possibly succeed. Like it wasn't just like unforeseen things that were beating them. They just they they left major things undone that just left people scratching their heads. Like how could they ever thought it was going to work? Yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know what this fire festival was, like they. Sold uh, a lot of millennials to go down to this uh, concert down on uh, some island. And it was a private island that apparently some of the mystique is that it, in theory, was owned by Pablo Escobar at one point. So it's like a, and it wasn't even a little a private bit dangerous. Island. And they're putting on this big concert and yeah. everyone would be staying in these like luxurious uh, suites. And they got down there and they were literally in disaster relief tents like they still had yeah. the label on there that said like disaster yeah, relief it, tents. like in like an ugly in a, like an ugly vacant lot that was adjacent to like a sandals yeah. resort and, and there and was, was garbage everywhere yes. and they were supposed to have gourmet meals and all they ended up getting was like uh there was one tweet about it was like a the cheese piece sandwich of, piece yeah. of bread with cheese on yeah, it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like and, and the, the crazy thing is they, they they still went on with it like they let everybody come to it and 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 let them spend money on wristbands that they could spend like 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 they'd load cash on a wristband that they could spend they they, they let everybody do all this and collected all the money from them knowing they were going to get there and find this and most of the acts had canceled or all the acts had canceled and they still let everybody come there like i don't know what they thought was going to happen so yeah because a lot of the bands said that they and and these fuckers this uh a guy I don't remember the guy's name but the guy who was uh, extorting this money from these people he and his buddies were like flying down there on yachts and they were yeah, Billy flying down there yeah. on private jets and they were on yachts and they were sipping champagne and they were 
paying models and, and Instagram stars to come down there and pose in their bikinis. And that's all the money that was supposed to go to the bands and the logistics for these people to stay at. Yeah. That's where it all went. And they kept being warned about this, that it's never going to, they were warned months in advance that there's just major holes. They just like, they don't have bathrooms. They don't, they, they don't, the, the tents they advertise that, that, that they're supposed to have, they don't like they, everything that they're supposed to have in place was not in place. And still they just went forward with it. And everybody came was like, Oh my God, you know, we have to leave. And, and, and the talent wasn't going to show up. It was like, it wasn't just that they tried and it didn't work. It was clear. There was no chance it could work. Nothing was there that they promised would be there, including the acts. So it was crazy. It was crazy. And then they, I, I think they spent all the money. I think all the money's gone. So, uh, it's, it, this is insane. It's an insane story. You can, on Poker Fraud Alert, we have a very detailed thread. One of the, actually, probably the most detailed coverage you'll find of the whole story is on our site, uh, for the fire. I think Fest. that might have been where I got into reading about it. I might have read it on the forums. I, I spent a good couple hours cruising it over going what the fuck yeah i did too i yeah. I, I spent a lot of time that's why i even i got so curious about who the socialite was I, I i researched it out and figured out who it was yeah so anyway it's it's a fascinating story if you want to check this but yeah I, it just reminded me somewhat of alex dreyfus when i read that i, I kind of thought oh this is kind of uh, what alex dreyfus does in poker but not not quite as offensive as this but still it's a not, lot of, not quite as blatant but i mean it, it sure it, seems like go ahead it, go ahead it's more, it's, it's more like that poker tournament where they, get, they didn't pay anybody they mm. took all the money right what was it oh the uh, the, the epic fail poker league no, well not the ep, not oh the no no oh not no, that no, no, oh, no, oh no, you're talking about the more recent one with uh with with the uh, with the aruba the right, the, right, the right. poker players championship the exact same thing yeah yeah that was the the, the the Ponzi scheme they had going on. They're robbing, robbing uh, Peter tournament to pay Paul tournament. So what do you think, Druff, and, and Traderuski? what do you guys think the chances of the Global Poker League, now known as the Global, uh, sorry, the Global Poker Index, now known as the Global Player Index, what do you think the chances of that being a viable business are? Uh, I think Druff's got a drop for that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's Ruff? true. Oh, I, I was. Uh, Ruff? I'm sorry. Zero point zero. I was just kind of. I just kind of was just kind of listening to you, and I was like, "Wait, I'm supposed to play a sound effect." Oops. <laughs> I I, sh- I should have been ready. This is this is what sucks about not having an engineer here. It's just it's just me. That sometimes I. Sometimes the timing's not good with these sound effects. Traderuski, how long do you think uh, GPL is going to be around? I mean, they they make some money, right? They have to make some money. The the uh, Hendon Mob or whatever from ads and affiliates and all that kind of shit. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's not like they make the zero money. Counting on. Well, they, I mean, they still own it, right? Right. No, I know. I'm just saying that's the only thing that's bringing. I mean, it's certainly <clears> reputable, <throat> but I'd say within the next year for sure. Yeah. I mean, if they were smart, they'd just sell Hendon Mob to somebody. And, and well, at least maybe these maybe it's possible that these are sectioned off businesses. You know, like there's a, a parent corp, and these are properties that are all owned by it. And if they did it that way, you yeah. know, at least like they the could, good Caesars and the bad Caesars. It, it, exactly. If they did it that way, which would be smart, you know, there could at least be a core business that's left and running. Um, but you know, short of that, yeah, I mean, the assets could be sold. You know, the guys who started the Hen and the Mob must be pretty psyched, though. You know, I mean, they they got a a nice payout, and they watch them run it into the ground. Maybe they can buy it back for <laughs> pennies on the dollar. Yeah, that's uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I think one day we're just going to find it's like offline, and then they, someone will re, will buy it back. You remember when it was offline? Yeah, yeah, they didn't pay the internet bill or something. Yeah, it wasn't working. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why it was down, but it was just, it was just yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. I know we were just. It would be funny if they didn't pay the internet bill, which is possible that maybe they didn't. But okay, let's let's. Uh, Hi, Stewart. Definitely kicked them in the teeth. Oh, he did, and I think it was deserved too. This is one of the few times the World Series, like an executive from the World Series, talks trash and it's justified. I, I mean, I don't think he's going to say something like that unless there's something behind yeah. it. But, but this, like, like you said, this was not just a sponsor that's no longer with us. Yeah, Clear, clearly that yeah. was not what it was. Yeah, there's a lot of bitterness and probably justified bitterness. Okay. So uh, another thing they talked about, and I'm not going to play anything about that. You can go listen to the two plus two poker cast if you want to hear it. And uh, good show, by the way, Adam. And, and there's there's you can patronize their sponsors that we don't have and may steal. Uh, they worked to get those sponsors. Oh, I know they did. They hustled their ass off. They went to conferences to learn about how to uh, how to find sponsors and how to pitch it, and they, they did all sorts of stuff. Well, the, the Poker Stars gravy train got derailed, and then they they scrambled and they they got back on their feet. They did. Props to them. And now now Adam he still gets paid, and I don't. So I can I, he he maintained the status quo of of Dan Druff's jealousy of him. So congratulations. So anyway, the I think PFA cost me more than it cost you. Yeah, that's true. I think you've paid more for it than it. That's true. You have. So uh, Poker Central, we've talked about before how they are going to be receiving the sloppy seconds of the World Series broadcasting. That this is Cal Watts' term, not mine. That <laughs> you liked it. I did. That's why I'm repeating it. <laughs> so I actually did this. I actually said that to give you credit. Okay. I, I, did, right. I didn't want it, I didn't want people laughing and go, oh, Jeff's so clever with that. I just I wanted them to know this this came from you. And if they were offended by it, to be mad at you. Fair enough. So they the Poker Central, which we thought was pretty much going to die when they gave up on actual TV coverage. We thought in December 2016 that was the end of it, but uh, it's come back to life. Carrie Katz has put more money into it. And they have the right to anything ESPN is not broadcasting. And it seems to me that whatever Poker Central chooses to broadcast, they can do, as long as it's not duplicating ESPN content. And uh, they can decide what they think is broadcast worthy and what isn't, and whatever they think feel is, provided ESPN doesn't have the rights to it, they can broadcast it. So people said, all right, well, a little bit weird, but fine. I guess we'll watch Poker Central for the first time ever, what most people are saying, because I, I never watched it, and most people never watched it. Ditto. And everybody, uh, even though it seems a little bit odd, uh, fine. It, people said, okay, well, at least there's going to be coverage. It seemed like uh, there wouldn't be that much change from previous years, that people like Tuckman would probably be back, and it, it didn't seem like a bad thing. A little bit unexpected, a little bit of a last-minute announcement, but whatever. It seemed like something that wasn't going to affect us that much other than just watching it on a different uh, site. It did seem kind of strange to me that the announcement came two weeks before the World Series yeah. started. Yeah, it was late. Yeah, that's what I was saying. There was a little last minute. but uh, And I still don't know the reason for that. But Well, it doesn't mean that they weren't working on the deal. All you poker whoa, fans whoa, whoa, whoa. out there, it's time to get in the game. What is this? The stop, oh, stop, oh, stop, stop. Poker Go is no. the ultimate destination for live stop. coverage no. of the game's <laughs> biggest event. No. 
I, I bring up. See, I, I clicked on your this computer thing. is not a dog. You can't just say no, no, no. It's not gonna... <laughs> I, I look. I don't, did. <clears throat> did I ever talk in the show about losing my drone? I don't think I did. I think you mentioned that you lost it. I I, I, I wrote on this forum, but I lost my drone for some time, and I had to pay someone to go into a very uh, unforgiving terrain to receive to get it back after I failed. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll talk about it at some point, but um. And when my drone was you, wait, did you pay Mike on to go get it? I would have if he was available, but uh, <laughs> no. Honestly, I thought I needed someone younger. I mean, uh, I guess before we get, I'll, I'll tell the story because so we haven't uh, we haven't delved that much into Poker Central. So I, I was flying my drone uh, a few weeks ago, and what happened was Benjamin's mom said that uh, she wanted to go on a hike, and I I mentioned I was having these troubles with my this problem with my foot, and I had a cold then too. I might be getting now, but uh, I, I, w- I said, look, I can't do this because uh, yeah, I've got the cold and my foot hurts. I, I, I'm not really in hiking shape here, but uh, so she went with Benjamin. It might be time for that wheelchair. <laughs> but she, she, I, I said, you know what would be cool? I'll, I'll fly the drone over you guys. So they went somewhere that was, they had to drive to that, you know, driving wise took a little to get to, but uh, it wasn't by flying, by the way, the crow flies very far. So I said, I'll, I'll fly the drone over them and it'll be kind of cool. It'll uh They'll be hiking. The drone will come over. I'll take pictures of them hiking, and then we'll, uh, I'll show it to them when they get back. So <clears throat> I got. I waited some time for them to get over there and start hiking, Then I flew the drone around. I couldn't find them. I'm flying it around, around, around. I can't find them. Part of the problem is that uh, you know, it's, it's hard to, from that height, to do it, and I don't want to take it too low because there's a lot of different hills there, and, and, and I, I, it's... Uh, I don't want it to go behind the hills where I can't uh, have a line of sight with it. So so I, I have to keep it to a certain height, and I'm not seeing them. So I'm flying around, around, around. I can't find them, and I'm about to give up. Then, w- when the battery is a good deal worn down, which gives you a percentage on the controller, I finally found them. So I flew it over to them, took some video, and... Then it, it was giving me a low battery warning the whole time, but I saw the percentages, and I, it didn't. It wasn't going to be that long to fly back from where it was to get back to me. So even though it's saying warning, warning, uh, battery low, battery low, I'm like, oh, no problem. I, I have enough to get back. It's still so at sixteen uh, percent. It's still warning me, and I'm not taking it seriously. Then it gets to thirteen percent, and I thought, oh, okay. Got to start sending it back. 13 is getting a little too close, especially because these are approximate percentages and also the drone, you know, depending on how much uh, energy it's expending to get back, you know, if there's wind against it or whatever, you uh, it, it'll burn the battery a lot faster. So I don't want to take the – if it goes to zero, it falls out of the sky and breaks. So it also had to fly over some hills that were uh, – very, it would have been difficult to retrieve, difficult or impossible to retrieve it if it went down there, even if it didn't break. So I said, okay, better go back. Now, the smart thing to do, what, what do you think would have been the smartest thing to do at that point? It was 13%. I would have tried to land it near your uh, Benjamin's mom. Right. That should have been, that's what I should have done. That's what I should have done. Just landed and she could have just grabbed it. It would have been a pain in the ass to carry it. Or she could have even held it there. I could have driven back there myself, over there myself. No, I decided I'm just going to fly it back to me. So I started on its way back. It starts to fly, it goes over the hills, gets to 10%, and then it says critical battery. 
Now, I had seen something about critical battery level. You can even set it, but it was set, default that set 10%. I thought that's just a warning it gives you critical batteries. I didn't care. I thought, okay, 10%, that's, you know, it's gone enough distance to where it can get back, I thought. And then it says, landing. And I said, what? I didn't know that the drone auto lands when it's at critical battery, mm. wherever it is. And that's a horrible feature. It should... It should say something like landing. Do you want to cancel? Like it shouldn't just auto land because what if it's over water? What if it's over somewhere you can't retrieve it? Well, maybe it only does that critical thing when it knows it has only enough power to safely land. Well, yeah, it's it set. You actually set that though. It's it's oh, set. Do. It's set by default to ten percent, and uh, you can change it. But I never changed it. But I just thought it was a warning for critical. I didn't know it, it actually does something you can't reverse. Well, something else they didn't document very well is you can reverse it. It does have a feature where if you hold up on the left stick and push it upwards that you can't make it go up anymore, but you can stop it from going down, and then you can move it to a better spot and let it hold land Hold on, there. hold on, hold on. They didn't document it well, or you didn't read the document? No, it, no, it wasn't documented well. And if it, if it, I'm not saying it wasn't buried in there somewhere, but this should be like a super big warning, like, warning, do not get to critical battery or it will auto land wherever it is, and, and and if it does do that, by the way, you're going to want to pull up this left stick and stop. Like it's something you've got to know. And right. the truth is, this like most users don't realize that. So, and I didn't realize that. So as it was auto landing in the hills in a very unforgiving place, I actually shouted out with nobody else around me. I was just by myself. No, 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 no. Like like <laughs> that's what reminded me of it when this Poker Central crap started playing. I was actually shouting out, "No, stop! No, 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 no!" and, and and I'm watching it on the camera going down, 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 and then just signal disappears and it's just gone. Uh, and I was like, you oh, should have paid. You should have paid uh, Micon for those drone lessons. <laughs> you know, might have been worth it. So I was so frustrated by this. He lost a drone too, by the way. I don't know what, how he lost it, but he lost one somehow at some point. But uh, I, it I was, seems like how they, they make a lot of money. Yeah. So I. Th- <laughs> So I thought, okay, I've got to get over there immediately and try to find it. It was sunset, by the way, so I didn't have much time. So I tried to go over there. I tried to trudge around through the hills and the and the, and the, and the brush, but it was a lot thicker than I thought it would be, and it, it got dark, super dark very fast. And I said, okay, this isn't safe, and I'm never going to find it in the dark. So I'm just gonna, I'm just going to uh, come back tomorrow. Fortunately, it's not going to probably not going to rain in in this area for another six months or so. I'm not even kidding. Like this, Southern California just doesn't rain for. Uh, Many months at a time, starting like late April. So I have. If it rains on it, you're screwed. That destroys the drone. So, uh, but I said, okay, it, it's not an area where any sprinklers are. It's just out in out out in the hills where nobody goes. No one's going to run into it. And I mean, it was in such a remote area. There's no chance anyone would, would ever run into it. It could probably be years till someone would find it naturally, or if ever. So, I worked very hard to find, again, which wasn't easy, they didn't make it clear in the documentation, but I worked very hard to find any GPS coordinates for where it landed, which again wasn't obvious to find. I even asked on a drone forum. People didn't really know how to explain it. Finally, I found it myself on, on how to how to figure out where it was. So I got the coordinates. I said, okay, I'll go out the next day in the morning and get it. I went out at uh, 10.30 in the morning. That wasn't a very good decision. It was a hot day. 10.30 was not a good time to go. It was already hot by 10.30. And there was a rattlesnake danger, which starts around here in, in April. And the brush, because they got so much rain in the area in January and February, had grown very, very much compared to what it showed on Google Maps satellite view. 
So what looked like kind of moderately thick brush was very heavy. And I'm talking about like ranging from bushes that are a few feet tall to trees that are about eight feet tall. We're talking like 70s style bush. Yes. It was like it was very tough to walk through. (laughs) Yeah. And and I'm trying to – so – so the problem is I knew I had to prepare. So I, I put on some ski, not ski, some snow boots so I could kick down the brush or branches in my way. And also so snakes that might bite at my ankles or feet couldn't get through them. They were very tough. and the, So at least if a snake bites me there, I won't get hurt. Um, I put on a jacket so I don't get myself all scratched up, you know, pushing through these, uh, this thick brush there. And I wore pants. So think of you're out on a hot day with the sun beating down on you. Were they jackets and pants? You're going to die. That's what I felt like. And I foolishly only brought one bottle of water. I don't know why. I only brought one bottle of water. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Is this your first drone recon or what? Yes. Well, because it looked like it wasn't that far. There's a trail. There's a hiking trail near there. It wasn't that far directly from the hiking trail. The problem is moving from the hiking trail off the trail into the hills was very, very slow, difficult, and at the end it got steep. So it's one of these things where distance-wise wasn't that far, but it was very difficult to move that distance. So, so, and the sun was beating down, and I'm in a jacket, and, it, and I'm having to struggle and break through these branches. It, it was a nightmare. This uh, is where they say, Druff, dress appropriately for the conditions. No, I did, though. That, that, see, I'm, not, I'm not sorry with how I dressed, because if, if I was not dressed that way, I wouldn't have been able to uh, get through all the brush. Well, there's got to be something else you can wear. See a video of this. (laughs) So no, I would like a wetsuit or something. A wetsuit. (laughs) So that would have been hot too. So anyway, and it would have been torn up. I had to get something that's not going to get torn. They can kick through. Uh, A wetsuit's not going to get torn easy. Maybe, but it would have been hot too. So yeah, right. So so anyway, it was a matter of either just being boiling hot. The real thing I should have done is like come at six in the morning. That's what I should have done. But at ten thirty, there was. No good, and, and I was out there for a while getting I'm through. Surprised you didn't pick noon. Well, I did because I was out there. So, I was out there so long. By the time I was done, it was noon. I was out there oh, for like twelve. Yeah. So, so it took so long to go through. And I brought Benjamin's mom there and Ben. Now I didn't bring them down. I wasn't going to make them go through this, but they stayed up at the top just in case something happened to me, and I could call them and say, like, if a snake bit me or something, I, I wanted them there to call someone for help. This so, is a headline: man dies trying to retrieve. His I was throat. afraid something like that. So anyway, I, then came the worst part. My phone, which is normally giving me a very accurate location of where I am, and I don't know why this was happening, but there in those hills, while it had a, a, a reasonable signal, was just giving me this range, you know, where you have the dot with a big circle around it showing it's somewhere in this drainage here, but it's not accurate. It's not, it's not uh, you don't know exactly where you are. Well, I can't have that. I knew the exact GPS coordinates I need to go to, but this the, the iPhone was not giving me that. It just gives giving me this range. So I couldn't tell exactly where I was. And uh, that was the final straw. I said, look, if, if I knew exactly where I was going, and, and, and I got very close to it. I knew I got very close to it, but I didn't see it. I couldn't see exactly where I was. I couldn't get exactly to that point on the map because I didn't see where I was. I could only see where I was supposed to go to. I was hot. I was out of, just, just about out of water. I was boiling hot. I mean, I felt like I was about to get dehydrated. Yeah, that's dangerous. And I said, this is, this is dangerous. I got to go. So I, I climbed back up, which was, and I had to climb up this, the hill to get back. Then I got a, a little moment of panic because I wasn't even sure where I was going up the hill. Like, I couldn't even see, like, am I making progress? I could sort of be, see I was making progress up, but I couldn't quite see am I really making progress to get back to the trail. 
I'm just kicking through branches, 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 branches. Then I just pop out on the trail. Like, I just, I just keep, I bust through this one tree, boom, I'm on the trail. It was weird. So I'm like, okay, thank God I'm at least back up here, but I have no drone. I just did all this and wasted my time. And so I, I, I like, like collapsed up there and just waited, you know, it was kind of caught my breath and then called Benjamin's mom to come over to where I was. She brought me some water. I, I went back very depressed that I went through this and got no drone back. So then I thought of this something. I said, I do not go, feel like going through this again, but what if I got somebody else to go through this? Uh-huh. What if I were to get somebody who uh, might want to for a, you know, a certain sum of money to go through this and so I don't have to do this again? So I put out an ad on, on Craigslist that laid it out very honestly that this is very tough, which it was, and that they, they're going to need a, a, a phone or, or some kind of GPS device that's reliable, that won't just give them a range like that, something that's reliable, that they need to dress, uh, you know, they need to cover themselves, there's a lot of branches that are going to scratch them, and and there's the, a rattlesnake. I, I laid everything out there. I've laid down what the fuck would it, You know what? I mean, I can just see this ad now. Needed young boy to go into woods with me. That, that's what I needed. Yeah. You know, no, like, that's, who the fuck is going to answer that? That, that? That's what I needed, and that's what, that's what I got. I got a, a number of responses, all from people saying they're 20 or 21. Like, just about all of them were 20 or 21. These are just people that are, like... Uh, that, that need money, yes. And, well, and, they're going to die, though. <laughs> you know, like, some... Well, okay, but I, but I'm like, I'm like, well, killer I, pedophile is going to put an ad like that. No, but I, I was like, well, I got to do this. I, I, I try to do it myself, and I said, you know, someone who's 25 years younger, uh, may, maybe, and and will go at a better time. I even told them you probably don't want to go during the middle of the day. You want to go in the evening or morning, and uh, but but we need to do it soon. And so I got a number of responses. The problem with the big problem was nobody was taking me seriously about how difficult it was. Like mm-hmm. they're like. Yeah, I'm a, I I do hiking. I'm in good shape. I'm like, okay, no, but do you have a GPS device? Yeah, I have a phone with GPS. I go, no, but you, you need something exact. I go, now, do you have boots that uh, you know that snakes won't be able to bite through? Do you, and also that you can kick down branches with? And do you have something to totally cover yourself so you know the, you don't get all scratched up? It'll be fine. I don't mind. I'm just going to wear shorts out there. I'm like, no, you got you like they weren't taking it seriously that this was going to be very hard. They they just thought it was just some guy advertising who didn't feel like doing anything physical and, and just, you know, wanted someone to just walk out into the hills and, gra- and, and grab a drone that went down. Like, I, 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 was, I kept trying to emphasize to those responding that this is very hard, that, it's gonna, that they need to come prepared, that I already tried once and failed. Like, I, I was very honest about the difficulty of this. And what I offered was $200 if they find the drone and bring it back in good condition, $100 if it's brought back in bad condition. Why? Two reasons. First of all, just whatever it was worth to me to uh, uh, as far as getting it back. And number two, it gives them some incentive once they find it and they have to go back through all this crap to be careful about bringing it back and not bang it around everywhere. And, and, so, so, and then as far as what if they don't find it, I didn't say, but uh, the truth is I'm going to give them some kind of token thing. But I had to reward like success rather than effort. Because now the of, hustler in me has to know, how much would this drone be worth if it was sold used? Well, okay, so... The problem with these drones is it's hard to get a controller with a proper frequency. The, the company is very particular about that because they they don't want drones that are stolen and then people try to get a controller to, to take them over. So you can uh, – <coughs> I think it's diff- very difficult to get it to 
match a controller with a drone if you just find a, a drone. So for the most part, I believe, I, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I, for the most part, I believe if you get a drone without the controller, it's pretty useless to you other than getting parts out of it. Mm. So, and, and by the way, don't think I didn't mention this to, I, 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 I had a plan that whoever I hired, that I just casually mentioned this when walking with them over to where, where to do it, that like, hey, you know, I'm not that worried about someone finding it. It's worthless to them. This only works if you have the controller. Like just to de- disincentivize the thought that they may have of pretending they didn't find it and then coming back later to get it. So I thought about how that could happen. So I, I tried to hammer into their head that it's worthless to them without making it sound like that. That's what I was doing. So I got a lot of responses, and nobody took seriously how difficult it was. So finally, I just had to say I'm going to pick the guy who seemed most responsive here. And I picked some uh, a 21 year old Asian guy, and he uh, so he came and met me. Seemed like a nice guy. Uh, he, he didn't dress totally appropriately for it. He wore like sweats that didn't even go all the way down and cover his legs completely. Um, he did have, put on a sweat like a, a hoodie, so at least that was covering his arms. But uh, uh, we did go at like 5:30 p.m., which I suggested to him we don't go in the in the uh, mid afternoon. I, I kept repeating how hard it's going to be. He didn't take it seriously, even walking up there. What I did is I walked up to the point where you get off the trail, and I just stood on the top of the trail, and he went down. But walking up there, I kept repeating to him, I tried this myself. The only reason I'm hiring someone is because I, you know, it was very tough. I didn't feel like doing it again. I'm sore from doing it. I, I, felt, like I, I tried to get it across that this wasn't just some old guy who doesn't feel like taking a few steps into the hills. So... Tell you what, I mean, I'm serious, man. Maybe I'm just being paranoid, but if I'm that kid, <laughs> I'm like, I'm expecting to run into some dirty old man, and like, God knows what's going. Well, I know, but you know, kids don't think of this. Like a lot of the, the, the people that age, they don't really think of stuff. They just go, "Oh wow, two hundred dollars! I need two hundred dollars." They, they they just they do a lot of things more reckless than that. So yes, that it could be a concern, but uh, um, you know, they they need two hundred dollars. They just figure it's. Uh, and they meet me, they get an idea if I don't seem like a, a serial killer type. You can never tell for sure, but you know, they, they probably thought it was okay. But whatever. He, I brought him up there, and he went down, comes right back up. Oh, man, this brush is too thick. I can't get through it. Let me try a different spot. Tries again. Ah, I couldn't get through here. Like He keeps trying and failing, like even getting very far at all. He, like I, I got a lot farther than he did. I'm like, oh, boy, crap, this is not going to work. So he kept trying and trying. Finally, I just sat down on the trail and figured, you know, I'll let him keep trying, and he's probably going to give up and come back. I'll have to get somebody else, give him some token, some money. Then he disappears for about 15 minutes or so. Maybe even more, I don't know. But he disappears for some time, and my phone rings. It's him. He said, I said, where are you? He said, I'm exactly at the spot. I said, oh, great. Do you see the drone? He says, no. Mm. I said, ah, shit. So I, I said, have you looked everywhere? He said, no, no, I'm just starting to look, but I don't see it right here. So he's... He, uh, the weird thing is, this, is it a gray drone? And I said, I'm like, what, did he find a second drone right there? But I said, no, it's actually white. But it's, I said, well, you know, it's gray on the bottom. If it's like upside down, you'll see gray. I said, you see it? He says, no. So it's kind of weird. It's like, uh, I don't know why he asked that question, but he said, he'll keep looking. It was more than 15 minutes, whatever it was. It was a lot of time. Then I waited 15 more minutes and I didn't hear from him. Then I, then I hear 15 minutes later, down, further down the trail where I can't see him. Hey, dude, come back here. So I thought that meant I'm, I didn't find it. I'm giving up. I walked down the trail. My drone sitting next to him. Mm. In good, very good condition. In fact, it was actually able to fly. It, the propellers got scratched, and I, repl- I, I replaced them, but uh, 
the propellers are cheap. In fact, you get them, uh, they get a spare pair when you buy the drone in the first place. So I didn't have to buy, any, buy anything further. But other than that, it was, it was in good shape. I have a, if you go to the Poker Fraud Alert YouTube channel, you can actually watch it crash. So, I got the video off it. Uh, I, I found from the video off it, by the way, that it crashed and then recorded for 16 more minutes afterwards, sitting on its side, which I didn't expect. And, and you watch it get darker and darker. And I didn't put that by, but I put the 30-second video of it crashing. But you, you can go take a look on the Poker Fraud Alert uh, YouTube channel of the drone trashing, crashing. But uh, I said, wow, he found it. And uh, so he said, wow, that was hard. He, I could tell he wasn't just posturing for money. He was so exhausted. He was, he was scratched up. He was exhausted. He said, dude, that was so hard. I had no idea. I, I didn't think it would be like this. I, I couldn't picture it this. Like, he just kept saying over and over and over how hard it was. And he even told me that when he saw the drone, instead of being like excited to see it like he expected he would be, he was so exhausted and so beat up from this whole thing. He's like, oh, yeah, there's the drone. Okay. Like he wasn't even excited because he was, he was so drained. So then he had a moment of panic. He must have not remembered the ad right, and he must have not known what I was going to pay. Because I was very clear about it up there. He, so he seemed very nervous. He, um, so what? What? Uh, what? What do you think this is is, is worth? Uh. And he wasn't trying to squeeze me for money. He really didn't know what I was going to be giving him. He must have forgotten the ad or something. And I said, you know, you know if you wanted to fuck with him. You could have been like, "Oh, it depends on whether you're willing to give me a head, boy." <laughs> what, what do you think? What do you think this is worth? I said, "Well, then, no, then I, I, I pulled out my pants. What do you think this is worth?" Oh no, 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 no! I'm not suggesting you expose yourself to him. Just fuck with him a little bit, okay? okay? Take it easy, Drew. So I said to him, "Hey, this is your idea." No, no, my idea is to fuck with him. My idea is not to take okay. my pants off. Okay. okay? I took, it, I, took it, I took it one step further. So I, I said, so I said, you well. You took it into felony territory. <laughs> I, I said to him, well, you know, it, it's, it's in good shape. I said, if you get it back in good shape, I'll give $200. And then he says, really? $200? I'm going to get $200. He, he was so excited about the $200. He, 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 was, he wasn't expecting it. I don't know what he's expecting, but he said, oh, thanks. That's going to help so much. He was, he was so happy, and he's telling yeah, he's me. He's like, oh, geez, the last guy that I answered the ad for, he made me suck his dick. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I suck his dick. I got $20. This is, this is 10 times that. He didn't have to suck any dick. Wow. Actually, you should have just looked at him. And in, well, if he's a younger kid, he probably wouldn't get the reference anyway. But you might laugh at, at yourself. You'd just be like, you sure have a pretty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like deliverance. So so he was so he was very happy and he kept repeating how much this is going to help and you know he's a student and it's you know he's he's been you know that his parents don't have enough money to put him through school he has to put himself through it and this is uh, he was very very thankful about this and he said he's been doing odd jobs of Craigslist and that two hundred dollars a but but still after I gave him the two hundred he wasn't angling for more he kept, in fact he kept repeating how great, how nice this was and and how how generous this was so he wasn't trying to angle for more money but he would kept repeating. About, about how hard this was. He couldn't stop talking about how hard this was. And I said, I know. That's why I didn't go back and do it myself. That's why I kept... That's why I hired you, dumbass. That's why I hired you. I tried and I failed. And I said, I said, look, you know... And I said, look, if I was 25 years younger like you are, I may have given it a second go. But there were two things really working against me besides the heat. But there was also the the fact that I'm 45 and the You're fact... a death suit. That, yeah, and, and I'm six foot two, And that was another problem because, like... I kept having to duck under these branches of these trees, and this was tough on someone who was tall. So that was tough. The the the, the, the wearing this 
winter outfit in the, the the heat beating down on me was was very tough uh the whole thing was was awful and and also I was afraid snakes are going to bite me at any point there are there are real rattlesnakes it's not uh there it's not just uh paranoia there so he he said this too he said he was worried with the snakes too but he decided to take a chance so what he, do you do if you hire this guy to go out there and do it and he goes out there and then you just hear this anguishing <laughs> scream and he's bit by a rattlesnake <laughs> Um, like, what's the play there? I would ask him where he is. What's his GPS coordinates? I'd immediately call nine one one. Unlike unlike uh, Vanessa Russo, I wouldn't say I don't know what seven eleven I'm at. Well, you know he's going to die though. Probably. No, no. I actually read about this before before I went down there myself. I read extensively about rattlesnake bites. And first of all, it said that a very small percentage die. That most people who die just just uh, do the wrong thing and and don't go for help and just well. Like, if you couldn't find your fucking. <laughs> Your drone? How are you going to find him? Because I he he's going to let the police do it. I guess no, no. He had the if he if he went unconscious or something, I'd have a problem. But right. he was going to call. He would call me. You don't go unconscious immediately, and if you do, it says you. I, I read that you usually get, regain consciousness within a few minutes. As long as the shock will okay. make you go unconscious, but I probably would have been able to reach him. He'll tell me the GPS coordinates. He had never would have called up the the nine one one and told him you know he's at these coordinates in the hills and. So you'd have to tell the police this kid that I sent up. Yeah, <laughs> sent up. And, oh my god! So anyway, we got it back. Nobody, uh-huh. nobody, nobody got bit. I'm two hundred dollars lighter for the whole thing, and, and and I had to replace two propellers that I already had the replacements for, and, and it flies again. I flew it again uh, this past weekend. I, I, I'm paranoid to fly over that same spot after this. I'm kind of traumatized a little bit about the crash, but you guys can see the crash over on uh, Poker Fraud Alert's YouTube channel. You know, I always thought the drone business was a great business because you know that everyone, almost without exception, that buys one of those things from you, they're going to wreck it. Well, they they actually have some. I don't know the price of it, but you can buy some sort of thing where it's like a like a drone insurance where they replace it for free or for some kind Which, of. Well, that's even better. That's like the uh, electronics companies that sell, you know, an extended warranty or they try yes. and push it on you. And yes. It's never a good idea. That, to that's get why it, I didn't you know? do it, but. Uh, I was almost sorry. Now you not, wish you did, right? Well, no. Since I, I I got it back for two hundred bucks, I don't wish I did. But uh, <laughs> insurance is more more than that. Uh, it probably is. Oh, what kind of fancy drone did you get, man? I mean, it's cost like eleven hundred or something. So it's wow. just, it's it's a Phantom Four. That's what it is. So well, you also then. I mean, even if you don't wreck it, like there, you're constantly buying new replacement parts for it. I would imagine. Well, so know? far I've only had to buy one replacement part, and that was uh, the. The lens on not the lens, the cover of the lens on the camera got scratched for unknown reasons at one point, and uh, oddly enough, it didn't get scratched in this crash. But it uh, and it looked like it should have. The thing tumbled around, but the it got scratched in an unknown way. And I, but it was only it was thirty eight dollars, so that wasn't the end of the world. Hmm. But uh, anyway, let's go back to Poker Central. But I'm, I'm glad I have it back. I am a little traumatized from it in that, like now, I fear a little bit that's going to happen again. But but it happened because the battery ran down to ten percent, and I'll never. And even if it does. I'm, first of all, I'm never going to screw around, screw around with a low battery again. And second, if this does happen, at least I know now how to guide it and not just let it auto land. And and I even tried a test of it in, in the backyard. I try. I, I let it go under ten percent and let it try to auto land, and I uh, I was able to stop it. So I was able to tell you can really do that. So uh, Poker Central. They, going back to them. They have announced, and I went to the page of their announcement, it, play, it played that obnoxious video, which is what reminded me of the drone, because I shouted, no, 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 in case you wonder how we got on that tangent. They have an app 
or and a service that you can subscribe to called Poker Go. And from their own website, it says this week after days and anticipation, days of anticipation and rumors about these channels, Poker Central is announcing the launch of Poker Go. The poker subscription service features of many of poker's biggest live events, such as the Super High Roller Bowl and the World Series of Poker this summer, as well as an on-demand original programming throughout the year. Poker Go gives poker enthusiasts a destination for the world's biggest tournaments and highest-stakes cash games with multiple event premiering every month. The summer streaming schedule begins with two massive events, the $300,000 buy-in Super High Roller Bowl and the $111,000 buy-in High Roller for One Drop. And then includes more than a dozen other World Series of Poker bracelet events throughout the summer. Which, by the way, kind of sucks a dozen. That's, that's, there's 70-something events. They're only doing a dozen? That's kind of fail. I, they did a lot more before, before Poker Central got involved. Uh, the, the live programming offer, offering expands with weekly high-stakes cash games later this summer and additional premier events throughout the year. Uh, so let me skip to the... Uh, I'm not going to keep reading. But, so here, let me get to the important part. Poker Go's dedicated SVOD, something about video on demand. I don't know what S is. What does S stand for, SVOD? Do you know? What would S SVOD? What's the, well, I'm some, sorry, some, what's the context some, again? Something video on demand. T- Poker, Co- Poker Go's dedicated... Streaming video on demand. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. So uh, Poker Go's de- dedicated streaming video on demand service is the first of its kind available to the worldwide poker audience and follows the growing trend in live sports to provide extensive access to live events. And now here comes the bad news. Poker Go is now available via a $99 annual subscription or a $10 monthly pass and can be accessed through PokerGo.com. So what that is saying is if you want to watch any of the streaming content at the World Series, you have to pay $10 for it. And 20 if you want to watch in June and July. I'll tell you, man. I mean, I know it's more than I pay for Netflix. Yeah, you know? that's... I, you know, I knew somebody, I'm not going to say who it is. It's, you guys probably don't even know of him anyway, but a, a former radio host that I was a big fan of Kind of just did a. The reason I liked him is because he did a off the cuff kind of free speech sort of show. He's one of the few like radio hosts that appeared on like talk radio type programs that it wasn't contrived when he would have kind of meltdowns or or just act crazy. It was really just his personality. It wasn't him doing some kind of act to be crazy on purpose. So, but that also got him in a lot of trouble. He kept getting fired all the time for that reason, too. So it was, wasn't the best for his career. But anyway, eventually he, fa- he found himself out of all radio jobs, some of which because of that factor and some of which because he just got old. But uh, he, he tried various forms of making comebacks, and one of the things he tried to do for a while was have a podcast. And the podcast had a $10 a month subscription which he seemed to think was going to be very reasonable. So, you know, who can't afford $10? And he did get some diehard fans uh, who remembered him from before paying the $10, but a lot of people weren't, and he wasn't understanding it. And then I actually pointed out to him, look, people can get Sirius XM for less than that per month. I get Sirius XM for less than that per month. So, And look at all the programming they have that's commercial-free. 
And he ran commercials on it, too. So sometimes $10, it seems like it's not very much, but uh, you know, people compare it to other things that they buy where they get right. so much bang for their entertainment buck to pay $10. I mean, sure, if you know somebody at a final table, of course you're going to pay the $10. Like if I make a final table, my parents want to see me, they're not going to say, oh, it's $10. And my parents may be Jewish, but they're going to, they'll pay the $10 to see me uh, streamed on a uh, final table. But, and, and so will you know, friends of mine who want to see me on there. But, so I bet will we'll, many of you who listen to this show, if you want to see me at a final table, I'm not expecting it, but you know, if you know somebody and really want to watch them, yeah, $10 is not a huge deal. But and maybe that's what they're banking on. Yeah. But how, how many people is that going to get? Well, I mean, I, I think they figure some small percentage of people are just going to buy it. And then, you know, maybe they'll, you know, whenever someone's friend is going to be on a final table. I mean, you're right, though. I mean, how many could that possibly be? Right? And I think they paid a lot of money for these rights. I think they paid a lot to get this. So well, again, like like we discussed, I mean, I, I'm not even sure why they're charging for it because it's not like even this subscription thing. I mean, it's it seems kind of silly because it's not even doesn't seem to me to be a viable business model. So why even bother? You yeah, know? yeah. It just seems like, like yeah, they're going to make small amounts you know? of money from it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's just going to hinder its growth. That that can, that can sometimes be a problem. Where if and that, that's always been a problem with any web content it, you charge for is is, is you, by charging for something and not allowing anyone to you know really get free services that you, you're restricting its growth or or its audience or potential. Right, audience. Now I'm giving them some free consulting, which I would never normally do. But what you would typically do uh, in a business like this is you would give out your your content for free in some form just to build an audience, right? Because there's there's value in having that many people download your app and that many devices that you can push notices to and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you take a page out of the uh, the gaming model where you do it freemium, where it's free. Uh, but then, if you want to get rid of the ads, mm-hmm. it costs you know a certain amount of money. Or if you yeah, exactly. want you know the extended play or or whatever it is, you know. Um, but that that's how to do it. You don't want to just have there be um, a paywall so mm-hmm. that nobody who wants to just check this thing out can get a chance to get hooked. Yeah, you yeah. know you you want the drug dealer model where um, your first couple of samples are free, and then you get people to start liking it and. Then you can introduce ways to make revenue. If they're already funded uh, by Carry, which it certainly seems like they are, what they really should be focusing on is building up uh, their audience base and their brand awareness and their eyeballs that they've captured. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after they have that, after you've got a ton of people that are paying attention to you, you can figure out ways to make money. I mean, maybe if you're a Twitter, you can't, but still. <laughs> You know? Yeah, that's that's what's crazy to me is that they're they're just shutting out. Here's a new service that they're trying to get people to start using it, and immediately, nope, you're not going to use it unless you pay ten dollars. That's that's going to drive away most of the people. They're not going to bother. It's it's a terrible decision. I mean, it really is because what you again, what you really need to do is you want the barrier of entry to be extremely low, so that there's no hesitation. People will just download the app. They'll be able to start enjoying your product, Um, and then you you have. Things that you can charge for once you're doing that, whether it's um, ads that sponsors then give you money for and then people can pay to get rid of 
um, or whatever it is. Um, but you want those uh, your app on as many devices as you possibly can. And if you can manage that, which isn't all that easy, quite frankly, uh, but then you have options in terms of what you can do. Yeah, and the reason you know, these $10 charges, I, I see how it all happens where businesses get uh, businesses or people, they, they get deluded into thinking this is a great idea because they think about they don't need that huge of an audience to make real money if they all paid ten dollars so let's say they get uh you know let's say they get a thousand people doing this for for ten dollars that that's ten thousand dollars right there and if if they were to do it uh for for you know this this annual package that would be ninety nine thousand dollars now that's not right. massive money, but the, 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 but now now let's take a look at ten thousand. What about if you get ten thousand people? Well, right there, that's a hundred thousand dollars per month that this is done. And and if people do the ninety nine dollar package, then they are looking at uh, a pretty nice haul of one million dollars. So that's. I'm sure what they're picturing. They think of all the poker fans throughout the world. They think of how poker was so huge at one point. They think about how the World Series still gets great numbers. As far I'm talking about numbers as people participating, and they say, "Hey, ten thousand people—that's not a massive number. That's not unreasonable to think would want to watch this enough to pay ten dollars." So, wow! If we get an annual subscription from ten thousand people, we've made almost a million. We get just a, a single $10 monthly pass or even two $10 monthly passes so people can watch the whole World Series. That's 200000 right there. Great. But it's not going to be that way. People, Most people are just not going to pay, especially with this barrier to entry like you're talking about. Right. Most people are going to go, wow, I, I kind of wish I, wa- I could watch this, but I'm not going to fork over $10 for this. If you're- well, I mean, if, if they're going to do it at any point, it's going to be during the World Series, right? Which means that they're uh, a large portion are probably going to cancel. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be, it's gonna be, it'll be one or two months that people would buy this. For uh, but really, this reminds me of the World Series of Poker decision the other year to not allow you to see chip counts unless you signed in via social media. Right. I thought of that too. I thought of you that know, too. <laughs> yeah, just like a lack of awareness of the way these models work. But yeah. again, the thing that I don't get is if you're essentially a angel-funded uh, company, which is what these guys are, you know, Kerry Katz just likes poker and wants to do this, you can afford to lose money for a while. Yeah, I didn't and, get and, that And either. they have been losing money for a while. So spend that deal that ne- you negotiated wisely and the content that you're paying through the nose for and build your audience. You know, don't, um, don't estrange them. It's really it's bizarre. It is weird. It, I'm going to make a bold prediction. I'm probably going to end up being wrong. But I think that sometime within the next year, I think that these apps are – they're either going to give up on the service or the apps are going to be free. And they're going to go to a freemium model, you know, Yeah, which is really what they should have been doing well, all Well, Maybe they'll listen to this show and say, this Calwalk guy knows what he's talking about. And uh, oh, It's not rockets. I mean, this is what everybody's doing. No, so I know. Not, I, I you know. know. That's that's exactly – look – the stuff you're saying, I, I thought of this too immediately when when yeah. I when I read this here, I, I was shocked. I was like, "Am I reading this wrong? Am I, am I really seeing that that's the only way to watch it? That there's no other way to get this content other than pay ten dollars?" And it seems like that's correct. There's no other way to get this content 
at least the streaming content. Maybe you can watch it much later or something in the archives, but there's no way to get this streaming content as it's happening with this 30-minute delay uh, without paying $10. Simple example. How big do you think Facebook would be today <laughs> if they charged everyone $10 to sign up? Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't exist. It, it wouldn't have taken off because people wouldn't just join. I mean, the barrier to entry would be high. A lot of people are just not going to do it. Yeah. And they don't they don't get to perceive or enjoy that value until they get to use it. Um, same thing with a lot of the other SaaS products out there that you might think of that are big and popular. You know, Twitter. How big do you think Twitter would be if they charged $10 a month for people to have an account there? I mean, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and, and even if you look at uh, like the freemium model you're talking about, like ESPN, they've been a one with – they've long had a model like that where a lot of the content, most of the content, in fact, you can read for free. But then they do articles, which the ones they judge to be the most interesting that would really grab the attention of, of big sports fans or, or, or fans of that particular sport they're covering at the moment. And they put that as ESPN Insider, where there there's a paywall and you have right. to pay right. for that content. And you can read like the first few lines to really pique your interest. And then it says, oh, if you want to read the rest, you have to sign on to your Insider account, which costs money. I, I by the way, found a way to get the Insider for, uh, for like – Eight dollars for two years, which I did. Of course, you did. <laughs> which I have, and uh, but it used to annoy me. Like it was so, I was so against subscribing to Insider for the money they wanted, just in principle. It just, it just felt weird to do. I just go, ah, I kind of want to read this, but screw it, I'm not subscribing to Insider. And I figured, yeah, I'll tell you guys the trick. It's not, uh, it's totally legal. If you sub- if you subscribe to ESPN the magazine, which is a pretty crappy magazine, but you can find it for like eight dollars. Uh, actually, it's not eight dollars to you. Eight dollars a year, you can find it on these discount uh, sites. So you sign up for ESPN the magazine. You buy like a two-year subscription for sixteen bucks, and when you get your first magazine, or sometimes even before that, you can call them up and ask them. You, you all you have to get is your subscriber number. Then there, then you just have to go onto Insider and enter that number. In lieu of payment, it'll say, like, you know, I'm an ESPN magazine subscriber. Here's my subscriber number. It verifies it, and it gives you free Insider. So it comes with ESPN Insider. So it's much cheaper than buying Insider by itself, which is kind of weird. But, like, much, much cheaper. So it's like 8 bucks a year. So that's, that's definitely worth it to me. So you can do it. It'll work, and it's totally legal. It's just uh, a way to get the service much cheaper. But yeah, I, 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 it's a dumb decision. And as you said, I, I was scratching my head about this too, about why with such a rich guy funding it, why they are now trying to nickel and dime everything out of the new people coming in to see this content. Right. And, and I'm not saying that, hey, just because he's got money, you know, just burn it. <clears throat> what I'm saying is that because he's got money, that gives you time. What they call, and I, I hate this, a lot of these terms from the VC world really irritate me, but they call it runway, right? That's how, that's how much room that you've got, you know, before you take off. <laughs> I, I swear to God. I hadn't they, heard of that you know, before. Runway but, but, yeah. and optics and all these fucking... I hadn't heard of runway before. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I mean, they're just, you know, fancy terms for things that everyone knows about anyway. But if you have that much runway, I'm not saying burn the money. I'm saying that... You should use it wisely and build your audience and build your brand and get people used to going to this app. And and then you're going to be able to make money. I mean, it's just, it, it almost seems insane. 
Um, and even more crazy, Druff, is you can't, you know, even if you wanted to, you can't get this app right now. Oh, really? I didn't try. Go ahead. I mean, go to <laughs> Poker Go, go to Ways to Watch, and they show all these different places where you can get the app, but you cannot get it anywhere. <laughs> it's not available anywhere yet. That's great. So we're, we're here May 24th, now May 25th, and the World Series starts in like six days. And You can subscribe. You but if you app. go to their Ways to Watch page, like you, all the links are dead <laughs> to download from – I mean, not dead. They just don't exist, right? They never wired it up. Uh, to the App Store, Google Play, Apple TV, Xbox. I mean, everything that they list um, is just not there. Um, I assume you can subscribe and sign up for an account, but the app isn't out yet. Um, I mean, in fairness, in theory, it looks like you can watch it in your web browser. So you can just do it that way. Um, but the crazy thing about it is it, it looks to me like um, they're not even writing this app. Uh, again, like we we're talking about with the Jow Poker guys, they're, they're licensing the app uh, from this company called Loot New Lion that specializes in doing this type of thing where they, they do all sorts of different streams like UFC and NBA and all that kind of stuff. This is going to fail. I, I see what the list is, unless they're going to expand it, of what they're streaming for the World Series, and it's a very short list. There's a Now, maybe this isn't everything, but there's the, there's the one drop they're doing day two, day three, day four, the 10K heads up at the World Series, day one and two. And what the fuck? And then and three, and then the oh no, I guess they're doing more. This is only through June 10th. I guess they haven't decided fully what they're going to do. So it's it's a it's the one. And th- this is another thing that makes me angry, just from a really stupid decision point of view. Yeah. So you go to their website and you say, oh, okay, you know, even though this thing sounds silly, maybe I'm interested in it. <clears throat> yeah. Let me let me check out this dead money video. And I know you don't care because you require Flash for your chat, but you can't even watch this video unless you have Flash installed, which I don't on any of my uh, browsers. So right there, they're saying, you know, whoever they got to develop this website, they're using ancient technology, and they don't care if they lock out a whole ton of people. Yeah. Like if you if you go to this thing on iOS, I assume it's just not going to yeah, display it's not gonna anything. Work, right. And then, yeah, and, and here's another annoying thing, unless I'm doing something wrong. They're listing the events they're televising, but they only get to June 10th, and there's nothing further listed. So I have to imagine they're going to continue. You know, they're like they're listing it in chronological order, right. June 8th through 9th through 10th. And the last thing we see is the 1500 no limit hold'em six max, and that we can't see past June 10th. Like, what? Why? Why won't they list past June 10th? Have they not decided yet what they're going to broadcast past June 10th, or are they just Probably. not not develop the web page? I don't know. But that's another annoying thing. Like at this point, they should have the schedule down for the whole World Series of what they're doing. But the reason that Flash thing irritates me is just from a business point of view, again, when you're trying to grow the business and, and grow the brand, the last thing you want to do is lock someone out. Oh, I like, know. I, I can't even see their <clears throat> fucking sample video if I want to. No, I know. And, and look, the chat room for Poker Fraud Alert, I, I just grabbed that. It was a, a, a free chat room. Otherwise, it would be a pain in the ass to... Well, it's different. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's totally it's, it's, different because they're they're trying to build a media business. Yeah, I know, and, and, and they're and, and they're limiting who can see their media. Well, like, and, who does? And that? this was a small add-on, but the thing I, I always make a big deal about here, and that's why there's a call to listen line. That's why there's all these different ways to listen in the archives that a lot of other shows don't provide. Is that I've I've said I want this show to be accessible, and I'm not even doing this. Uh, yeah. 
to make money here, as you guys have seen. Right. But but still, I don't want people to say, I want to listen to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, but the way I want to try to listen is not available to me. I, I, I It's not available on such and such app. It's not available to... Um, to, to listen directly through their website or through my web browser or require some flash or whatever that I don't, that I don't have and don't want to get. And, and I even provide the call to listen line where if you don't have any of that stuff, you can just call a phone number. Like I try to provide so many ways to listen so you can never say, I want to listen, but it's too much of a pain in the ass. So, And, and this is something that's not attempting to be a, a big money maker, or it's not making money at all. It's not even trying to. So... I can totally relate to that, and and I can see your point with that. <clears throat> so, uh, I'm not optimistic. I'm not either. Put it that way. And, and I could totally see maybe in the middle, if their ratings are a complete fail, then they will uh, they, they'll change their mind, much like the World Series did last year about that paywall to look at the chip counts. Well, okay. They, in fairness to them, so I'm looking at a couple of things here. And the Super High Roller Bowl, they're saying day one is free. So apparently some of their content you're going to be able to watch. Okay. You know, a sample okay. of it or, or so that's, whatever. That's a little bit better. Okay. Yeah, so Super High Roller Bowl says day one free. But, I mean, who knows? But I think they're going to they're gonna end up having to uh, be a little less aggressive. You know what I mean? If they're expecting to get people yeah, to I, really I, adopt this thing. I agree. So we got some text here on 775-372-8355 from the 505. Um, by the way, this is from the 505. Big-time podcaster Adam Carolla was bitching about how Skype never works, and he has a team of technicians. <laughs> See? You, you guys who might criticize me for sometimes our technical issues with Skype. Look, look, what, a great I, look what a great job I do with Skype. Where even Adam Carolla gets a whole team of technicians to handle it, and, and Lyman can't even do it. So, I, I, I'm probably uh, they may have a team, but you've got a belly buster. I yeah, I, I have the. I think I'm batting the highest average on making Skype work, at least with the, with the resources I have. Just yeah, me, me and belly buster. Uh, do, he also asked, "Do you remember the dude who was cruising across the country boning horses?" This story was only about a year ago. He says, "No, I don't. I don't." Keep up with these horse fucking stories. Yeah, that one. That one I don't know. About. I, I guess some people keep up with that, and some don't. Uh, he he also said just now, for two hundred dollars, I would have driven from Vegas in body armor to grab that drone. I I don't think that's a wise idea. You would have spent almost that much money in gas going round trip from Vegas. But I, I appreciate. I'll keep you in mind. I don't know how old you are in the five hundred five, but uh, I'm I, looking at their originals <clears throat> videos. Drone, yeah, and. Uh, one is available without subscription. Yeah. That's it. Everything else, like they've got last year's Super High Roller Bowl, all this crap is needs a subscription. <laughs> Even old stuff yet. <laughs> 2015 High Roller Bowl or need, High Roller Bowl need a subscription. <laughs> Super High Roller Celebrity Shootout need a subscription. How, that's really dumb. Watching older poker stuff. It's like kind of like watching old sports. It's it's, right. it's just uh, it, the value is much less than when it's live. They've got something called Inside Poker. Uh, so they've got an episode Inside Poker interview with Matt Savage. They're charging for that. Uh, another interview with Matt Savage, charging for that. Yeah, Inside Poker with Matt Savage. So I guess he's hosting the show and he's talking to other people and they're charging for it. Yes. I mean, who, it, that's the thing. The the. The insanity about all of this is that 
there are so many places on the internet these days that you can get free or nearly free entertainment. And they may think, well, we're poker or we're different. No. I mean, you're competing for people's time and their eyeballs. Yeah. And you are competing with all of that free content. You just can't do this. Yeah, you can't. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no problem. The A31. Hello, Druff. Super longtime listener. Thank you for the great podcast. Can you talk about Bitcoin and the alt currencies? I had so many fucking Bitcoins back in the day. Sad face. Yeah. I, I'm I'm pretty shocked to be honest with, with what's going on with Bitcoin. I, I'm I want to fucking hang myself. No, I you know I do too because I shot off some. I just went up again. Wow. I I shot off. I had about ten Bitcoin uh, in 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 the winter, and I shot them off on ignition. I just ran really bad and lost them. I was left with a whopping one and a half Bitcoin. That's what I still have, and 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 now it's worth. Over twenty six hundred dollars each. That's insane. Well, I think the the bitcoins that I have on a computer in a landfill somewhere that's high six figures now. It's got to be. Oh, really? You lost them in a computer? Oh, I didn't I hear about that. Talk about it. But before I even knew what any of this shit was, like I I uh, I think when Bitcoin like first came out, I had a, an office and I uh, put a mining on a. Everyone's computer in the office. Oh, really? Like I didn't know that. I didn't, mining I didn't know you did a mining uh, the Bitcoin. Wow. I, I wasn't serious about it. Like I didn't even know what the fuck I was doing. Um, and this was a long time ago. I mean, literally, it was when Bitcoin pretty much first came out. I think, and mined a bunch of it. And you know, then I just was like, oh, okay, that's cute. Like I couldn't think of anything to do with it. This was long before Bitcoin was used for anything. And uh, you know, we ended up throwing the computer out. <laughs> Shit. The wallet that has it encrypted on there is just sitting in a fucking landfill somewhere. That's so sick. Huh? That, that's even worse than mine. At least, at least mine, I had a chance to win money. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's annoying because like the Bitcoin I lost there, like I, I, I what I lost there is probably worth like, uh, you know, like I. I thought I lost like twelve thousand, thirteen thousand dollars, and in truth, I have lost a lot, way more than that. Well, I I sold my Bitcoin at uh, what was it like um, three three fifty? Well, yeah. So I did that. Like I I was selling a ton of Bitcoin last year when it was like in the fours because I was just cashing, cashing, cashing out from Bova, from uh, Bovada, right? And like over the summer, over the spring, I, I was I was running well there and just kept cashing out repeatedly and just kept instantly selling them so yes i could say if i held on to all those till now they would have uh gone up in value by a factor of six and i would have made you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on it but i'm not going to say that like that i'm not even regretting that because the plan was never there to hold on to them the plan was just as soon as i get them let them go and and it's just a a means of cashing out fast so i don't regret that uh because it could have easily gone down to 100 from there and i so, so I was not planning to hold them. The ones I got in the winter, I actually was considering just sitting on. And then I said, no, I'm going to go play on Ignition and just ran awful. I ran awful in Hold'em. I ran awful in, in 08. Uh, it, it was just so sick. And, and Hold'em just every time I had second best hand in 08, every time I had a monster, it got counterfeited or, 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 or got split with some bullshit chop. It was... I, I could never scoop. It was it was a disaster. So both games were just uh, 
I, I was just getting crushed by the deck. So anyway, that, that's it's frustrating. Like every time I see Bitcoin go up, I, yeah, I have a, a Bitcoin and a half. Yeah, I technically make money when it goes up, but I'm not making that much money. And I think about the you know 10 Bitcoin I lost or so from there and that it's worth like $26,000 now, which pisses me off. So uh, anyway. Uh, I finally got to watch that video on Poker Go and it looks like Maria Ho is the one who's doing the uh, voiceover. Huh, weird. By the way, the the, the Winklevoss twins cre- claimed at one point years ago that Bitcoin's future is to go up to 10,000. Mm. And at that time, that was laughable. And of course, they bought a massive amount of Bitcoin, so they uh, they were hoping this would happen, and they're trying to say that, so this way everyone thinks it will and keeps buying and driving up the price. That they, you know, they said this for a reason. But it seems so dumb now. That yeah, right. I was just thinking that I'm seeing like around twenty five hundred today, which is now twenty six hundred. I thought, okay, now 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 I wouldn't be that shocked to see it. Now it's a quarter of the way there. Now it's 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 risen so quickly from twelve something up to twenty six something. It was nine something in, in February. To be twenty six something at this point is insane. I I I, I can't even. Imagine where it's going to go from this point. There could I could see a massive crash. I could see just a run up. I, the ten thousand wouldn't even be shocking at this point. You think uh, Micon's net worth is now bigger than ours combined? No, I've, I've I've just heard some things. I don't think it is. I won't say what, but I I don't think it is. You don't think he's got stuff? You know, some stuff squirreled away somewhere. I I actually don't. Hmm. I could be wrong. I don't have concrete information, but I I've just heard some things. So, uh, um, probably the higher it goes, the sicker he is. <laughs> hey, Trader Ruski, you you work in the the business. So, what do you, what do you think about their model with Poker Go? Do you think we're we're crazy and thinking that they're they're? No, no, no. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think. Look, I think they should definitely, you know, first month free. Try to get people's credit cards. You know, maybe they can get July. Maybe then follow up with something after that. Um, you know, certainly they're on the right track with the, with the, um, you know, watch up to the final table. And then if you want to watch the final table, but I don't know if, I don't know if the monthly models, the way to I don't go. think they're even going to get the final table though. Right. So first day. So what's that? Right. Oh, they, you know they don't get the final table. Well, they get the final table of the ones that ESPN doesn't broadcast, right? Right, right. But I think ESPN's plan, isn't it just they're going to broadcast the whole final table? And I guess we'll have to see. Right, but the, but the, but it's all 60 events they can do, no? Correct. Yeah, they can do whatever they want as long as yeah, ESPN, ESPN doesn't probably does. Aren't they still just doing the main event? Yeah. It's going to be a lot of money to <laughs> to cover all 60 events, man. Yeah, You're no, talking no. about several events yeah, a day. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah, they wow. won't do that. I, I think they'll probably – it's starting to look like they're going to do something similar to last year. I don't know why they said a dozen events because it, if they keep at the pace they're doing at the beginning, it's looking like just about one each day. So right. since there's multiple events every day, they can't cover every event, but they, they will choose one event every day or almost every day to cover for the streaming you know, pseudo-TV final table. And uh, and get someone like Tuckman to to broadcast them and and you know Tuckman I'm sure he gets paid but the the they get these commentators of which I even did this myself in 2009 and I do I do it again who who volunteer to come in who just uh, right. enjoy coming in and doing it so in fact I, sh- I should 
volunteer to the, because uh, there's been some talks in the past of, of having me do it. I just haven't come back in. I, I haven't been shut out of doing it in any way. I just uh, I, some of it is because I play these events too, then and, and then like so I can't commit to it fully. But then a lot of the other people who come in and do that are the same situation where they've uh, they've played it and just busted. So I think I think maybe I will get in contact with someone and if I can and see if they like the 10k limit hold them. I'd be happy to color commentate on that if I uh, don't make the final table myself. So charge them ten dollars a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll charge them ten dollars, or maybe I'll demand they just give me a free Poker Go subscription. That'll be the uh, there you the, go the payment. Uh, so you know what I you know what I mean though, Traderuski like. A lot of these businesses, a lot of the startup businesses, um, they don't even care. I mean, they'll have a revenue. Oh, yeah, it's model, all about just acquiring eyeballs, yeah. downloading the app, like you said. Exactly, it's all about their... everybody in, and you can figure out ways to monetize. It. And that's what their investors want to see too. They want to see the growth rate, yeah. and they don't even care about the money. You yeah. know, immediately they care about the growth rate of um, your customers, the people that you're acquiring. Yep. They don't. They really don't give a shit about how much money are you bringing in monthly. They give a shit about your growth rate. You know. Yeah. No, you're right. So, uh, here's another text from the nine five six. An area code I admit I don't know. Mm-hmm. Vanessa and Chad divorce may have been done for legal reasons, hospital bills, etc. Ah. That's an interesting perspective, though. Most of the time, there's a fairly low out-of-pocket maximum. I don't know if he had insurance, but if he had insurance, uh, there's a fairly low out-of-pocket maximum where it doesn't matter. You can run up a $2 million legal bill, uh, legal, $2 million hospital bill. You're not going to owe most of it. It's going to be... Uh, almost right. all of it will be the insurance's responsibility. So that's... They also got divorced a good... You know, they got divorced two and a half years before he died. So it's not like he was... He knew he had weeks left and said, I don't want to leave her with unpaid medical bills, so I'll divorce And uh, on paper. This really looked like a real divorce. So I don't, th- I don't think that's the case. I think they really did just divorce because they wanted to divorce. Uh, this is from the 774, who says something I don't agree with. In fact, we're going to talk about uh, the topic he's going to mention here. The Russo thing was most likely a hacking targeting poker players. They got... To that Dyke Vanessa, too. Well, they're both Dyke Vanessas, to be honest. So. Oh, my God. But, but that's his words, not mine. Uh, or maybe it was Doug Polk always getting the two confused. Well, no. Vanessa Selps was... <laughs> oh, no, no. He, he didn't say... Uh, no, I, I missed a key word. I'm always getting the two confused, not Doug Polk getting the two confused. That'd be funny, though. No, no, no. I, I, I get what he's saying. But, but look, he... Doug Polk, and I'm going to play a, a portion of his video shortly, but he's talked about real hackings that occurred against uh, some high-stakes poker players, including Vanessa Selbst. Right. But those are separate from the Russo thing, and those were specifically to access emails and, and especially poker accounts of these poker players. This Vanessa Russo thing had no pattern like that, and for all the other evidence I mentioned, which I'm not sure if when you sent me, I think when he sent me this text, it was, uh, yeah, it was at 8.57 p.m., so it was before we got into everything. Uh, for all the reasons we stated, I don't think it's a hacking. I'm just about sure it was not. Listen, Traderuski, I'm glad you're here, because I'm going to have to tap out, Drew. Okay. I got, uh, I got some work 
I got to finish up for the Hanson kid that if I don't get it done tomorrow, he's going to uh, kill Okay, okay. The Hanson kid kill. is cracking the whip, and we will let uh, Cal oh, this go. Is, this is my fault for not getting it done yet. Okay, the procrastination's cracking the whip, so thank oh, you. Oh, it's almost done. Okay, it's almost. okay. So, Cal, thank you for uh, being part of the show again tonight, and uh, uh, Trader Risky, you can stay on as long as you want or until you fall asleep, and uh, we will continue on until we're through the agenda. First time hey, caller, Cal-Watt. I'm going to hang up and listen. All right. Good night, Calwatt. Uh, from the 410, fuck, it wasn't Bad Guy 23 that had that emergency surgery? No. It was not. Uh, and let's see here. Oh, I got, uh, I see a, a, a message from Trader Ruski. I won't read it on the air, but, uh, that's fine what you're asking for. Uh, this is from, uh, the 385 area code, can you mark my steak as paid on Tasty Steaks that's showing unpaid? Oops. Sorry about that. I will fix that for you. From the 204 area code, by, by the way, everybody's paid, so you don't have to worry. I, I will mark it, but uh, I'm not going to screw you. You'll, uh, you, can, you can replay this if I ever try to deny it, that everybody's paid. From the 204 area code, loved the long show last week. It was almost eight hours, by the way. Keep up the keep the guests coming in. Yeah, we've had a lot more guests in 2017 than we've had any other year, and we'll try to keep that up. People seem to like that. I did not like Brandon Cant too much from what I have seen of him online, but he seems like a cool guy. Have him on more. Yeah, he's people seem to enjoy him on radio. Um, he's definitely done and said some things that are questionable, and I've mentioned them before on this show. But on, on radio, he's uh, an interesting guest. We'll we'll be in Vegas playing the Senior Circuit from June 11th to 18th. We'll be at the Rio the 16th. If I see you, I'll say hi. Yeah, by, by all means. Obviously, this guy's older than me if he's playing the Senior event. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play this Super Senior. He, I don't know if he's over 65, but he's definitely over 50. But, of course, 50 at this point is not that much older than me. Uh, I am staying at the Flamingo up until the 16th. I hope I'm not giving too much info about this guy, but he didn't say not to read it. Uh did not book the weekend because the prices are crazy. Oh, he's a Canadian. It says, my Canadian dollar is not doing well. I know. I'm, I'm thinking of going to Canada this summer. I'm going to check prices on Friday for the weekend at Flamingo or Rio. Any advice on getting a cheap room for the same day? I have some advice. You can try to win this contest tonight, which we're about to have. Any advice on getting... Oh, you yeah, asked that. We'll be downloading a bunch of shows for the trip. Keep up the good work. Yes, we have long shows. You can download to your heart's content and listen to all these episodes. I don't know how long you've been listening, but if you haven't, you can go back and listen to old ones. And uh, some of the stuff we say on old ones is obsolete information. But I'll tell you, I call the call to listen line sometimes, especially when I'm walking the dog or whatever, just to hear what's on there. And sometimes I even get pulled in and start listening and go, oh yeah, I want, like sometimes I forget some of the stuff I broadcasted or I said and I, I go, oh, I wonder how this story turned out. And it's weird hearing my own voice and wondering what I'm going to say next. But that happens. After a long enough time passes, everything seems new to me, even recordings of myself. From the 512, Asians are good at math and finding drones. Would you have been held liable if the Asian kid got bit? No. Um, 
basically he, he was an employee of mine. He was uh, he was like an independent contractor legally. So uh, if he got bit, this was his decision to go do it for a reward. He was he was basically this is what it was. It was a reward. You go choose to do it yourself if you find it as a reward. That's that's what uh, this was. So I would have felt bad if he got bit, but he didn't. It's a happy ending. For the nine one five Calwatt rules. That's a fan of Calwatt here. I think it was Mumbles badly texting that. And uh, from the uh, seven oh two, are you going to Vegas this summer? I have a wedding to attend on the tw- on the second, but I'm free on the third and the fourth. Let's get a drink. I won't be there on the third and fourth. So he'll have to be there later in the month. When are you getting the draft? Did you announce that? Uh, yes, I'm getting there on the 11th. So anybody who's um, there after the 11th, there's a good chance that you can uh, meet up with me. And uh, you know, if I've talked to you before and you want to come say hello in in the in the Rio at some point, or you just see me around, you can uh, you can do so. In fact, if you just see me around and you listen to the radio, even if I don't know you, you can come up to me. Uh, that that's fine. Uh, if if it's some of the things like like someone say, hey, let's meet. And you don't know me, um, you know. It, it, depending on if we've talked before and what the situation is, I, I may or may not. But uh, but anybody who just sees me around, and I'm, I'm just saying that because like I, I can't schedule. Like there's a lot of listeners to the show, and I can't uh, uh, devote scheduling meeting time with all these different people that uh, that I've never talked to before. But if you see me around, definitely come up. And if, if I've talked to you before on text message or whatever, if we don't know each other too well, uh, and you're around there and you want to just uh, meet me you know i was like putting a face to the name in fact i mentioned at that at that weird bellagio game where, where the, uh, that old ray guy in the wheelchair threatened to beat me up um there, there were two listeners to this show one of whom had texted me a number of times in the past and uh it was nice meeting him and in fact he he had asked me before if, if you know we could meet sometime in vegas i said sure it was someone i texted with before and it turned out that he happened to just be at the table so uh, I remember years ago, Drop. Um, God, it must have been 94, 95. But uh, Ray caught this guy. It was like an old man, and he had this contraption that went up his sleeve. Oh, really? <laughs> where he could put a card, and he called him out. And I think it was at, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was at the Mirage. I think it was before Bellagio opened. But that's when, like, you know, the ten twenty game was kind of the big game. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was amazing. It was like an older guy, must have been in his 70s, cowboy hat on, and he, they had this whole contraption that, like, would slip an ace into his hand. Wow. And so he got arrested, I presume? Oh, yeah. They pulled him into the back, and, yep. Oh. But Ray was on sitting against the wall, never forget it. And he caught him. Yeah. Well, well it's... Uh... You know, it's it's better to do things like that than to call the clock on guys and limit hold them. That's that's not a good use of being the table captain. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, he's changed quite a bit since. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, by the way, if Chinese Maniac on the forum put out a call for three forum members who may listen to the show also mad dad off the top and edward teach i know mad dad usually listens to the show he kind of vanished he's from canada off the top is from europe i don't know where edward teach is from but uh 
he's trying to reach you guys uh, for I, I won't. He doesn't say it, so I'm not going to say why. But it's, it, you're going to want to reach him. This this is not anything bad. You're, you're going to want to reach China Maniac. So if you guys are listening to the show and you don't ever read the forum, I know off the top contacted him. Edward Teach may have. I know Bad Dad has not. But uh, um, <clears throat> I can probably look up their emails. In fact, I can. If they're still good, I can email them, I guess. But if you, if you guys are listening, contact China Maniac or contact me through the text and I'll get you in contact with China Maniac. All I can say is you're going to want to. It's it's nothing bad. It's something good for you. So let's do the contest, speaking of something good. I probably should have done this earlier. We, <laughs> I feel weird holding the contest at 1 in the morning, but... That's, that's, that's right. The loyal, the, a loyal listener will win. That's right. If, if it's someone who stuck by until uh, one a.m., actually, we we don't have that much worse ratings than the peak, so we have people listening now. So here's what it is: it's it's a certificate with no strings attached to stay at the Paris in Las Vegas for two nights, Sunday through Thursday, and that means you can actually check out Friday. You can do it like. Check in Wednesday, check out Friday. That would work. So if you're a Diamond or Seven Stars member at Caesars Properties, it's 100% free. If you are a Platinum or Gold or don't have a Total Rewards card, then it's going to be the cost of a of the, of the resort fee, which is around $30, maybe $32, something like that. Still a hell of a deal to get the Paris for 30-something dollars a night out the door. So, and it may be zero if you're a diamond. And don't say, oh, if I'm a diamond, I'm getting free offers anyway. Not necessarily. Not many diamonds who haven't played in a while or, or, or redeemed more comps than they played, they're not getting any offers for Vegas. So, you may even be able to use these consecutively with other offers. And when I say may... Even if there's a policy against it, they may just book it anyway because it's like a different department booking this. I'm not promising this. It's very possible you can't, but it's possible maybe you'll have a <clears throat> like a four-night comp anyway that you've earned yourself, and then you can get this on top of it. Again, you'll have to just attempt to do it. So what you would do is you'd make your four-night reservation, then you try to make this one afterwards and see if they take it. And if they do, you'll have six nights. And when you go check in, you can combine them. They don't At the front desk, they don't care. I can tell you that uh, <clears throat> once you're at the front desk, if you have back-to-back reservations, they don't care if those back-to-back reservations, if someone did it when they technically weren't supposed to. You know, Once it's booked, it's booked as far as they're concerned over there. They just, they just combine it for you. But either way, uh, it is, it's two free nights. The only thing I, I want you guys to do before attempting to call for this contest is only attempt to win it if... Only play the contest if you have use for these rooms prior to September 29th of this year. Now, I apologize for not holding this contest earlier. I've had these certificates for a while. I forgot about them. And then I kept saying, oh, I'll hold the, hold the contest. And every time I'd remember, like, minutes before the show, and I hadn't written out a contest. But i got to prepare these things. Sometimes if I don't fully prepare a topic, I can kind of wing it during the show. But a contest, I can't. A contest, I have to completely right up beforehand. So this contest is called Did This Happen? I'm going to read you 10 things that may or may not have happened one by one. 
at the end of each one, you will quickly say did not happen or did happen. I will tell you beforehand if you have to answer quickly, which means like right away when I'm done, you've got to answer immediately. Or if you can take your time. The take your time would be one that uh, would be something that you couldn't Google, where I'm just telling some story of something that occurred that I either saw or knew about or just made up. You know, you don't know, but something that I knew you wouldn't be able to Google. Like, uh, like, like for example, this isn't one of them, but let's say one of the stories was uh, I was playing a Commerce 6120 one time. A guy took a bad beat. He was so mad that he 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 just uh, you know stripped off his pants and stood on top of the chair with his, his dick hanging out. That didn't happen. I just made that up right now. But like, uh, that you couldn't Google. That wouldn't that there's a good chance that could have happened and not showed up online. So I wouldn't tell you much if you Googled it, it didn't show. Whereas if I said, you know, did Phil Helmuth do such and such on this, you know, at, at any time, you can Google Helmuth and whatever I'm claiming happened to him and you can see if it comes up. So <clears throat> I'll tell you before each question, if you have to answer quickly or not quickly, I don't want the chat room helping. And you need to get seven out of 10 minimum right to win, which shouldn't be that hard because on average, if you completely guess, you'd get 5 out of 10. So, those are the rules. I will mail you the certificate. And please, only take it if you're going to use it. Now, I think the last one that was won this way was won by Reno. In fact, I think I even met him on that trip. I think he came to the Colossus using this. The phone number to call in, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, the Mount Charleston line, 702-430-1808. I will take the third caller because it's so late. I'm not going to be ambitious. I'd say 11 callers, but I don't think we're going to get that given the current live listenership, given the fact that you need, you, you know, you'd have to need this room. If you're, if you're not coming to Vegas, then uh, you're not going to need it. So given the fact some people are just shy and don't want to call in. Okay, we, we have Larry calling in. Okay, if I can take the damn call. Now I'm having Skype problems. <laughs> okay, I count this as call number one because I couldn't answer it, but Larry was calling in. So that, that was call number one. It was Larry. So we're looking for callers two and three. Number three will be the one I take. And don't don't try to game this and, and, and say I'm going to wait for call two and then call in for call three because it's possible. I, I have multiple lines here. So if two call, come in at the same time, then that's two and three. So don't don't wait for two to come in. Okay, here comes uh, number two, which I can take. Call you around the air. Yeah, my number three. You're number two. You can hang up and try though. Uh, you, you can hang up and try again. <laughs> he hangs up. He's probably gonna be number three. This is the problem with doing it uh, this time of night. Is that uh, I think most of the listeners are either sleeping up. Oh, it looks like it's gonna be Larry. Okay, Larry, I think you're the winner. Or for the moment, you're the winner. You're, you're, no, you, well, you. You're the contestant. Winning is, is questionable. But uh, okay, I sorry to Scott from the East Coast. You were two, but the, we got to go by the rules here. And Larry is number three. So Larry, you were number one and three. Good job. And uh, so you're going to play. Did this happen? Now, Larry, you you are going to be at the World Series, uh, or, or so you're in Vegas at some point between now and September 29th. Yes, I am. And will you be there at least two weeknights? This is true. Okay. 
I can't guarantee that there's no blackout dates, but that'll be up to you to figure out for yourself. It, I, I, I looked it up. I couldn't figure it out. So you'll just have to try to book it. If it fails, then it fails. But uh, you saying you'll be here in two weeknights before September 29th, good enough for me. So that, we will start here. Uh, so someone just texted, uh, Larry can't ride his bike to Vegas. That's not very nice. Okay. Uh, so, okay, number one. And number one, you're going to uh, have to answer quickly. So right when I finish, you have like uh, five seconds. You have to say, did happen or did not happen. Uh, wait, hold on. Before we begin, I, I, I didn't load up by sound effects. I'm, I'm going to admit this. I, I was thinking of stalling while I load the sound effects. I'm, I'm not going to lie about this. I didn't load the sound effects. So I'm going to load the sound effects. Uh, just, so so what, what's going on, Larry? You, you, you're going to date like a pinup model sometime soon? Or have you met her yet? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. She's kind of flaky, uh, which is, I think what happened the first time. I think that's why I stopped texting her the first time. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I hate that. Yeah. So, but, and then, uh, got your sound effects a little bit. No, I, I'm, I'm doing it here. It's, uh, hold on. Let me get this. Uh... Okay. What's happening, Larry? What's going on, Trader Ruski? So when are you going to be in Vegas? Yeah, that's a good question. Well. Unless you don't want to announce it. thinking around, around June 11th. June 11th? Uh, June 11th? That's when I'm coming. You copying me? I'm, I'm, the the trying, I'm not trying to copy you, but... Okay. Um... <clears throat> So what's the... Oh, this is crap. This is a crap sound effect. Hang on a second. How about this one? Bacon and cheddar cheese. I should have these bacon and cheddar cheese. Come on. I should have these ready. I had these before. I'm having trouble finding them. Okay. Let's see what I can get here. Does this one be any good? Let's try this one. All right. Good enough. That's for getting right. I know which one I'm going to use for... Getting wrong. I know we've done contests before this way, so uh, this one. Okay, beautiful. So that's that's the sound effects. Those are sound effects. We're ready. Antonio Esfandiari. You have to answer this one quickly. He did a prop bet at Bellagio that he could get to the Cupola. That's what it's called. C U P O L A. On top of Bellagio, and you have little. Round thing that's on top of Bellagio. Uh, he could get on top. He can get up there within two hours. I've never been up there, it's, it's, and that he could hang off the edge. So within two hours of making the bet, he would have to get up there in some way and hang off the edge. Someone took the bet for twenty five thousand dollars, and Antonio won the bet by going up to the top floor and bribing a janitor a thousand dollars to let him in there to, quote, take an awesome picture. The janitor did it, took the 1000 and then Antonio made 25000 Did this happen, or did no. this not happen? Did not happen. Larry says, did not happen. The correct answer is, it did not happen. That's totally made up. 
what janitor would risk that for a thousand dollars? No, a thousand dollars is a good amount of money. I, I think it'd be possible. He said I, the janitor let him in there just to take a cool picture, which is you know this didn't really happen, but this, this wasn't being led into somebody's room. This is kind of like a, a thing on the top that did, they I think they use for ceremonies. Didn't he pee in a bottle? Didn't he pee in a bottle <laughs> at the table for fifty thousand? Yeah, but this was for him to win twenty five thousand. It was the, it was that he bribed the janitor for a thousand. I don't know why we're debating this because it didn't happen, but. But I was saying that to win twenty five thousand, he bribed a janitor one thousand to let him in there just to take a picture. Which, it, it, yeah, I could see it happening. I, I could believe it, but it didn't happen. Okay, this one you have to answer yeah. quickly. A limit hold'em player was arrested during a two hundred four hundred game at Commerce for a triple murder. Did happen or did not happen? It happened. You say it happened. You need to get 7 out of 10. So far, you've got 2 out of 2. Correct. There I've never been to the counters, but I could just see it happening. Yeah, this, this, they actually pulled him out of, of the game. This is in 2008. A limit, uh, limit hold'em player, I think that I recognize, that I played with back then, named uh, Kang Hyuk Choi. And he killed a person, a guy he was having a dispute with over money named uh, Han Il Kim and Han Il Kim's mother and uncle. So the two of them argued about money. He killed Han Il Kim first during the argument they were having. They they had this argument all the way in in New York. This didn't happen in California. He killed him and then uh, after killing him he he also killed the guy's uh, uncle and mother uh, I guess his his mother came in to check on the, her son of what was going on, and then he's like, "Well, she's she's going to see he's dead. Better kill her too." And then uh, also killed the uncle under similar circumstances. So they were home at the time. So he killed them all, and then fled to California, and then played at Commerce. <laughs> and this was in two thousand eight. He was uh, arrested at the table. They actually went to the table, grabbed him from the game. And the idiot actually had credit cards that he stole from the house after he killed them. And he actually had made purchases with those credit cards. But yet he wasn't broke. He had $88,000 in cash and chips when they arrested him. So I don't know what happened. Uh, I assume he was convicted. I never looked up what happened after that. But this occurred in 2008. They actually pulled him out of the game. And from seeing his picture, I remember playing with him. So... A triple murderer was actually pulled out of the game, a limit hold'em game in commerce that I was playing a lot at the time. Number three. Hackers cracked the random number generator on Planet Poker in 1999, which at the time was the only online poker site, to my knowledge. Maybe there's one or two others, but 1999. And rather than use it to steal money, they decided to make a research project out of it. This is true. This is true, this is it? Happened. It did happen, yeah. I mean, you've talked about this on the radio. Yeah, an old show, I think. Yeah, I have. Okay. I was hoping maybe someone would call and hadn't heard all these shows like you have. Okay, number four. This one, because it's not something that would ever be found on Google, you can take your time. A 510 No Limit game that I was at at Bellagio. This thing happened that I've never talked about before. There were two women at the table in their 20s who 
were lesbians, but they didn't know each other. They were at the table. In fact, they weren't even next to each other. They crossed the table from one another. And eventually it came out during the game that they were lesbians. I was there waiting to get into a 40-80 limit Hold'em game. And they were, they were talking, and then when they realized they were both lesbians, they kind of started jokingly flirting with one another, and the guys they were enjoying it. But then I started to notice them texting to each other. Like, they, one gave the other the phone number, they texted it, and then back and forth, and they started, like, smiling while they were texting. About an hour later, both of them left the game together and headed in the direction where the hotel elevator was. I don't know for sure if they went up to the room, but that looked like what was going on. Did this ever really happen, or did I just make that whole story up? Wow. What, what were you playing at the Bellagio? This is at 510 No Limit while I was waiting to get into 4080. Yeah, 4080. I don't know. I had a 50-50 shot here. I'm going to go ahead and say you made that up. See, I made that up. If you get this correct, you'll be 4 for 4. You are correct. I made the whole thing up. But I'm glad it, I'm well, glad it at least made four, Why would you play 4080? No, that's what I play these days over there. If that's the if that's the reason you, you if that's the reason you said it was made up, then you got lucky. That's, that's not the reason. Okay, number five. Let's keep it up. Number five. A guy wearing a Burger King hat agreed to a PLO flip at Borgata for two thousand dollars, and then when he lost the flip, decided he's going to legally walk away without paying, and he was able to due to a technicality. Did this happen or not happen? You got to answer fast. Yes, it happened. Have you heard of this before on the radio, or you just guessed that? I have. think I've heard of it, but why would a casino? If the casino, what they flip for racks? They did a flip they where they, 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 they did a flip where they just agreed beforehand they're going to keep saying pot, 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 pot till they're all the way all in for two thousand. And uh, they did yeah, that. The casino doesn't have to uh, honor that. They didn't play it right. They they didn't put it they didn't put the money in the middle was the problem they just kept saying pot 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 and then they dealt out the cards and the guy's argument was that he never moved his chips in so while it was very dirty and while they kicked him out for that they couldn't make him give the money because he never actually moved his chips into the betting area I could do that so that was that was screwed up what the guy did it was although a, I will say though verbal is binding right so no it, it, in tournaments like if it, I say it, it, I'm all in no no and that that's what I someone I've, says call no in in tournaments yes because they make the rules and they can kick you even even in cash games no that's where I play I mean, believe it or not they all in that's a, believe it or not you can take that back and legally walk out with the money but they will ban you you actually can legally walk out then, with the money so you that got, must be just in Vegas. I, it may be everywhere it, it, because usually it has to do with with a very clear law that in order for a bet to be a bet, you actually have to put your chips into the betting area. You have to take it and move and move the chips. It's always the chips movements that count. Now tournaments is different. Tournaments oh, well, because the chips I'm are not. Is I've played on plenty of tables that don't have betting lines and or don't have enforced. Betting no, 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 but 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 it's it's, it's about uh, the forward motion. And the thing is, if you just don't ever touch your chips, if your chips are just sitting in front of you, clearly not being put into play, and you're just saying things. In cash games, they can't enforce it. If it's tournaments, they can't. Tournaments, those aren't. That's not real money. Chips in tournaments are not real money. So you're just playing tournaments under rules that are made up by the house. And if if they've determined you're violating the rules, they just disqualify you, and then you can't win. So that's why tournaments they can they can stop this. In cash, they can't. So anyway, going on here, number six. 
How many have I gotten over here? You're, fi- you're, five for six, so you're actually five for five. five. For five? You're, you're in very good shape. It's, it's very likely you're going to win here. You've only got to get uh, two out of the remaining five. Number six, you have to uh, answer quickly. 2008 World Series of Poker champion Peter Eastgate quietly came out as gay in 2012. Not true. Wow, you're good at this. Yes, there's been suspicion that he is. There's been pictures that are either just looking like he is and, you know, he's just European and we don't understand him or uh, maybe he is gay or bi, but no, he has not said he is, is he gay European? or bi. He is, yeah. He's from Denmark. I didn't know that. Yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of gay-looking pictures that surfaced uh, of him shortly after winning the World Series. He wasn't, like, kissing guys, but he had... Like like kind of frolicking and in waterfalls and in fashions that straight guys wouldn't usually do, but it, there's no hard evidence, no pun intended, that he's gay. So <laughs> I, I, I I thought someone may remember discussions of maybe Peter Eastgate's gay, and I thought you might fall for that, but you didn't. No, he he has no, not. I've never heard of that. He has not come out as gay. Number seven, which if you get this, it's clinched. But we're still going to go through all ten. It's about me. Todd Dandruff would tell us lost $90,000 in a day, in a day, I'm saying, in online poker in 2005. True. Had you heard me talk about that before, or you're just guessing it's true? We, Me and you have talked personally about it, oh, I think. Crap. I, was talking you I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have had you be the contestant. Okay, This is, this, this is way too easy, this contest. What do you mean? You're seven for seven. Because you, you, you know too many of these things. Okay. Uh, so you've won. Congratulations, Larry. Uh, but we're, we're going to finish well, it out anyway. You. you can't lose now. It's like it's... Uh, you know, I almost won I almost won a $1,500 tournament seat in that C-Money thread. Oh, was number that's right. 19. Well, this isn't worth as much, but you know, I'm glad you've... No, it's not, but you won, won something, something here. You did win something. Uh, yeah, what happened? This is December 26, 2005, a day after Christmas. Now, yes, I'm a Jew, so I don't celebrate Christmas, but still... I got clobbered on inner poker and chunked off uh, ninety thousand dollars in the one fifty three hundred pound limit game, which is like three hundred six hundred. It was awful. I've never won that much in a day in in cash either. I've never had the equivalent good day, so that sucks. Number eight, the FBI contacted a person associated with, or sorry, let me start again. The FBI contacted a person interviewed on Donkdown Radio. In, re- in reference, in, in, hold on. In, in, re- in reference to an espionage case that they were investigating, when asked when, when they were asked where they got their lead to contact this person, the FBI replied, "We heard it on Donkdown Radio." Is, did that really happen? That's false. I'm pretty sure that's false. Although it sounds like a story that does have something to do with the FBI kind. No, you're wrong. No, okay, you're wrong. That's I, I played the prices right, losing a horn. No, this really happened. <laughs> it's really happened. I'm not going to say who it is or who it was about, but we had someone interviewed on Donkdown Radio. That person mentioned not liking someone else and said a lot of bad things about that other person. Not too long after that, the FBI contacted this, contacted this person and said they want them to come in for an interview about an important matter. The person came in, and they were told that this is a very serious matter about espionage. And they said, espionage? How could I know about it? I'm just a poker player. I wouldn't know about espionage. They said, well, there's a certain person we think has committed espionage 
that you know. And they said, I can't imagine who that would be. And they said, that person's name. And they said, do you know him? They said, well, yeah, I do. I don't like this person, but yes, I know them. How do you know I know them and don't like them? I haven't been all that public about it. And they said, we heard it on Dockdown Radio. So that really happened. The person who told me this is very reliable, too. They wouldn't have made this up. And uh, by the way, the person who was suspected of espionage was never arrested for this. So they were just investigated. I don't know if they ever really committed espionage, but there really was an espionage investigation about someone who was discussed on Dockdown Radio and that this person we were interviewing said they did not like them and gave various reasons, and then that somehow led the FBI to them. Wow. Number nine, due to incorrect information in the Social Security Number database, by the way, I lied, this is about me too, and you can take your time on this one. Due to incorrect information in the Social Security Number database, I was frequently unable to qualify for credit or open bank accounts because I kept being flagged for identity theft. Is this something that happened or did not happen? Wait, so you couldn't get more credit cards? Uh, no, not, not, I'm not saying more credit I, I'm saying that I frequently couldn't get – I could, frequently got I'll, – I'll be more clear. I was frequently rejected for credit cards and bank accounts because I was seen as an identity thief of myself. Is this true or false? I'm just going to go ahead and say, wait, you were seen as an identity thief? Yeah, that they did not believe I was me because my social security number did not match properly with the information I gave due to an error on on the end of, of the Social Security Administration. Did this happen or did it not happen? True. You're guessing? Correct. <clears throat> Yeah, I've never talked. To, I've never. I don't. Here. I don't think I've ever talked about this before. But okay, I was born near the beginning of 1972. There was a decline okay. in birth rates in the early 70s. There was the baby boom years. Then it started to decline. Then it started to really decline in the early 70s. Some theorize it was because the economy was not doing very well then. So. Fewer babies were born in 1971, especially, than had been born before in, in, the U, in the U.S. And they had assigned Social Security numbers based upon two factors. Uh, the, the, the year you were born and the place you were born, or at least the place, not necessarily you were born, but the place where you apply for the Social Security card. So, so usually it's when you're born and your parents apply for it. So... For example, most people in California have a social security number beginning with a five or a six. Mine does not begin with five or six. I was was not born in California. But anyway, uh, your social security number is associated with a year of birth and a place. So when I was born in early 72... They decided that they didn't want to waste these unused social security numbers that they earmarked to be used in 1971. And they said, we'll just recycle these in in the beginning of 72. Who cares? I got one of those recycled 1971 social security numbers, which was fine for many years until there started to be concerns of identity theft in the mid-1990s. And they had databases that banks and, uh, you know, banks associated with credit cards could check out and not just banks also i had trouble getting cell phones too that they would try to check my credit and while my credit would be fine they would get an immediate warning identity theft 
this account is not associated with someone born in 1972. And they'd say to me, we cannot give this to you because this social security number is associated with 1971. So either your social security number is wrong or you gave us the wrong birth date or you're giving you're, you're not who you say you are, but we can't give it to you. And I had to go through all these hoops to prove otherwise. Some cases I just gave up. Some cases I did go through the hoops, depending on how important it was. It was so frustrating to have this over and over. And eventually I got used to this. And I, as soon as they said there's a problem, I said, oh, I know what this is. And I explained it to them. Sometimes they believed me. Sometimes they were familiar with the problem. Sometimes they were not. It was a huge pain in the ass. At some point, I'd say about 10 to 12 years ago, this was corrected and it stopped happening. So it was a huge headache for me. Did you like it correct on its own, or you got it correct? No, no, it was it was, it was something I could I couldn't correct. I, I asked if something I can do to correct. They said no. The, the information they're given from the Social Security Administration says this my Social Security number is associated with 1971, and that's just widely distributed. There's no way to correct it. That the Social Security Administration has to fix this for everybody or nobody. There's no in between. So they must have realized this mistake. After enough time, and I, I probably, I'm guessing around 2004 or so, it stopped happening. Hmm. <clears throat> Maybe. Somewhere around that time is when it stopped happening. So it's been a very long time, but it, it was occurring all the way through my early 30s. Very frustrating. And I remember the first time this happened, it was in 95 at Bank of America, and I applied for a new account there. And I got this really condescending woman. And this condescending woman, she's she says, so, so um, yeah, this is coming up, but not your birth year, and uh, you know your social security number. And she explained the whole thing. And I said, she said, so is this your social security number? She showed me. I said, yes. She said, are you sure? And I looked at it again. Yes. She says, oh well, this computer is very accurate, and sometimes you think you know your social security number, but you don't really know it. And sometimes you have a few digits transposed, and you know. Maybe you should go back home and check it's correct because it may not be right. I said, no, no, I'm 100% sure it's right. I know you think that, but there's no way it would be saying this if that was your social security number. And if you're really born in 1972, she's really condescending. And I was getting angrier and angrier about this. And then, of all things, it turned out that the mom of one of my friends happened to work at that bank and I didn't realize it. And she recognized me. And she's like, oh, I know him. No, no, put it through. It's fine. I don't know why it's saying that. But, yeah, I know him personally. So so that that was the first time I ran into it. Okay, number uh, 10. Yeah, still don't have a, I still don't have a bank account. So I yeah, I don't understand that. But, okay, you're, you're 8 and 1 so far. You're 8 out of 9. Only thing you missed is it was question 8 about the FBI. Number 10. The funny thing is you answered it right at first saying yes, just hearing FBI mentioned. But then when I expanded upon it, then you said uh, no, and you were wrong. Number 10, and you have to answer this quickly. Eight poker players died in 2006 when they were in a sightseeing plane over Aruba. They were there for the UB Aruba tournament. It was just a plane crash. Seven of them were unknowns in poker, but one of them was 2005 World Series of Poker bracelet winner Brian Wilson, also known as Rookie. Did that happen or not happen? False. You say it's false. No, did not happen. That's correct. You got nine out of ten. And Larry, and by the way, this uh, yeah, I just completely made that up. Brian Rookie Wilson did win bracelet in two thousand five at five uh, K PLO. 
but he, as far as I know, he's still alive today, and there was no such plane crash in Aruba. So congratulations, Larry. You are a winner of a <laughs> two-night stay at the Paris Las Vegas any two weeknights between now and September 29th, unless they black something out that's not mentioned on the certificate. I make no guarantees, no warranties. Are you? A, you're not a diamond or higher, are you? Um, no, but I might do that. Uh, have you heard about like, getting that like Visa card? Oh, oh, the diamond just for doing it. I, I know of the Founders card, but that's not a Visa card. But uh, whatever. If you're, well, I mean, they advertise it at the casino. What? Okay, no, that's oh no, that's the total rewards visa. That only take you to platinum. That won't help you. Yeah. No, that won't help you. No, I'm already I'm already platinum. So no. Okay. Well, you'll you'll pay thirty two dollars a night or so, but still a hell of a deal. Make sure it's not blacked out. Just call up. Uh, I'll give. In fact, I can even give you the information. Uh, I'll I'll mail you the certificate, but I can give you the information beforehand online. You can probably make the reservation before you receive it, and just bring the certificate awesome. there. And so, congratulations. Uh, if you're there when I'm there, I'll meet up with you. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. And we will give away another one of these, and hopefully I'll make a tougher contest. If you get 9 out of 10 here. Crap. I, I was afraid. I, I was thinking, do I make 7 or 8 the baseline? I said, okay, i got to do 7. I'm afraid people are just not going to be able to get 8. And so I did 7. I didn't want to make it 2. I wasn't going to make it 5 where you can just guess your way through. But I thought 7 would be hard enough and... You knew most of them. There are a few you guessed that right, one you guessed that wrong, but uh, I think you got a little bit lucky too. I think you ran well too, but nevertheless, you well, went. Yeah. You went nine. Well, you went, run well at some point. Yeah, you went nine and one, and congratulations! And I'm glad you can make use of it. And I will say, at least with you calling in, I know that, uh, and I'm sure Scott could have too, if, trying to be the contestant. But uh, at least I know you're really going to use it. I, I, I always feel funny if it's someone I'm not sure is going to use it. They're just going to collect it in case they want to use it and tell me they are going to and okay but anyway thank you i am greek for providing this prize and we have a second one we're going yeah, to give away thank you, i am greek shout out right there and he's given it before so thank you and this is a nice thing to have given away and thank you larry thank you jeff all right good night so larry laffer save some of that bike messenger money by not having to pay for two nights of a hotel room. And you can stay in the Paris. It pays to listen to the show. Late at night. You still there, Trader Ruski? No, he fell asleep during the contest. Unless this is like a delay. Alrighty, let's see what else we got on the agenda. It's 1.26 a.m. now. There was a hacking situation, a real hacking situation, not a fake one, so you can cover up your manic episode over probably losing your girlfriend, your lesbian girlfriend. That I'm talking about a real hacking, which also involved a lesbian named Vanessa in poker. But this hacking, I believe, happened. And it was discussed by none other than Doug Polk. I've always wondered how Doug Polk would feel about me playing his stuff on this show. I have to imagine he's probably okay with it. Because Seriously Serious, who works for him and puts together his videos, listens to this show. And he's aware I play them. So I'm sure if there was any objection that I would have heard about it by now. I mean, if Doug didn't want me to play them, well, if it was short 
portions, very short portions, I'd, I'd probably say F off and do it anyway, because it's my right to. But anything longer than like a short thing, I, if he didn't want me to, I wouldn't do it. But hey, you know, he, I, he's trying to promote himself and, and his uh, upswing poker, which isn't the sponsor here. But I assume that any exposure that I give him that he doesn't already have is a good thing for him. That would be my attitude if I were him. So it's kind of how I feel about when these sites grab Poker Fraudler's radios, MP3, and just slap it up on their own site. And people actually listen to this show sometimes through these third-party sites. And I didn't give them permission for this. And they have a lot of affiliate links and a lot of their crap, so theoretically these sites may have made like affiliate money off of my content, which is a bit annoying. But on the other hand, it brings more listeners in. I've had people tell me they found the show through these third-party sites. So I said, okay, screw it. I'm not going to give them official permission, but I'm not going to complain. I might change my mind at some point, but at this point, uh, I'm not going to complain. So... Doug Polk did an, kind of an emergency video. He wasn't planning to, but I guess Seriously Serious told him what was going on. And he felt that he had to record a quick video talking about this. So he quickly talked about the Vanessa Russo thing. Doug Polk has to be a little more politically correct than, than we are here, because he's trying to sell something, and we're not. So I'm sure Doug Polk, who's not a stupid guy was very aware that Vanessa Russo was probably having a manic episode and wasn't really hacked, but uh, he just decided to mention it. And Seriously Serious, you know, I'm sure he probably brought the story to Doug Polk. Seriously Serious is very good at having his finger on the pulse of poker gossip, okay? So Seriously Serious, who also reads this site, I'm sure heard of this Vanessa Russo story and probably brought it to Polk and said, hey, we got to talk about this and we definitely have to talk about the actual hackings that occurred to Dan Smith and uh, Vanessa Selbst. So he kind of combined them all, even though the Vanessa Russo hacking, I believe, was fake. But Polk brought up a, a hacking situation that was very scary. And if you play medium or high-stakes poker, especially if people know you play medium or high-stakes poker then you could be a target. And this is not even far-fetched. It can really happen. It has happened to these two players. And I wanted to warn you guys as well, just like you know, Doug Polk did. I mean, everything Doug Polk puts out is partially to drive traffic to his upswing poker site. So you have to understand that. He's, he's not necessarily putting out this content because he cares or he's concerned about you. But at the same time, he put out very useful information. And I learned from it. So I can't criticize that. So here we go. What's up, guys? Doug Polk here. And today we're going to talk about something very serious happening in the online poker world. Now, I wasn't going to make a video today. I'm planning on heading back to Vegas in a couple of days. But if you guys have been following on Twitter, a bunch of high-stakes poker pros have been getting hacked. We've seen Vanessa Selps get hacked, Dan Smith get hacked, and Vanessa Russo all within the last 24, 48 hours. And I can also say that I know other people have been getting hacked too, but have just not come forward publicly. By the way, I, I, I know you guys are only hearing this on here, but I, I don't like the way Doug Polk looks in this video. I know he, it looks like he put it together quickly. But first of all, the, the faux hawk that he 
take so much pride in is a big mess. It's normally standing up very nicely, and you could tell he put his gel in it or whatever he does to keep it the way it is, and he took a lot of time on it. This time, it looks like he just got out of the shower. And furthermore, he's wearing this weird, like, gray tank top sort of muscle shirt thing, but I don't know. It it just kind of looks funny. Uh, You know, some people look better in things like that than others. I don't ever wear stuff like that, so I'm not trying to say I would look great in that because I wouldn't, and I don't wear stuff like that. But but he shouldn't either, so that's my tip. I don't give many fashion tips on this show, but uh, he, 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 just, he just doesn't look like himself here. He looks like he just jumped out of the shower and just threw on some tank top sitting around, and then he's like, oh, seriously, seriously, i got to make this video. I guess I'll do it. I'll send it to Seriously Serious to edit. That's what it looks like. But that that aside, other than that, I think he's putting out some useful information here. This video is going to be about what we know happened, how it happened, and then also I'm going to give you guys a rundown on how to keep yourself secure so you don't end up making a mistake that could cost you a lot of the money that you have in your online accounts. So let's start off by talking about the Vanessa Russo story. Now, I don't know as much about this one, but I did see what happened on Twitter. She originally tweeted a couple of days ago saying that she was in trouble and and someone needed to call the police to help save her. Since that, the next day she came forward and said that she was swatted and that also she was hacked. So I'm not sure if that's related to what we're going to talk about today, but it's another case of someone getting hacked in the high-stakes poker community. No, it's not. No, it's not. He even kind of smiled a little bit. No, it's not. See, look, Doug, I understand it. You're, you're, you're trying to be a very mainstream figure. You, you, know, you want to be someone who reports the stories that people are talking about, the interesting stories. You've done a good job with that, especially because Seriously Serious brings them to you, and then you report them. And you do a pretty good job explaining them. I'll give you that, too. But you know this wasn't true. I'm sure Seriously Serious had this discussion with you. Oh, Vanessa Russo's batshit crazy. Vanessa Russo, you know, she didn't get hacked. It's BS. This is a cover story. Seriously Serious is a smart guy. He, he, I'm sure he wasn't fooled by this. I'm sure he was not fooled by it. I'm sure he believes exactly what I believe. He reads the site, too. If he read the stuff we put out there, which I'm sure he did, he knows she was not hacked. Okay? So, like, why even say that? Why, why not just... Instead of saying, this is an example of a high-stakes poker player getting hacked. No. Just just say, look, we don't know what's going on with that. She says she was hacked. I guess we have to believe her. Something like that. Or, you know, we'll take her at her word. Something like that. Even if you don't believe it, if you want to be politically correct, if you want to not be controversial and put out a public uh, video that questions her story, fine. Don't do that. We'll do it here. But don't say that's an example. It, that's kind of creating hysteria where there shouldn't be. But while I was annoyed by that first minute of the video and thought, oh, crap, this is Doug Polk just pretending like there's a hacking epidemic which does not exist. I was about to get pissed that he's putting out this misinformation and making people panic. Then he followed up with some very true hacking stories, which are scary, which I'm glad he did. Not that Vanessa Russo is really involved in poker anymore, but, you know, a poker player nonetheless. Next up, Dan Smith got hacked, and this is through the method that we're going to go through in this video. But he tweeted out saying that some some accounts got hacked last night and do not Western Union any money. 
Idiot hackers have tried, should have tried this before. Scoop and Monaco obviously indicating he lost a bunch of money. It's a little joke on the getting hacked, but he did get hacked and lost some accounts, at least temporarily, nonetheless. He also tweeted out saying that he's in the process of curing his shit, and apparently Google Authenticator is better than having your phone as a backup, which is 100% true, but we're going to again talk about that a bit later in the How to Secure Yourself story. The final person that I know did get hacked was Vanessa Selfs, and I talked with her a little bit about what happened. She said that she got hacked yesterday. They go through your phone provider, convince them to get your PIN changed, which is apparently super easy, and then get access to your phone. Then anything you back up with text message, which many do for Gmail, is vulnerable. They got into her Gmail and all kinds of different things, but did not get access to her Bitcoin or anything like that because those accounts had 2FA that were not through text. So 2FA he's referring to is two-factor authentication, where in order to get into an account, you have to authenticate yourself in two ways. One-factor authentication, for example, would be just a password. You you know the password, you get in. Two-factor authentication would be, one example, a password and a text message from your cell phone, to your cell phone with a code that you then enter. So it sounds like from this that he is explaining that what you really need is a two-factor authentication to keep your account secure, where if they offer it, you have both a password and a message that comes to your cell phone where you also have to enter a code that it sends you. And you would think that's what he is advocating and that's what would protect you. Well, turns out that's not true. I'm not going to play the rest of the video from Doug Bulk. If you want to go find it, it's called Poker Pros Are Being Hacked. Here's how they did it. It's on YouTube. It's on Doug Bulk's channel. I, it's worth watching, by the way. He gives all the details of what happened. I'm not going to play the whole thing. Uh, some of the things he says that you should do, I think in some cases are a bit extreme because they're cumbersome and too time-consuming. It depends how much money you have in your accounts, of how much effort you need to put in to secure them. But what he talked about was something I was unaware of, and that is that it's not very hard to duplicate SIM cards that people can social engineer telephone representatives of cell phone carriers and come up with information from them to essentially duplicate your SIM card in your cell phone and therefore take over your, uh, your, your text messages to where they can send and receive text messages as you. Which then becomes a disaster for anything where the cell phone is used to authenticate you. Even places that have a password and a cell phone to authenticate you can be a problem. Because in some cases you can reset your password if you authenticate yourself with a cell phone. So you don't want something where your cell phone is the backup. Like some email services use this, where if you say, forgot my password, it says, okay, we're about to send a text to such and such number. If, you know, once you get that text, enter this code and we'll let you reset your password. I believe that's what happened to Vanessa Selfs. They got into her Gmail. 
And then from there, they can start resetting your password on poker sites once they have your email. That's often how it's done. So you may ask, okay, well then what safe two-factor authentication method is there? And it's, it's abbreviated as 2FA, by the way. People talk about 2FA, that's what that means. But what's safer than that? If you can't use your phone as a second method, if that's not safe, if people can basically clone your, your phone by uh, cloning your SIM card, and if they can trick cell phone representatives into giving out the information that would allow them to do that, what, what, what should you use? What could you possibly use other than a password and a phone? Well, he suggests something called Google Authenticate or Google Authenticator. And I have used it before. And you can download it. It's an app you would get on your phone. And the only downside to it is if you lose your phone, then you can't authenticate through it. And then you have to go through like a backup process where you would... uh, What it asks you to do, Google Authenticator, is it asks you to write a certain code down on a piece of paper and not lose that paper, which can then be used to get your access back if you lose your phone or can't get into your phone for whatever reason for Google Authenticator. So then you may think, well, wait a minute. If that can be used, I don't want to – where do I leave the paper? If I leave the paper in my house, if someone breaks in my house, then they can reset – my Google Authenticator, we've got the problem all over again. So he actually made a good suggestion that what you should do is with that code you would write down on a piece of paper in case you lose your phone or if something happens to that Google Authenticator app, that what you should do is take a piece of paper, cut it in half, of you know half the code on one part, half the code on the other, keep one half in your house and keep the other half somewhere else, not in your house, in a safety deposit box, uh, with a friend or family member that you trust, whatever, to where if one half gets stolen, it's still useless to the ones who steal it. Now, there's still a bit of a problem with that, and that is, if it gets stolen, then, uh, and you've lost your phone, if one half is stolen, then the other half is useless. But, uh, Provided you still have your phone and one half gets stolen, then then you could just generate a new one. So, um, or or you could change the. Uh, I I forgot how this works, so I forget the procedure. But I know if you still have access to the device at that point, then you uh, you can do something with it. But that that was his suggestion to split it up into two parts, and I think that's a good one. So he mentioned Google Authenticator was good. And he, he mentioned an external device, if you have a lot of Bitcoin, that instead of using your cell phone and your email with an online wallet or uh, just storing Bitcoin on your computer and then having your computer end up in a landfill like CalWatt and lose all your Bitcoin. With Bitcoin, people are, are – they don't, they don't know what to do if they have a large number of Bitcoin. If you, if you only have a little bit, then you don't panic about it. But if you, let's say you have hundreds of thousands of dollars in Bitcoin. Well, how do you make sure they don't get stolen or lost? If you leave them online in a wallet like blockchain, you never know when that's going to get hacked or they're going to disappear with your Bitcoin. You know, you, any online service that's holding Bitcoin for you is vulnerable at some point or could steal it from you. 
And if you store them offline on your computer, then you risk uh, it getting damaged or stolen or something else like happening, the physical device getting stolen. So he suggested a device that that you can use to actually uh, store your... I'm not familiar with this device. I think it's called like the Thunder device. But uh, he suggested that device to store your your Bitcoin online, uh, offline, but also being able to use them, uh, like uh, also to where you can access it again if necessary, to where it's not you're not completely screwed if you lose the device. So he recommended that you may want to look into it. I'm not an expert with that. I, I don't use such things. I don't have that massive amount of Bitcoin. If I did, I would be using something like that. I would not risk uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars either just stored on my computer or uh, stored in an online wallet. I wouldn't trust it. I've never had that many Bitcoin, so I have not found it to be worth it to go through these extra steps. But if I did hold a lot of Bitcoin... For any length of time, then I, I would definitely do that. Uh, regarding the two-factor authentication with your poker account or with your email, um, <clears throat> there's one other thing he didn't mention, which I think is worth mentioning. It does not give the phone number to the ha- the potential hacker. So if someone wants to clone your phone or clone your SIM card, one thing they have to have is your phone number. If they don't have your phone number and they can't get your phone number, then it's safe, or pretty safe, unless they somehow come up with it. But if your phone number is not easily searchable or not well-known, or has to be both, not well-known and not easily searchable, because there are databases that are maintained online or you know, public records databases that may have your cell phone in there, but you could buy a cheap burner phone and make that your sec- your two-factor authentication phone. Give the phone number to no one. Don't associate with your name. Make it a prepaid phone. And then nobody's going to know that's your phone to get into. The only way they would know is uh, if some insider at the company looks up your phone number and does that. But... I think you're still pretty safe doing that. I think the big problem is people target guys like Dan Smith and Vanessa Selps because they're known high-limit players who have a lot of money online. So all you have to do is get their phone number, which you can probably do either by asking around or or looking at public records databases and then trying to social engineer the customer service reps. And then once you get the information you need – you clone the SIM card, you take over the text messages, and then you start resetting passwords. Like I know Vanessa Selp, someone reset her Gmail password and got into her Gmail. I wonder if we're going to start seeing like Joe Seabach-like pictures of her. Like what if they found dirty pictures in her Gmail? The question is, would we want to see dirty pictures in her Gmail? <laughs> I, I know I wouldn't. I mean, I guess I'd look if they came out, but I, I wouldn't be looking forward to it. It would just kind of be like a curiosity thing. But like if someone said, oh, we got a naked picture of Vanessa uh, Selbst, or oh, we, we got a picture of Vanessa Selbst having sex, like, I wouldn't be, oh, I got to see that. I'd be like, well, 
I don't really want to see this, but I kind of guess I have to look. That that would be my attitude. <laughs> I'm not saying that was found. I'm just saying that you get into someone's email, there's usually things you find that they wouldn't want you seeing. Even if it's not nude pictures, it can just be embarrassing or very personal emails. So the more known you are, the more you have to be careful of this happening. But I would think as an alternate means, as I was saying, just get a burner phone and make that your backup two-factor authentication. Or I should say backup, your, your second factor above the password. And then just only use that phone for that. Don't ever give out that phone number to anyone, to any company, anything. Only use it for poker accounts or email accounts. Otherwise, never give that number out to anyone to call you, to any businesses to call you. Never sign up with it. Only for things that have a two-factor authentication. In fact, you could even buy two of them. One just for poker sites, one for email. It costs a little bit of money, but you know, if you're dealing with high stakes, that's, that's a drop in the bucket. But you know, maybe Google Authenticator is better than doing that. It depends which one you find more convenient. I could see we're carrying around a second phone just for this purpose, or a second and third phone could be a pain in the ass. So maybe that's not the best solution. It depends. But if you want to learn about these things, uh, watch the Doug Polk video. He explains these. But but don't overdo it. If if, if you have three hundred dollars on Poker Stars, don't worry about it. If you, if you're a low mid stakes low to mid stakes player, probably don't worry about it. Uh, if nobody knows of you in poker, don't worry about it. Unless you got a ton of money in your account. But if you're just the typical unknown poker player who ranges between very little to a moderate amount of money online, you don't have to go through all these uh, heroics to prevent access. In that case, a password and a cell phone is probably fine. Are you completely secure? No, but there becomes the, the quality of life factor where you just you just don't want to do it. And, and and sometimes it can even cost you money. You see a game you want to jump into really fast. You want to log in really fast before that last seat is grabbed. And up, now you've got to go through two-factor authentication to get onto the site. It's a pain in the ass. You want to check your email several times a day. It keeps making you uh, enter this, you know, this two-factor authentication. It's a pain in the ass. So at some point, you have to say, this isn't worth it. Regarding email, you can also set up emails that you only use for online poker. You don't give to anybody else. That's something you can do to increase your chances to prevent these hackings. I've mentioned before, never accept attachments from people unless you know them and you know they are sending them to you. Even if you know the person, but you're not expecting anything from them. Even your own mother do not open the attachment. Not that your mother's going to knowingly send you a virus or a spyware or a Trojan horse program or a keylogger, but it may not be her. It may be someone under her account sending it to you, masquerading as her or masquerading as a trusted friend. So if you get something from someone, especially if it seems out of character, if you get out from your mother, you know, hey, look at this naked picture of Jennifer Lawrence, you know, click here to open it. Like your mother would never send you that. At least I hope not. 
So don't open it. Call up your mother and say, did you really send me this? She'll probably say no. Then you throw the email away. So if you ever get emails that seem to be enticing you to click links, even if it's from people you trust, it's probably that their account got compromised in some way. You should warn them and you should not open whatever they have sent or click on any link they have sent. Don't trust other poker players, especially ones who may have questionable reputations, to click links they send you, especially if it involves downloading anything. An old trick that was used on AOL Instant Messenger back in the day was to just kind of shoot the shit with someone that you want to hack and then find an excuse to why you want to send them a picture. Tell them, uh, hey, there's this really hot chick I've been banging. You want to see her? Oh, yeah, sure, dude. Send send her to me. So then you send... uh, a link to something if the person's if the person's uh, computer savvy this wouldn't work but you know someone who doesn't know computers very well you send them an, a, a, an executable file which you say is a picture and they open it it runs and nothing happens what what really happens is it opens a keylogger which can see every key you press on your computer but to the user it looks like just nothing happened so the guy says what you know, the victim says, what? I Nothing worked. I can't see this picture. And you go, oh, must be corrupt. Okay, sorry about that. You know, I'm, I'm going to look. I'm going to get another one from her. I'll, I'll, I'll message you later with it. You say, okay, forget about it. But now he can see every key you press, including all your passwords. So people did that back in the day and got access to poker accounts that way. So never accept attachments pictures, whatever, on your computer unless you really trust the person and know them and you also know that they're the ones sending it. But that's not what happened to Dan Smith or Vanessa Selps. They were victimized as they were known players. Someone got their phone number and they reset the passwords on various services and websites through the cell phone password reset process. Something else you may want is to make it so if there is an option, if you do use your cell phone as a backup, as not a backup, as a two-factor authentication as for the second factor, that they cannot reset your password with it. That they'd have to reset your password through email or through some other means or even that you'd have to show up somewhere and show ID or something where people can't just use your cell phone to get the password back. So be very wary about anything where people can use your cell phone number to receive a text to then reset a password. Because that that pretty much makes the two-factor authentication one factor. Because it, all make, it all makes it dependent on the cell phone, which can be cloned. So you don't want that. Let me see if I can find an article online about this uh, cloning cell phone SIM cards. This is from Quora.com. It says, the IMSI number is normally printed on the SIM card itself and it's between 13 and 15 digits long. 
the authentication key is stored on the card itself and has to be retrieved electronically. To copy a SIM card requires two things, the IMSI number and the authentication key. Um, Where did this go? Um, in theory, the SIM card can be connected to a USB port on a computer th- uh, through a converted like micro SD card and then copied and written to a new SIM card. However, we're not in the Stone Age, so SIM cards have protection on them. What? which uh, prevents the authentication key from being copied and could potentially brick the SIM card if it's copied. This will only occur if the SIM card is a V2 SIM card or later. If if earlier SIM card is used, the above process should, in theory, work if the provider is tricked into thinking the the copied SIM is, in fact, the original due to the copied data. You also need a code from your network provider to unlock the SIM card so it can be used. These can supposedly be given to you if you call them up, although never having tried it myself, I do not know. So that's what he's talking about here. This was written, by the way, over two years ago. But that uh, the SIM card has to be unlocked to be able to be used, and that uh, calling them up, you can talk them into it, he's saying. So. That is the problem. That's what people are doing. Anyway, I'm not an expert on SIM cards, so I'm learning this too. I've never really researched this. But uh, I hadn't thought of this before. I had never really thought about how someone could somehow trick my provider into getting access to my cell phone. They can't go back and read my old text messages, but that they could send and receive text messages as me. So, something else you may want to do is simply completely disable the ability to reset your password. Like on these email services, just pick passwords you're going to remember that you know you'll never forget and ones that are difficult to hack. And then just absolutely do not let them, you know, just turn off the ability to reset them. A little bit dangerous, you can't get back in, but uh, at least this will prevent people from using your cell phone to do it. So, these are just some little suggestions on preventing uh, people from abusing the cell phone SMS messages to get uh, access to email accounts and maybe even poker accounts or other important accounts you may have. But the more information about yourself that's out there, the easier it is for people. And of course, the more well-known you are as a victim that someone would want to get into their stuff, the more likely it is you'll be victimized in this way. So... By the way, the, the Scott from the East Coast texted me. He was the one who made the joke about uh, Larry can't ride his bike to Vegas. He said he wanted me to tell him that he said that. 
He's also disappointed he didn't get to play the contest. But you know, Scott, you can try the next time. We have one more to give away, which I may do next week. I really want to get these given away. I, I, I got to do them next week because the World Series will just be beginning next week. So we'll do the other one next week. Should have done it earlier. I just kept forgetting. All right, let's see what else we have here. Perlod Friedman is going to be live in concert. Not a big concert, not a big venue. It's very possible that he paid for the venue, but nevertheless, Perlod Friedman is going to be live in concert. On May 25th, which is now today, but later today, 8.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Right now it's 2 a.m. Pacific Time on the dot. Progress and Aida are going to be playing at Los Globos. Not Los Lobos, but Los Globos in Los Angeles. You have to be 18 or over. I don't know why, but you have to be 18 or over. Doors open at 8. 8.30 p.m. is the time the show starts. Now, I'm not doing this to... Promote Perlot. I've got a lot of issues with him and his promotion of UB when he knew it was a scam site because he was greedy and wanted to get paid. I think he's a hypocrite and a limousine liberal who claimed that corporations were evil and he'll never promote one and then promoted the most crooked corporation in poker. But we've played this before. This was Perlot's hip-hop duet he did with his girlfriend who's from, uh, I think, Brazil or something. Uh, her, her name is Aida, but it's not A-I-D-A, but it's not the same Aida who is a better-known musician that I think was on one of these American Idol-type shows in the UK. So, this Aida... Is Perlod's girlfriend. She's like 23 years old. Perlod is almost 40. And they did this song called Hazy Eyes. That's E-Y-E-Z. Hazy Eyes. And they did this together as a collaboration at the house which I, in Malibu, which I believe that Perlod is renting. And by the way, the, the theme of this song is, is smoking pot. I'm not even kidding. That's what he means by hazy eyes. Listen to this. Boom. He's lighting up a joint at the beginning, and it's all smoking in the room. So, yeah, Prahlad's being the the cool 16 year old kid, showing how just you got to envy him. He can smoke pot. Makes him so cool. Every day I wake up. I just wanna roll me up on you Every day I wake up I just wanna put my lips on you
Okay, so uh, this is a video, and they, they, they have very close-up shots of her ass when she's in a bathing suit. And, uh, you know, you can actually see her ass cheeks hanging out. It's one of those type of bathing suits. And So he's, he's trying to sexualize her. He's trying to make you know, everyone think she's sexy. You want to watch her for that reason. And that part's fine, I guess, if he wants to present his girlfriend that way. Kind of turn her into a sex object uh, through this video. Whatever, fine, if, they, if he thinks sex is going to sell. But he made himself part of the act. So here it comes. I, I just let it get to this point. I, I'm sorry to torture you guys with this music, but um, now we're getting to the prolad portion of it. Rolling and joking, evoking good vibes. We're real to Venice side. We hoping y'all high. We having dope times. Packing, puffing, walking, gymming. That's getting the body trim strengthened. Everything. Then shower with a joint in hand. Ask Trey to drain. We bump music from Oakland. Getting lifted, singing positive, creating songs from the piano, guitar, a drum, a hum, a bird. Okay, you get the picture. Showed her like in a bra, you know, sitting next to him, and at various points she sits on his lap, and then the, yeah. So the whole the whole point is kind of like they're smoking pot and showing how much they love each other. That, that's basically what the video is. Uh, and walking around their sweet Malibu pad, which I, I believe is rented. Um, if this were to be just the thing Perlot is doing for fun as a hobby, you know, fine. We we know he thinks of himself as a rapper. He has for many years. He's made some embarrassing rap videos on YouTube. This one's actually better than the ones he made in the past, but uh, he claimed, though, on a website he started recently that he's attempting to make this into a serious act, that he really wants this to be what he does for a living. I don't even know if he plays poker anymore. In fact, I think he claimed he's not doing it anymore. The poker. So he, he wants to be a music producer. And he wants to blow Aida up huge. Which, you know, it's very tough to do. It's very tough to find massive success with a new musical act. There's so many different bands and singers out there that are very talented, very good, that have every bit of what they would need to succeed, but just don't. It's it's hard. It's hard. You have to be discovered by the right people. There's a lot of luck to it. People who have connections and influence have a huge advantage. But a lot more people try than succeed by a very wide margin. I would never suggest to anyone that they become a professional musician unless they have more realistic goals, like I'm going to be a musician who uh, performs uh, you know, at weddings or whatever. I mean, that's not a whole lot of money in that, but at least there they're not shooting for the stars. They're, they're, they have a reasonable career goal with it. 
even attempting to be part of a, an orchestra or whatever. You know, they, the, those are realistic goals. Those jobs are they're not easy to come by either, but they're realistic. Becoming a major hip-hop star or even a semi-major hip-hop star, even being a one-hit wonder, it's very, very tough. There's so many people trying and very few spots to succeed. So you've already got that working against you, no matter how good and talented and attractive you are. So the last thing you want to do is handicap yourself. And that's what Prahlad is doing here, because he will never blow up huge. Prahlad is almost 40 years old. He's a rich white guy from, I believe, a wealthy family. He didn't grow up on the streets. He's not a white guy who's white in color only. He, he's a white bread white guy who tries to pretend he's not. Kind of reminds me of Vanilla Ice in a way. No one is going to buy the music put out by a 40-year-old rich white guy rapping. If you're a 40-year-old rich white guy, you are never going to find success in the hip-hop world. If you've been around for a long time and you just aged into being 40, maybe. But you're not going to start out at 40 and blow up huge as a white rapper. It's never going to happen. The, the, the market for rap, those that buy rap records, they, they're never going to buy that for a 40-year-old white guy breaking into the business. Never. You have no shot. What about his girlfriend who's like 23 and Brazilian, whatever? She's got an outside chance. Putting aside, you know, you know how, how good of a singer is she really? How much of this is auto-tuned? How much, you know, how much talent does she really have? I don't know. I don't even like this type of music. It's even hard for me to tell is this song even decent? I, I don't like that type of music, so it's kind of hard for me to tell. Be kind of like, uh, you know, like I hate eating mushrooms. If someone says oh, this this is a great mushroom, I'm not talking about the drug mushrooms. I'm like, you know, regular mushrooms. Someone said, you know, is this is a good tasting mushroom or a bad one. I couldn't tell because I hate all mushrooms. So it's kind of like that. So if he wants her to have a snowball's chance in hell. Even that much of a chance to be a success in the music industry. He needs to drop himself from the act. He needs to just be Aida, not Progress in Aida. Progress is his name. It's supposed to be a concatenation of Prahlad and Progress. Just stupid, but uh, putting that aside. Progress and Aida. Progress needs to drop off. Progress can produce. Progress can help out behind the scenes all he wants. He can write the songs. All that's fine to be a 40-year-old white guy. But you can't be part of the act if you're a 40-year-old white rapper who's never had fame in the past. Poker fame doesn't count. So the fact that Progress and Aida are performing later today shows that he really wants to be part of the act. He he just can't divorce himself from the act. Because this has always been his dream. He was happy being a successful poker player, but he really, really wanted to be a famous musician. He really wanted everyone to 
give him credit for making great music and buying it up and respecting him as a great rapper. That's his passion right now, and it has been for years. And that's fine. But he also has to understand his limitations. His chance of blowing up huge as a rapper at this point would be my chance of starting to play baseball on the weekends or even as much as I want to play baseball. I could try to play baseball all I want and think the Dodgers are going to sign me one day. That one day I can walk into Dodger Stadium and maybe it's during spring training and say, hey guys, uh, can you sign me as a non-roster invitee? I'm uh, I'm in my mid-40s. I've never played baseball professionally. I didn't play in high school or college, but I've been practicing a lot. I think I'm pretty good now. Don't worry. I'm 45 years old, but that's okay. I'm still good. They would they would laugh me out of the building. They wouldn't give me a chance to show them how good I am. There's no way to break into baseball as a 45-year-old. No way. If you've played your whole life in Major League Baseball and you're 45 and you somehow can still contribute, maybe. You know, there's a few players who have been like that. Very few, but there's been a few. But you couldn't just come in as a 45-year-old and get any kind of uh, chance. So, same thing with being a 40-year-old white rapper that's unknown. You have no chance. So all he's doing is dragging Dan Aida. All all it looks like is this uh, 40-year-old dude who wants to make vanity music with his young girlfriend. No one's going to take it seriously. I'm wondering even who's going to buy this, these tickets, uh, tomorrow or later today. Who is going to go see Progress and Aida and pay for it? Because the tickets are uh, $15 each. Some people wanted me to go to this. Some people wanted some wanted me to go and, and wear a UB hat to troll him. I actually have a UB hat too, which is sad. I haven't burned it yet. Some people wanted me to go there wearing a UB hat and sit in the front row. Others wanted me to get Ken Scaler to go. Well, I, I can't get Ken to go because he despises this type of music. In fact, even I like this music better than Ken does. Ken despises this type of music. He likes alternative music, and that's pretty much it. So he would never go. And if I went, I'm not very close to there. And I don't have the desire to troll Prahlad that much to where I'm going to sit in front with a UB hat. Like, I'll, I'll troll him on this show. I'm not going to go hassle him at his events that have nothing to do with poker. So, I... This is not going to go anywhere. As long as he's part of the act, this will go nowhere. Here, a cunt missioner posted in the forum, Don't Wanna, featuring Casey Veggies, (laughs) my progress in Aida. Let me see what that is. That's on SoundCloud. It's called Don't Wanna, featuring Casey Veggies. <laughs> Casey Veggies. Uh. 
Oh, it gets right into it. It gets right into I don't wanna. Like a, it's called don't wanna. Like the first line is I don't wanna. Wow. You don't have to wait for it. It's just right there. I don't know how much I can stand here. I'm going to try, but I don't know how much I can stand. I'm going to be honest. I hate SoundCloud. I'm going to see how to turn the volume down. It's a little bit too loud. Is there a way to turn the volume down? I hate SoundCloud. I don't think there is. They have this player on SoundCloud, which is supposed to look kind of cool and modern, but it just sucks. And I just turn my main volume down. Why we always so good and we go so hood throwing <laughs> Why we always so good and we go so hood You can't be a 40-year-old white guy and talk about going so hood You've never been in the hood. You've never lived in the hood. You're you're a rich Jewish kid who's now 40 years old, 39, whatever the hell you are. You're as hood as I am. Jeez. It's just kind of annoying to listen to because it's just... It's just so not authentic. It's someone trying so hard to adopt a culture that's not his. And I'm not one of these... Idiots that complains about cultural appropriation and all that other social justice warrior garbage. But I, I think you have to be what you are. If you're a if you were born as a white Jewish kid and that's the how you grew up in a wealthy family, and then you went to Berkeley and then you, you know, graduated college and you you became and you became a poker player and you had some success in that and whatever fine okay that's what you did that's what you are you have some things to be proud of stick with that don't don't pretend you you're so hood don't pretend you're yeah you know, from the streets he doesn't say these things but he wa- he, he he wants to get this cred he wants you to see him as, as a rapper you can take seriously. It just it just comes off as ridiculous. As a, a rich forty year old white guy who grew up in a in a rich family. You you can't you can't get credit as a rapper. And if if you want to rap about something that's you know use the rap format, but to rap about things that are more relevant to you, fine. It sounds a little bit strange, but okay. But you can't talk about what's so hood when you're a forty year old white guy. I, I got to hear the rest of this. Plates getting irate, iPhones getting replaced. We, we used to be so good. Now what we saying misunderstood. Now we <laughs> iPhones getting replays. We used to be so good. Now we misunderstood. Well, you're, you're misunderstood because you sold out to UB. You claimed you hated corporations and then you sold out to UB. Repped them, say it's the new UB when you knew it wasn't, when everybody warned you it's not the new UB, it's the same owners, you knew it was the same owners, you still promoted them, they stole everyone's money, that's why you're misunderstood. We playing games just to get a reaction, manipulate, we can't help it, we ain't perfect, Instagram. Yeah, is, is, that, is that an admission about what he did with UB? Manipulate, we ain't even perfect? I guess that's true, that's what you did. 
you manipulated people, and you definitely were not perfect. Make you think so. Yeah. We all smile easy like a free throw. Yeah. But behind closed doors, we yelling, getting jealous, saying, I don't need this. Ah, uh, he, he slipped in a little brag there. That That's a sick brag. Easy like a free throw. That's because I think he set a record. He was obsessed with free throws. It's a very strange thing, but he was obsessed with making free throws. And, and so he practiced over and over making free throws. And I, I believe he set a record on the number of consecutive free throws made. So that's what he meant by easy like a free throw. We always back in each other's arms, but we really got to stop the harm. For real this time. Nah, not for real this time. Mm. Okay, well, I, I give him credit for honesty. We got to stop the harm for real this time. And he says, not for real this time. <laughs> so he's saying, we got to stop the harm. We really got to do it for real. Okay, not for real. That's kind of a story what he did with UB. Okay. Sounds like a mea culpa to me. Belly Buster pointing out this is on iTunes, so it must be serious. (laughs) We all know if you're on iTunes, that means you've gotten somewhere. It's very tough to get on iTunes. That's my dream one day, to be accepted by iTunes. I'm hoping that one day Poker Fraud Alert could make it on iTunes. That's when I know this show will have made... Hold on. Getting some news here. We're on iTunes! When did this happen? Oh, my God. We've been on iTunes since the beginning. It's... it's you. Self-submit. And they basically accept everything. So I'm not going to the concert, but this is never going to... There's no chance it goes anywhere. Yeah, John Commode, who's an older listener, he said that they're the hip-hop Captain and Tennille. <laughs> You know, here's something weird. Speaking of the Captain and Tennille. So they were big in the mid-70s. I actually had a girlfriend who was born in 75, and her name was Tennille, which I'm sure came from the Captain and Tennille, because that's when the Captain and Tennille were big, was in 75. And yet her parents were so stupid that they misspelled Tennille. They didn't spell it the right way. They didn't even come close. It just felt strange to be dating someone named Tennille who was my age. But I guess that, you know, in 75, that seemed like the thing to do. I, I would love to bring Tennille on this show. And we, she and I, you know, we, we we had a falling out. Like, we we broke up. And we were you know, pretty young. This is many years ago. Many, many years ago. And we had a falling out uh, shortly after the breakup. Then we actually almost got together again about a year later. We messed around again, but we didn't get back together. Then some time passed, and we still you know, had some problems with each other. But then uh, we became friends, and we stayed friends for over 10 years. 
And in uh, in 2006, as I was in the airport coming back from St. Kitts, the tournament I played there, I was given the news that she died in her 30s. So, she had a heart attack, and not even a drug-related heart attack. She got... She was someone who I had thought was a hypochondriac. And I felt a little bit guilty for thinking she was. I didn't say it to her. At least I never said that to her. But She used to always tell me about this major thing she has going on with her health, that major thing, and I saw no evidence of it. And you'd see her in person, everything would look fine. And she'd act fine. But then they'd keep hearing about this or that that's wrong. and It just didn't seem to add up. And I knew she did have some seizure issues. This wasn't happening when I was together with her, but shortly after I was together with her, she started to have some seizures. But I I guess she had like a Red Bull and and took some pain pills for her back. And, And then between that and her existing seizure issues, they brought on a heart attack. And she died. So. I was shocked. And she called me 24 hours before she died and left me a message. I was gone in St. Kitts, so I didn't receive the message, but it was so strange. I hear that she died, and I I play it, and and I hear uh, her voice totally sounding healthy and normal. So I'm going to call her when I get back. It's very sad. And when I when I heard that she died, I actually just like stopped in the airport. I was on my cell phone checking my voicemail, and I just kind of stopped and uh, just sat down on the floor. A beer and poker said that uh, Phil Helmuth was on Chicago Joey and talked about UB. I heard something about that. I never watched it though. I wish I could talk about it, but I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear it. You know, it's I heard about it and I forgot it. Right, we have enough to talk about tonight. I'm, I might be coming down with this third cold, and we've got a few other things to talk about here. Mike Sexton returned to party poker. This is—I shouldn't say where he began. He's been part of the poker community for a very long time, but he—he he joined party poker. In the very early days, he even told a story how he lost out on a $500 million payout there and ended up, I think, getting 20 or $25 million or something if he just held on a little bit longer. I forgot the exact story. But he's been gone from there for a long time. I got a call from him. I've talked about this before when I had played on Party Poker but then took a break from there, played on some other site. I think maybe Poker Stars or maybe True Poker. No, I think it was before Poker Stars. I think it was when I moved to True Poker. Whatever. Oh, no, no, True Poker was before that. I, I don't remember where I was playing, but I, I stopped playing on Party for some time. And I get this call. And I know it was before I quit my job. Is I actually got the call myself while I was at work. And I got this call saying, uh, Yeah, can I speak to Todd? Uh, this is Mike Sexton. Is, is this Todd Wattellis? I said, yeah, this is this is Todd. Todd, 
I, I noticed you uh, used to play a whole lot here in Party Poker, and uh, I don't see you're playing anymore. So uh, what what can we do to bring you back here to Party Poker? Is there a reason you've stopped playing here? So I said, no, I just I just kind of switched to a different site for the moment. I, I guess I can come back at some point, but I have my money on a different site. At the, so anyway, I, I forgot how the conversation concluded, but I, I was... That was the first time, anyways, he was, I knew of him from being a, being a name in poker. He had been around the poker community forever. I was still relatively new. I saw his articles in Card Player when I'd go to Commerce or uh, to the Hustler and play poker. So I thought, wow, weird, Mike Sexton's calling me. This is before the uh, the World Poker Tour, so there was he wasn't commentating there yet. But I thought, wow, that's so weird, Mike Sexton calling me. Because I, I was a total nobody in poker. I, I was just a kind of mid-limit online player who wasn't even really winning. I wasn't really losing. I was kind of breaking even. So that was a surprising phone call. But he's come back. Mike Sexton has come back as the chairman of Party Poker. He's a member of the Poker Hall of Fame. The parent of Party Poker, GVC Holdings PLC, announced this. That this is the first time in a very long time that he has full-time responsibilities at party. Maybe he's going to call me again. And he has finally ended his time at the WPT. He and Vince Van Patten were longtime uh, commentators there. His shoes are going to be filled by Tony Dunst, also known as Bond 18. Young guy who's not as young anymore, but uh, used to always wear suits to poker tournaments. I know One Step liked him. One Step really liked Tony Dunst. The fantasy threesome for One Step, at least among poker players, would be him, Tony Dunst, and Tom Dwan. So. Sexton began in party poker in 2001. He was actually recruited as the in-house poker expert. That's why they signed him on. They needed someone who was very familiar with poker in the poker community. Um, party gaming was actually started before party poker. That was started in 1997 by Ruth Parasol, who had made her money originally in phone sex lines. And then the head programmer, whose name I've mentioned before, Anurag Dickshit. (laughs) That's how you spell it, that's how you say it. D-I-K-S-H-I-T, I'm not kidding. He was known by some people as the Dickshit. He was a partner in 2000. He was the head programmer. Part of the agreement in, in programming the software for Party Poker would be that he would be a partner in party poker, the dick shit actually called up one of my friends. 
and asked him in the early days of party poker if he had any suggestions to improve the site. They were very proactive with phone calls. Sexton called me about why I stopped playing. Uh, the dick shit called one of my friends and asked him if he had any suggestions. We never heard from uh, Ruth Parasol or her husband, Russell DeLeon. And there's also a marketing director of a party named uh, Vikrant uh, uh, Bargava. Vikrant, some people uh, refer to him as the Krant at the time. He also called somebody I knew. So all these people were uh, very proactive with finding out what the poker community wanted, which was smart. Uh, in 2006, Party, which was at the time the second largest site behind Poker Stars, they left the U.S. market because of the UIGEA, which Stars did not do. They they had to do this because uh, they were a British firm, and they couldn't just say, screw it, we're going to continue. They, they could have faced consequences there. So they chose to leave the market and do the legal thing. They also paid a fine, by the way. Even though they left before the UIGEA, or at the, at the time of the UIGEA. So, anyway, uh, they also started the Party Poker Million at one point which at first was a limit hold'em tournament on a cruise ship. I think they started in 2001 or 2002. Kathy Liebert won the first one. I was on the 2006 version, which was a pretty legendary cruise, and that one was won by Mike Schneider, also known as Schneids. So... According to uh, Party Poker's parent company, Sexton is going to have a large role in representing the brand and the global poker community. Here is his duties that they listed. Invest in software development to deliver an industry-leading player experience. Improve customer service and strive to resolve player issues in the same day. Reward the loyalty of players who start games and keep the action going. Look after smaller bankroll players with value-added promotions. Fight against the use of third-party software that gives an unfair advantage. Invest marketing budgets within the poker community. Maybe in this site. (laughs) Develop Party Poker Live to become the largest live poker tour in the world. Support partners and have their backs. That's a funny official statement, have their backs. Only appoint management who get poker, who are trusted and who actually care, and hold hands up to the poker community when mistakes are made. Isn't that fucking sweet? We're going to hold hands up to the poker community. Wow. I'm impressed. They're holding up their hands. Isn't that nice? So those are the... That's kind of a weird list of duties for him. It kind of just sounds like goals for the company. But that's what they've listed. They're going to hold up hands for the poker community. Isn't that nice of them? And they're only going to appoint management who get poker, who are trusted, who actually care. 
They care about us at Party Poker. There comes a time when we heed a certain call to bring Mike Sexton back to Party Poker. He sold for $25 million when he could have gotten 500 mil. So now he's coming back to get on the party gravy train. We can't go on pretending he's still young. One step won't jack off to Mike's exit on TV. They need Tony Dunst to get the young gay males watching. So Mike Sexton has to go back to where he came. We are the world. We are party poker. We are the ones who care about the poker community. So come on, play here. There is, there are people cheating. And we won't rip you off. Just believe in us and we will believe in you. Sorry, I didn't prepare these lyrics. I should have done it beforehand and pretend I was ad-libbing it. Well, we're going to invest in marketing budgets within the poker community. We're going to develop Party Poker Live to be large and live around the world. We're going to have our partners back. We're only appoint the management who gets poker. You're going to trust them, and they will actually care. We are the world. We are party poker. We are the ones improving customer service and strive to resolve player issues. We'll invest in software development and deliver in an industry-leading player experience. Ooh, it's a brighter day for you and me. Uh, when there's no hope at all. When Amaya's raising the rake and taking away your supernova elite. Well, 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 let us realize that we don't have a CEO doing insider trading with a company you can trust. And we love the regular players. We are the world. We are party poker. We are the ones who care about the grinders and the recreational players. Oh, the choice we're making. We're looking after smaller bankroll players with evaluated promotions and rewarding the loyalty of those who started games going. World, we are party poker. We are the ones who make your bankroll bright, so let's start raking. Oh, it's a choice you're making. Forget what Daniel DeGrande says. Come on over to Amaya. I can't get away from Amaya. What am I saying here? All right, I've heard enough. I just decided on a whim to do that. This was not a planned segment. This shows everybody sleeping because the chat room's not even commenting. If I if I did this like three hours ago, everyone would have been blowing up about this. 
It's two forty in the morning, though. So I understand why the live listenership is. Uh, it's mostly sleeper, sleepers at this time. Like I see the numbers, and I go, "Wait, these are mostly sleepers." And I know this because, like, when the show's over and I put on the reruns, like, like we don't even lose that much audience. I probably woke everyone up there. I, I probably woke Calwat up. I probably woke them all up. All right, here's uh, two Las Vegas stories, and we'll be done. Are you guys disappointed I didn't finish the song? I, I got pretty far. I got pretty far. Let's see how much time was left. Yeah, I got, I got like about two-thirds through the song. All right, so... There's a big piece of Las Vegas strip land that you could buy for a third of the price that it was selling 10 years ago. It's pretty good. You know, there's inflation since 2007, and instead of having to pay according to inflation, instead of having the price go up with inflation, the price has gone down by a factor of three. So, Crown Resorts, owned by James Packer, is looking to sell a piece of land on the Las Vegas Strip. They were planning to build a casino called Alon, A-L-O-N. Crown Resorts announced in December 2016 it's going to abandon the project and instead it's going to focus on its business in Australia. At one point, James Packer said, you can't be in the gaming industry and not have a special reference for Las Vegas. He had just a personal desire to have a hotel in Las Vegas. and It just didn't happen for him. He also struck out last decade in a much worse situation. Remember, there was a massive crash in 2008 of... Uh, Real estate values, commercial real estate, you know, the commercial and residential real estate just went in the toilet thanks to the bubble bursting in the 2008 financial crisis. Las Vegas was especially hard hit. He made various casino investments in the U.S., most of which were in Vegas, and lost $2 billion in 2008. That's got to hurt. So despite the black eye he took in 2008 in Las Vegas, he still had the desire to return there and open this up, this casino called Alon. And he had the site of the Frontier Hotel that was demolished 10 years ago. Unfortunately, that's not a very good property. It's too far north. Um, It is directly across the wind and Encore. But it's not going to get any foot traffic other than those at the wind and Encore. Maybe those visiting the Fashion Show Mall because it's right next to that, but 
it's north of the fashion show mall and people typically aren't going to walk in that direction especially on that side of the street so i can just tell you that uh Right there is a little bit too far north. It's not terrible. It's not like being by the Sahara, the former Sahara, you know, which was really fail. But it's not Center Strip. It's North Strip, and uh, so it wasn't a perfect location. The prime spot to be in Vegas is really like where Caesars and Bellagio are. Like City Center, that's even in a good location. Aria. But uh, the wind is pretty much the border of the farthest you'd want to be north as far as the strip goes. You can continue down Las Vegas Boulevard and find other properties there, like Circus Circus, but those are all has-beens. So... He's giving up. He doesn't state why, but they're giving up. And they're selling the site for $400 million. They bought the site for $1.2 billion in 2007. So they bought it for $1.2 billion. They're selling it only for $400 million. It has not sold, but that is what they are trying to do. They're trying to sell it for $400 million. Uh, or sorry, but he he didn't buy it for that. I got confused. This is what happened. Um, this was bought in uh for one point two billion in two thousand seven by Israeli investors, and then there were plans to build. A casino called Plaza Las Vegas, which is kind of funny. There already was a plaza in Las Vegas uh, downtown. It's uh, It's got another name now. It was, it was the f- hotel that was in Back to the Future 2 that Biff supposedly owned. It wasn't called the plaza for that. It was called Biff's or whatever. I forget. Biff's Place or something. Uh, so for $1.2 billion, these uh, Israeli investors bought this site. Then the 2008 crash happened then nothing ever got built there. It just sat and sat and sat, and uh, Crown Resorts actually bought it for $280 million. So I guess if they sell for $400 million, they'll make $120 million. But that wasn't the whole... They didn't buy this three years ago just to sell it for $120 million profit. That wasn't the point. They, uh, they meant to build something there. It just didn't happen. So that might be a bad sign. That they're bailing out here. Even if they make a profit, that wasn't the purpose. They really, he, he really wanted to build. James Packer really wanted to build there, and he's decided to abandon it. That was decided back in December, but now they're actually selling the, the land. And as far as I know, there's no interest yet. Now, here's a second thing that's happening in Vegas that's uh, not related but similar. We talked before on the show about Resorts Las Vegas. Resorts Las Vegas was uh, owned by it was a, a, a planned hotel that's also 
in a bad location, even a worse location, by Circus Circus. And it was to be owned by casino operator Genting. I don't know if it's Genting or Genting. I've read it all the time. I've never heard it pronounced. So if I'm pronouncing it wrong, I apologize. I'm going to call it Genting. But this would be a mega resort that they would build totally from scratch. It would not be taking over an existing building. And it would be, you know, it's like 10 years ago the last time they did that. And it's probably going to open around the year 2020. Or Sorry, I should say, uh, yeah, that, it's, it's been delayed that it's going to open now uh, in 2020. It's actually been delayed multiple times. Originally, it was to open in 2016. They actually broke ground on building this in 2015. At the time, in 2015, Governor Brian Sandoval of Nevada said, this is a day we've been waiting for for a very long time. Since the Great Recession, referring to 2008, Las Vegas has seen some of its casinos completely remodeled. However, the construction of a brand new casino has been elusive. So, Genting actually bought the site where it's being built for $350 million. It was where the Stardust used to be in the old days. Um, before that, it was owned by Boyd Gaming, and they were building a condo development called Echelon, which never got completed because of the 2008 recession. A lot of condos were abandoned that had not been completely built or had only been partially built. You know, they abandoned a number of condo complexes that they weren't finished with after that recession. It just wasn't worth completing them. So it went from the Stardust to this Echelon development to Genting buying the site for $350 million with the plan to build Resorts World. It was originally going to be huge, but it's gotten a bit smaller in the plans. The gaming floor is now going to be 100,000 square feet, which sounds very large, but it was going to be larger before that. I don't know the exact number, but it was something larger than 100,000. Genting also decided that they're going to redesign it somewhat because they felt it didn't look modern enough. They, I guess they don't want it to have the look of a 2000s or early 2010s casino. They want it to look really modern. Which is understandable. You you don't want to open up a place and have it look dated immediately. You want you want people to walk in and say, "This is a place that looks like it looks like it's new." Like let's look at the Bellagio, for example. That was built in '96. A lot of people love the Bellagio. Bellagio is a very classy looking property. Very nice things about the Bellagio, but it doesn't look modern. It looks like a '90s property. They haven't changed it very much. It looks like a property from the 90s, and it is. Compare it to something like the Cosmopolitan or the Aria, 
you walk into those properties, you can tell they're much newer. The whole design, it has a much more modern look to it. So Genting's going one step further and making sure it looks even more modern. Something that you'd associate with the 2020s, not the 2000s or the 2010s. I don't know specifically what they changed, but that may not be a bad idea. If they feel they have some innovative or modern-looking designs that they feel will capture people's attention, that it's the most modern property in Vegas, rather than being just another 2000s, 2010s-looking casino, I can understand that. But I, I still am skeptical, as much as I don't love the location that they were going to have across the wind for uh, this Alon hotel that's not going to come to be. Resorts World is much worse. Resorts World is uh, way north. I shouldn't say way north, but uh, north, but uh, it's not that close to the wind and Encore. If you look at a Vegas map, if you want to do this along with me as, as I'm talking here. The funny thing is it already has reviews on Google Maps. How, how does it have reviews? That t- it's got a phone number too? I, I'm going to call that in a second. How can it have a phone number? Anyway, if you look at a Las Vegas map and you get to like Spring Mountain Road and Las Vegas Boulevard, You'll see on the south side, you'll see there's a palazzo on the southeast side. On the southwest side, there's a treasure island. And you're coming towards the end of the strip here, or what I consider the strip these days. Then the northwest side of, uh, of Spring Mountain and uh, Vegas Boulevard is the Fashion Show Mall. The northeast side is the Wynn and Encore. The Wynn and Encore stretch all the way to the next block, which is East Desert Inn. And the west side only has uh, a big empty lot, and there's a you know there's the Trump Tower, not right on Vegas Boulevard, but more toward uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Boulevard. But that's not a ho- that's not a casino; it's just a hotel, hotel and condos. So really is that big empty space there, which is what we were talking about for Alon that's not going to take place. But then it's, it's got a past Desert Inn Drive, or Desert Inn Road, which uh, there's, there's a little street called uh, Resorts World Drive, which you would turn on to enter Resorts World. But it doesn't exist yet. It's, it's only partially built not even close to being done. And that's all that's there, But and it's fairly close to Circus Circus, which is way up there. And on the other side of the street, there's nothing. There's nothing, like shopping centers. That's it. There's, there's really nothing a tourist would visit on the other side of the street. So the typical person at Wynn Encore is not going to walk that direction because there's really nothing there especially with nothing being on the other side of the street of them. So there's nothing directly across the street and nothing directly to the north. And you have to you know, walk a good deal northwest you know, up Las Vegas Boulevard 
that's not really the northwest. It's north of Las Vegas Boulevard. You have to walk there and then you know, cross over to the other side. So it is kind of northwest to get to Resorts World. And it's next to Circus Circus, which is kind of considered the lower end of the strip there. And there's really nothing much past Circus Circus. Riviera's gone. That's, that's basically it. There's the SL, FAL SLS over there. Is that even still open? I don't even know if it's still open. And then even farther down, it's the Stratosphere, which is a, a lousy neighborhood. Uh, I think location is very important in Vegas these days. Because there's a lot of people who want to walk in Vegas from property to property. And if your high-end resort there is away from everything else, even if it's not impossibly distant to walk, it's just kind of a little bit out there where people just won't really think of going that direction. You're just not going to get that much foot traffic. So you're only going to get those who are going there specifically for your property. Win Encore, on the other hand... Not only is it directly across from the Fashion Show Mall, but it's right next to Palazzo, which is connected to Venetian. Close to Treasure Island. Fairly close to Mirage. So people from all these hotels there can walk. And if you want to go the next one over, there's Caesars. It gets to be a bit distant to walk from Caesars to win, but you know, if someone who would want to walk north from Caesars would get to Mirage, then Treasure Island, then Wynn, you know, and Palazzo Venetian across the street. Still a lot to walk to over there. You know, like there's a lot of things you can visit, a lot of options that direction. But from from north of Encore, there's like a nothingness for enough to where people aren't going to want to walk it. So I, I don't think that's a good location. I know there's not a lot of space anymore to just grab good locations, but... That's a lot of money to invest, but they're still going forward with it. They're just delaying it, and people are a little concerned. Maybe they're delaying it for a reason. Maybe that they're not going to ever complete this. i got to read the reviews, and i got to make the phone call. Because I... <clears throat> it only has 3.1 stars. Okay, these are, these are funny. Uh, it has amazing restaurants. Way better than Pandra Express. They also celebrated... 2027 here. They're referring to the year 2027 here. It was great. (laughs) So one wrote, it's really big and beautiful casino inside. It's it's very luxury and the tower design so good. I really love it. (laughs) Now this one's a serious review. It says, it's a shame Las Vegas City Council let these people get away with an eyesore. They're referring to the place that it's just sitting there not completed and Looks ugly. Another person with a one-star review. This place has issued like 20 announcements they would begin construction. So far, nothing's happened. Vegas is a shell of what it once was. How embarrassing. They wrote this uh, a month ago. Someone wrote, bad location very far from China. Uh, Someone just wrote a good review. Looks real big and put five stars. Slow construction, too little promotion for what is being done, an ugly place place on the Las Vegas Strip detracts hotels around. I, I don't agree with that. There's no hotels around it, except for Circus Circus, and they're already detracted enough. 
So <clears throat> the person saying they're celebrating 2027, they're probably not kidding. I could see that being when it opens. So I don't know if this is a matter of just being slow and having redesign issues and just wanting to really make sure it's right or if they're starting to get cold feet with uh, investing a lot in this, if they're afraid that the market's already saturated in Vegas. Maybe they're having doubts that spending that much money will result in something profitable. Um, another problem is that what where the real money is made in Vegas these days is no longer in gambling. It's it's mainly on on entertainment and uh, restaurants and hotels, like other cities. The gambling is now becoming secondary. So I think they're a little afraid. Before the thinking is as long as you get enough people in the hotel, they're going to gamble. That's all you need. Now they're like, well, now we need a lot more than that. We need people that are going to come here. So I, I don't know if the location is what's making them skittish or if it's, they, they, they're seeing something in the economy they don't like. Or if it's just good old-fashioned fail. And if they are wanting to go forward, if they're just having problems. I don't know. But I, I wouldn't want to invest in that at this point. I, I'm not sure if Vegas needs right now another new resort that's kind of way out there. It's, it's one thing if they're going to wreck some old hotels and, and build something, a big resort in its place, like right in Center Strip. Like, let's say, and this was actually a plan at one point, which was abandoned, but Caesars acquired... The Barbary Coast, which is now called the Cromwell. Uh, they acquired Imperial Palace. O'Shea's, which is the little casino. They already had Harris. They already had Flamingo. And what they were going to do was wreck all of those. From the Barbary Coast, which is now the Cromwell, all the way down to Harris. Just... Blow it all up. And they were going to build a mega resort there. That was before the crash. But that's why they acquired the Barbary Coast, which became the Cromwell eventually. They only acquired that and O'Shea. They acquired all that just so they could wreck it all and have the entire block. Basically between uh, Flamingo Road and uh, this little street called uh, Kruger Drive, which is between Venetian and Harris. That was the goal, to build this mega resort that was going to be their flagship property. But after the crash, they said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. (laughs) And they left everything alone. Then they decided to build the link. They renamed Imperial Palace a few times. 
which is now called the Link, and then they built their Link shopping center, including that high roller wheel. And that's the way it stands. And then the Barbary Coast, which they renamed because it's not a coast property, that was renamed first to Bills. They just kind of gave it a generic name. And then they redesigned it as the Cromwell. So, as a result, that entire block is owned by Caesars on both sides of the street because Caesars Palace is on one side. And that actually takes up that whole block. And then they're going to have an equivalent size resort, which basically would have been equivalent to Caesars and the forum shops together that never came to be, which currently is now just Harris, the Link, Flamingo, and the Cromwell. But then if you cross the street, you have Bellagio on one side, but you have three more Caesars properties on the other side of Bally's, Paris, and Planet Hollywood. So you're, there's a big row of Caesars properties right there all together. Every single Caesars property is, is connected to one another in some way. I mean, I don't mean they're all connected in a circle, but you go from one Caesars property to the next, uh, except for the Rio, which is on the other side of the freeway. And the only value the Rio has to them right now is the World Series of Poker because it has the parking and convention space for it. Other than that, they've pretty much given up on the Rio. That's why they closed the show in the sky. That's why the whole party atmosphere that it was founded upon, that, you know, that's kind of like feeling like you're in little Rio de Janeiro. That was the whole point of the Rio. That's all out the window. And the maintenance, the maintenance they don't try at all anymore. Uh, a lot of the complaints about the Rio are because they don't care about it anymore. It, it, and when it's not, they even tried at one point to market it as a local casino. But while I still do that to some degree, they're not even pushing that anymore. They've pretty much just given up on it. It's, it's pretty much a failed property for 10 and a half months of the year. And only during the World Series does it have any relevance. Eventually they may sell it, but then they would have a problem of where to hold the World Series because there's really no other property that could house it right now in Vegas that they own. Except maybe Caesars, but they still would have a parking issue at this time. I think they have the convention space for it, but I don't think they have the parking. So that's the story. That's what's going on in Vegas. And I think we're about done. I think we're about done. Well, thank you for listening tonight. I guess you'll find out in the coming days, if I tweet about it, whether I really have a third cold. I, I just, I've, I've had to mute it a few times to cough. But I'm still not sure. It's not following the usual pattern. <clears throat> and I hope I won't wake up with worse symptoms in the morning. If I do, it's probably time to go to the doctor and I, I hate going for things like that because it's so hard to diagnose like 
I say I got three colds in a row. Okay, well, now what? What do we test? What do we do? Like, it's it's too general. You want to believe you can just go to the doctor and they go, oh, you have this. You know, like, it's not, it's not that simple. These things are very hard to diagnose. And it could really just be bad luck. But, yeah, that'll be a concern if this really is a third cold in such a short time. So, thank you for listening. We'll be back a week from today. May 31st. Final day of May. First day of the World Series, I believe. Let me check that out. I think it's the first day of the World Series. It is. It'll be the Casino Employees event, May 31st. So we do have some casino employees that listen to this show, and I know this because it seems like every year there's a poker dealer at the World Series, at least one, who sits down and mentions that they listen to my show. And you know what always happens? I always do well when they deal to me. Every single damn poker dealer that has identified to me that he listens to this show or she listens to the show, I then proceed to run the best of anyone on the table when they're dealing to me. If you guys are somehow dealing me better cards, I'm not going to ask any questions. Just thank you. I'm not even superstitious like that, but I, I'm happy to see it's someone who listens to the show because like, I'm, I'm worried I'm going to embarrass myself in front of them and chunk off all my chips, but no, I, I just run it up big time. And then when they leave, I start losing again. I need all dealers who listen to this show, one after another, and I'll win the bracelet for sure. And if, if you know anyone who deals and listens to this show, ask them. Ask them if they've dealt to me and how I've done. And they'll all tell you that I, I win. All of them will tell you that I do really well when they deal to me. So we'll talk a bit more about the World Series next week. It'll be, I mean, there'll be no real news because there'll only be the casinos, employees advantage will be the first day, but we'll talk a bit more about it because it will be getting going. And June 2nd is the Colossus, so get ready for that. I won't be there, but thank you for listening. I'm looking forward to the World Series. Hopefully we'll have some good results this year. We'll have radio during the World Series. We'll see you next week, May 31st, 8 p.m. Good night. Shalom.